Money people! Directed, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoices. There's a party over here, a party over there. Wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoop, it is Hitman. There it is, from 1993 by Tag Team. This is Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends Show, broadcast live and recorded on March 14th, 2018. Right now it is a little bit after 9 p.m., and we had a free roll start six minutes ago, which you can still get into. Let me give you the information on that, and then we'll get going with the rest of the show. 
The free roll is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is located at the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. It is a $100 free roll this week. $100. We're giving away 50 for first, 25 for second, 16 for third, 9 for fourth. So that's 50, 25, 16, and 9. The donations this week came from Gordman, who gave $20, Snowtracks, who gave $55, uh, 50 of which was basically to get back into the free roll after he got banned, uh, 15 from GambleBot's Chafed Penis, and $10 from Hong Konger. So that adds up to an even 100, 50, 25, 16, and 9. To find out the eligibility rules, go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase. You have 25 minutes of late registration, so even if you're not in yet, you still have 18 more minutes to start with a full stack. But after 9.25 p.m. Pacific time, you will be shut out. One other thing that's not mentioned in the official rules is that if you have a new account on PokerFraudAlert's No Fraud Online Poker Room, you needed to get validated by Belly Buster in order to participate. He will decide whether you qualify or not. Uh, so he's doing that so people don't make phantom accounts to dump chip to, chips to themselves, uh, covering what could have been a security flaw in the free roll, as sad as that sounds. So Belly Buster, you can PM him on the forum, Belly Space Buster on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. You can message him there. If you have a new account on the Poker Fraud Alert, Poker Fraud Alert, No Fraud Online Poker Room, and it is not validated yet. But that only applies to new accounts. If you've been there for even a little while, then your account should be fine. If you have a lot of trouble getting validated or something and you're a listener or a forum member and you think you should qualify, then you can text me, 775-372-8355. That number I just gave is also our main phone number into the show. 775-372-8355, also known as 775-FRAUD-55. That's really what it spells, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can call the number during the show, and I will answer if we're ready to take calls. And you can also text that number anytime, day or night, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 775-372-8355. I will read your text on the air unless you ask me not to in the beginning of the text. So be careful what you say to me, unless you specify that at the beginning, not to read it. You can text me before, after, or during the show. You can chat in our chat room if you're listening live. If you're not listening live, which is most of you, then there's no point to go in the chat room because nobody will be there. But if you're listening live, you can go to the chat room. It's the chat button near the top left of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a flash-enabled device. You also need a Poker Fraud Alert forum account, which is validated and in good standing. Uh, I don't believe it works on iPhones or iPads because of the flash requirement, but that's the way things go. Also, I don't read the chat room very often during the show because I have so much going on here. I pretty much run everything, and I'm the main host. I run all the technical aspects of it and all that stuff. Just too much to do to also read the chat room. But you can chat with each other, and I occasionally look in the chat room. In fact, let's see. Right now, I'm going to look into the chat room. I'm going to look in right now. And it says... Let's see. Uh, nothing of interest. Sorry, guys. I, I can't quote any of that. 
By the way, the reason I started with a song, Whoop There It Is, by Tag Team, which is a rap song from 93, which kind of sounds like something I wouldn't play here. I used to say that a lot in the Poker Stars and Absolute Poker chat rooms when I'd be playing and some card would hit on the river, which makes an obvious straighter flush. I, I wouldn't say that that would give anything away, but you know, these were middle to high limit games, so clearly when a third flush card hits... Or, like, yeah, or the the board is now like eight, nine, ten jack with multiple people in. It doesn't take uh, a pro to be able to see that that would make a straight or a flush for someone. So, when there's a big pot that's been built up, and then a card like that hits the river, that's when I say "whoop!" There it is. I would type that in the chat room, and I would I would just do this for fun. I wasn't trying to needle anyone. In fact, I didn't know. Well, sometimes I had an idea, but I wouldn't know exactly who's going to win from that card. But I would just say it to kind of create a fun environment there like because I would usually do it when I wasn't in the hand which I guess can be good or bad you, you could say I shouldn't be commenting when I'm not in the hand I guess you could also say that I'm not being a sore winner or a sore loser by commenting on a card that hits that doesn't affect me but uh, I would do that to kind of create a talkative fun atmosphere in the game and it worked you know, people like things like that in there some people got pissed off but that helped too because they'd complain in there and that would also make it fun so I was thinking of that the other day and that was made me want to play that song so here is the agenda. Actually, before we get to the agenda, I forgot about the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a phone number you can call to listen to the show from anywhere at any time. You just need a phone that can dial. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the internet. You don't need a data plan. You don't need a computer. All you need is a phone that can dial 712 that's country code 1, by the way, if you're not in the U.S. 712-775-8162 to hear the call to listen line. It's just a phone number you call, and it plays the show. doesn't use any of your data. Just any phone in the world that can dial. It could have been manufactured in 1950. You could still use it to listen to the show. I'm not even kidding. There's also never any buffering. Never, never, never any buffering. It just plays. It just works which is unlike most online streams, which get caught up with buffering if your connection is not very good, which sucks. I made sure this does not happen. 712-775-8162, the call to listen line. I should call it the no buffer call to listen line. Because I'm very proud of that part of it. Everybody's online streaming experience these days, you're always fearing buffering. And this doesn't buffer, Never. Let's see, anything else? Okay, I guess we'll get to the agenda. Ivy's room and Bobby's room, which are two nosebleed rooms. Nosebleed being very, very high stakes. I've never played as high as the games that go on in those rooms. One's at the Aria, one's at the Bellagio. They're both MGM properties. They're in Las Vegas, obviously. They are... Being accused, and I've heard this for years, but we're going to talk about it on this show in depth for the first time ever. They are being accused of breaking the law regarding the requirement in Nevada to always allow open poker games. They're kind of operating as if they're private games when they're really not. You remember we talked about the second of the two Humpty Hump robbers that hit Las Vegas casinos recently? This, this one was in January, the second of the two. A black guy who robbed New York, New York, and looked a lot like Humpty Hump from Digital Underground. 
not current Humpty Hump, but Humpty Hump back in 1990. Uh, it was the second consecutive Humpty Hump robber. I think there were different guys. The previous one, I think, robbed Harris. Anyway, we covered both robberies on this show. The second Humpty Hump robber has been caught. And despite the fact that he was the black Humpty Hump robber, it turned out that he was actually a white guy. Yeah. So we'll talk about that story. He has been arrested, and his identity is, of course, now known. This was just brought to me today. I had to drop everything to squeeze this into the show. This was not going to be part of the agenda, and someone brought it to me today, and I thought it was a very interesting story. We're going to have an interview related to it. It has to do with a potential scam. It's called the Diamond Spade Club. It's supposedly a high-end VIP club for rich poker players. Already right there, you hear that. You think, okay, that sounds like it might be a scam. Well, I thought that too. And someone on the Real Grinders Facebook group is very, very emphatically telling everyone that it is a scam. So we're going to talk about the Diamond Spade Club, and we're going to have that guy who goes by Johnny Ferrari. I don't know if that's his real name, but Johnny Ferrari is going to come on Poker Fraud Alert Radio tonight. And we'll hear from him about the Diamond Spade Club and about how he feels it's a scam. And I think he's got some very good points. The Heartland Poker Tour is pretty well regarded. There's currently a stop in uh, Meadows, which is at uh, – it's in Pins- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's called the Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Well, Alan Kessler is upset, and I don't blame him, because they have two events where the guarantee is not a guarantee if they don't get a minimum number of entrants, which is kind of – Against the whole concept of a guarantee. So we'll talk a bit about that. Last week I didn't bother to cover the fold heard around the world. There was an amazing fold where a guy folded a set he rivered. He rivered second set. And the way the hand played out, it just didn't seem like he was beat, even though he was facing an all-in raise. And he folded, and he turned out to be correct. So we'll talk a bit more about the – I guess we'll talk about it for the first time. We didn't talk about it last week, even though we could have. We'll talk about the fold heard around the world and whether that fold was as amazing as everyone is saying it was. Well, I'm sure you've probably thought about – we've talked about it on the show. That's why I think you've thought about it. Whether a man who pretends to be a woman or even identifies as a woman – could qualify for the women's event at the World Series without having to pay that $9,000 surcharge. So there's probably been some thought about that when it comes to men pretending to be women. We've had a history of that at the World Series where before they were charging that surcharge, there were men who would play in the event, some of whom would dress up in drag. Sean Deeb even did it once. But this year we're going to have the reverse of that. This year at the World Series of Poker, A woman claims that she is going to dress up as a man and try very, very hard to appear to be a man, to try to fool people into thinking that she's a man. Why is she doing that? We will talk about that when we get to the segment and discuss whether her plan will work. The Nevada Attorney General, who charged Brian Mikon, who formerly did a radio show and ran a site with me, The guy who charged Brian Mikon for running his Bitcoin poker site is now going to run for governor. He made it official today, so I'll tell you a bit about Adam LaSalt. I think that's how you say his name. 
the Casalt, I don't know, L-A-X-A-L-T, and his gubernatorial campaign in Nevada. Last year, Venetian added a triple-zero roulette game, which is terrible for the player. You have uh, three times worse odds at that than a single-zero roulette game, and 50% worse odds than a double-zero game. So a triple-zero game is horrible, very high casino edge. Planet Hollywood has jumped on the triple-zero train, and they have added a triple-zero game as well. Is that going to become the new normal in Las Vegas? We'll talk about that. One of the elements of the future that people have been awaiting for many years is the ability to immerse yourself in a realistic virtual reality and or holographic world, where basically... You can live in a fantasy world, and everything looks like you'd expect it to look. You really feel like you're there. Virtual reality technology has existed for more than 25 years, but uh, 25 years ago it sucked, and it was not realistic at all. They've made a lot of strides since then, but not as many as you would have expected in the time period we're talking about. However... A holographic and virtual reality experience, which will be mixed with a live-action experience, is going to come to Las Vegas. To the Link Promenade in 2019, it's called Kind Heaven. It's a weird holographic Southeast Asian-themed complex. And I'll tell you all about that. It actually seems cool, but I have some skepticism whether it's going to be what they claim it's going to be. Bet Online. If you use Bet Online as a sports book to bet online you probably have not been able to bet this week because they have had a long-term outage due to a long-running DDoS attack, and they've been fighting and fighting to get the thing back up. But they, I mean, go there right now if you're listening anytime close to when we created this episode, and you'll see that betonline.ag, you can't get to it. So they're suffering a massive DDoS attack, and we'll talk about what's happening, why it might be happening, And might other gambling sites be this vulnerable if hackers decide to do this to them? Finally, Sheldon Adelson is getting out of the Pennsylvania casino business. He owns Sands Bethlehem. There was an attempt which failed, which we talked about last week, to expand to have a mini casino there as well. But he's getting out. There will be no more Sheldon Adelson-owned casino in Pennsylvania very shortly. That is our agenda. One step sent me a message. <laughs> he wants me to plug his thread. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it any... I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'll do it anyway. For the uh, few gay listeners we have here... See, I want to seem like I'm inclusive. I don't want to seem like I'm discriminating against gays because, you know, we talk about women on this show and hot girls and all that, so I will admit... That being a straight man, and given that all my other hosts on the show are straight, I will admit that we don't give very much time talking about uh, attractive guys. Because why would we? Why would we care about it? Why would we even notice it? So, of course, we have one step who claims to be bi, but I I think he's almost all gay. It's it's very strange seeing when he talks about women, because it really seems like he's much more excited about men. But... He created a thread on Flying Stupidity, the Flying Stupidity portion of Poker Fraud Alert, called the official second annual March Madness Jocks and Twinks thread. 
And it's exactly what it sounds. So if, if you want to see the type of guy that One Step likes, you can go to this uh, <laughs> this thread. I can't believe I'm plugging this. He was he was asking me to plug it. I wasn't excited about the thread, but uh, that's what you get for having a free speech forum. All right, let's get going here. We're going to talk about the Aria and Bellagio topic first, and then we're going to skip over to the Diamond Spade Club because I want to get the guy on who is going to talk about it, and he's very close to where Calwatt is. He's in Niagara Falls right now. He doesn't live there, but that's where he is. And Calwatt, by the way, if you're wondering where he is, he's sick right now. Calwatt is sick. He said he would make an attempt to get on the show if I started by 845 Pacific. I didn't, so he didn't get on the show. But before you get too mad at me, he would not have lasted long anyway. He said he's very sick. In fact, I kind of felt bad for him even coming on here like I it kind of seemed to me it was better off that he didn't come on for his own sake because uh, yeah if you're feeling really sick you really don't want to come on and do a radio show that's why there's no Calwatt tonight however before we get going let me try to find Trader Ruski we'll put him on maybe we'll find Brandon tonight later on you never know have some Vegas related topics as you heard that he'd probably like to talk about We'll throw Trader Ruski on here. Hello. What's happening, Ruff? Well, glad to have you. Glad to see you're not sick like uh, Calwatt is. I'm good. That's fortunate. You know, I actually have done pretty well so far. I, have, uh, I haven't gotten sick yet in 2018, and a lot of people are getting sick in California. A lot of flus, a lot of colds, and I have dodged that. So despite the fact that I'm getting colds fairly often... In 2018, it has not happened yet. We're only two and a half months through, but given that it's been a really nasty cold and flu season in California, it's surprising that I've dodged that. So I want to talk about the situation with the Aria and Bellagio nosebleed rooms. Now, before we begin, Trader Ruski, have you heard about the situation that people have complained about for years, that they run those nosebleed games almost like they're private games? Oh, yeah. The guy who won the WS, the main event a few years ago, the whole thing about it, right? Yeah, Greg, yeah, uh, Greg, Greg Merson, yeah. He, he vocally complained about it. In fact, it was because of Merson that the attention was brought to it the most. Like, uh, that was when people paid the most attention to what was going on there. Before that, it was kind of something people talked about a little bit, kind of whispered about. It was kind of like an open secret, but Greg Merson really blew the lid off of that when he openly complained that they were shutting him out of those nosebleed games. And a lot of people were not aware of what was going on. And when I heard the Greg Merson complaints, I had kind of loosely heard a few things about that, but his complaints kind of really opened my eyes to what was going on. But my eyes have been further open to this even more recently. And I'll tell you, about this topic we're going to do here, it's going to get some people angry. It's probably not going to get any listeners angry, because I don't believe anyone who plays in that game listens to this show. But there are people who know people who play that game or help manage that game. And at least some of them will probably hear about this. And the reason they'll be unhappy is because this is like never openly discussed. This is the type of thing that people will mention to each other where 
occasionally there will be a reference to it on the forums, especially with you know the regards to Greg Merson. But there hasn't really been, to my knowledge, a detailed discussion on all the things that are alleged to be going on in these two rooms, which are illegal if they're happening. Now, I want to say that I have not verified any of these, because I've never played in those games. I've never attempted to play in those games. They're just too high. I don't want to play that high. It's, it's too stressful. So, I have not been a victim of any of this, and I have not witnessed any of this happening. So, I cannot say with 100% certainty that the things we're going to talk about have actually occurred, but I have heard so many stories about this that I have to think that this is likely to be occurring the way it's being described. My attention was really recently brought back to this because of a Twitter account, a gimmick Twitter account named Aria Private Game. And that's at Aria Private Game, exactly as it sounds. No underscores, nothing, just Aria Private Game. Twitter.com slash Aria Private Game. And you'll see a gimmick Twitter account, which jokingly pretends like it runs the ARIA private games, which can't really exist by law. Nevada state law says that all poker games must be open to the public and in view of the public, that they cannot bar the public from watching, that they cannot bar the public from playing. There's no such thing as a private game in a live card room in Nevada. Can't exist by law. If it does exist, if you see evidence it exists, then you have a right to call Nevada Gaming, who will come down and force them not to make it a private game anymore. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people see those games, these nosebleed games, and they just assume that these guys are playing for so much money, of course they get privacy. And it's kind of reinforced because you see sometimes a whale in the casino, like playing blackjack, where they'll close down an entire table for a guy betting $10,000 a hand. And if you try to stand around and watch him, they'll chase you away. So since there are games like that in the casino, you can't go over to one of those games and say, hey, I want to sit here. They have a right to just restrict that game to that person. But in poker, they can't do that. In poker, all games have to be open to the public and viewable by the public. So... This Aria private game account is obviously made in jest, but it's being made to mock Aria and Bellagio for running pseudo-private games, which are not technically private games, but they treat them like they are. And whoever created this Twitter either just wants to troll them or has been shut out of that game, or both. But thanks to this account and thanks to things that I've been told privately go on there. There's a number of things that happen at these uh, like pseudo-private games in Bobby's room and Ivy's room. Bobby's room is referring to Bobby Baldwin. Ivy's room is referring, of course, to Phil Ivy. And Ivy's room's in the Aria. Bobby's room's in Bellagio. Bobby's room came first. They're both MGM properties. But there's a number of ways that they can keep these games private without expressly making them private. Because they can't just say this is a private game, then someone will call gaming and they'll get in trouble. But there's a lot of backdoor ways to do it that supposedly has been going on. I say supposedly because I haven't witnessed it, but this is these are the stories and rumors I have been told. And if anybody who manages these games or even has played in these games would like to 
dispute this. If you'd like to rebut what is being reported on this show, go ahead and message me. You can text me at 775-372-8355. You can email me at dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and I will be glad to put out your point of view as well and correct anything that is incorrect. I'm not looking to slam the Aria or the Bellagio or anyone that works there or anyone who plays in the games. I just want to report on something that I believe really is happening from everything I've heard. And, Druff, did you say they have to be viewable for the public? Yes. I mean, that sounds uh, – I don't know. I mean, can you imagine a crowd of people just being able to walk into Bob's well, room and just right. walk through the play? I mean, well, okay. a little ridiculous. Okay, well, let's let's start off that one. Let's start off with that one. And you do bring up a good point. I've thought of this too. Of You've got a very, very high-limit game. It does have to be viewable. Like they can't have it off in a room with the door closed where you can't uh, see in there and you can't get in there. They can't restrict you from going in there. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that a crowd has a right to gather around the table and disturb the game or possibly you know, people see others' whole cards. So the game does have to have some operational privacy. But at the same time, it has to be accessible and viewable. So these are kind of contradicting themselves a little bit. And, uh, of course, that allows them to get away with what they're doing. Now, I will say that the uh, game being open to the public to view, of all the things that are being done here, that's probably the most reasonable for the reasons we just stated here. But it is true that they have to make the game viewable, you have to be able to see it, and uh, provided you're not disrupting it or standing in a place that can be disturbing to players or to where you could help players cheat, uh, there has to be a way for you to watch it if you want. But obviously the nosebleed players want to be away from the public who may want to gawk at the game, so they keep them separated. You gotta keep them separated. Yes, they keep them separated. And the way they do that is by having these games in a separate room where there is an open door. But to actually get into the room, you have to walk into that room. And uh, there's no way to just pass by the table. Like any other game in the poker room that's not in these nosebleed sections, you can just walk around and walk right by the table. Every single game, even the the fairly high limit but not nosebleed games, you can walk right by them. Anybody can. You can't do that at these games because they're separated in a different room. Now, you can see into the room. The rooms are surrounded by glass where you can look in that way. They couldn't do that either. They They couldn't put a room which is totally blocked by walls with just one door that's open. That wouldn't be enough either. So... Uh, they get around that restriction by making the room off to the side with some kind of barrier to entry where it's just one door to get in, but you can see into it, either through open air or through glass. I'm forgetting that. I know the Bellagio is definitely glass. The Aria, is that one glass or is that uh, just a, a, off to the side where you can't see, you can just see into it? I haven't been in there for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting. Sure. I'm for, it doesn't matter that much, but it's, it's something you can't just walk by. It's a separate area with only one way in and one way out. So they're trying to create an atmosphere to where people will not walk in there unless they're supposed to be there. In fact, if you try to just stroll in, everyone's going to look at you like, what are you doing here? They may even ask you, what are you doing? I'm talking about the players. Like you, it, it's, just, it's very intimidating to walk by that thing 
and you know, to, to just walk up to it when you have no reason to be there. Now, if, if you're on the list, you want to play or you want to talk to someone in there, you can, you can do that. But uh, it, people don't walk in for that reason. Whereas if this game existed just in the regular top section where people could walk right through, you'd have a lot of people walking through just to kind of gawk at the game. Again, I understand why they're trying to prevent that. In fact, many years ago, I had a problem in commerce where there were these two Asian guys that were milling back and forth right behind my seat when I was playing 200-400 limit. And I'm thinking, why are they doing this? They're walking back and forth, back and forth. I don't know who they were. But I'm thinking, why right behind my seat and why back and forth, back and forth? What's the reason for this? Maybe they're trying to look at my whole cards and then signal to their friends in the game. So I finally had to complain and get them removed. It's it's very uncomfortable to play that way. So I totally understand when you're playing for massive money, you don't want people milling around your game, either trying to look at your cards or distract you or whatever. So uh, I can understand why you don't want to be bothered when you're there. But at the same time, uh, this already starts to create a private game atmosphere. Because it looks like you just can't come in there. To the average person in the room, you ask, do you think you can walk in there? Most of them would say no. And sure enough, you never see anyone in that room unless they're actually seated at the table. There's never anyone just hanging out in there. But that's the least offensive of them, because at least there's a reason behind it. The rest of them are pretty bad. So... Among the accusations on how they keep these games private are phony waiting lists. And that is where anyone who's not invited to the game, when I say invited, these games don't run 24-7. Sometimes these games will run because there's a whale going to be in the game, someone who is rich but isn't a pro and isn't that good, and they find out when that guy's going to be there, and they all show up at that time. Or in some cases, um, a whale will just show up, and then the floor man who's being tipped very well by the people who regularly play in that game will get calls to come down there. But anyway, if there is a, a game that either isn't going yet or is shorthanded, then anyone who is not invited to the game like let's say for example, uh, let's say there's just three guys in there playing who are all pros and know each other, and then a fish shows up, and then very quickly the word gets over to the other regulars of the game to get down there. What they don't want is to come down there and then find that the other five seats have been filled. Filled. They want a pretty much guaranteed held seat there, but you can't do that. You have to actually be physically in the casino and put yourself on the list. So. What they will sometimes do is, whatever the situation, if a game gets going and it's not full, non-invited guests of the game, if they want to play, they're put on a waiting list. And preferred players are always able to jump right ahead of them, or sometimes spots are even held for them until they show up. This especially occurs if the game is starting at an agreed-upon time. So if the game's going to start, everybody agrees it's going to start at 6 p.m., then... Certain people have the right to just, as soon as they show up, get a seat. And everybody else goes on a waiting list. And in some cases, they will never get into that game. There's various ways to prevent that, even if they are on the waiting list. Another thing that happens there is what's known as uh, 
Invitation only. Now, they can't do this legally, but once all the invited players are there, once everybody is in the game that they want in the game, they will declare the game full. So if there's seven players and they don't want another two filling it up, they will sometimes just say, this game is seven-handed. They are not required to run a nine-handed game. Now, what they can't do is change around the number of players in the game as it's going based upon uh, who's there, but they, but they can they can close it. They can they could say, okay, this is our... It's seven. Now, if, if one of our seven leaves, yeah, sure, you know, the next person on the waiting list can take it, which they also find ways around, which I'll get to shortly. But if they really believe they have the maximum number of people they want at the moment, then they can just close it and say this game is this many-handed, and that's it. Then there is the problem where... If people start to get agitated that their names aren't being called, people like Greg Merson start to complain, you never call me, what's going on here, I was first on the list, why are you not calling me? So they have to find a way to call these people for appearances so they can say, hey, we called you on this date at this time and you didn't get your seat. So what is being accused here is that they call people they don't want in the game when someone checks and makes sure that person is not in the room and won't hear it. So if that person goes to the bathroom or they just get frustrated and they leave or they – whatever it is. They go to dinner for, for a short time. They go grab a snack. As soon as they're out of the room and confirmed far enough away to where they will not hear their name being called, that is when those people will be called. This will sometimes happen for known players who they don't want in there, such as a, a Greg Merson type. I don't know if this actually happened to him, but that's uh, the type of person they would do it to. Uh, this has become so prevalent that in the upcoming sequel, you may not know about this, but there's an upcoming sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off where Ferris Bueller is, is grown up and one of the things that he does is he's a high-stakes poker player. And Ferris Bueller it, it actually attempts to get into this Aria game in Ivy's room and is shut out of it. And uh, I actually have a little clip of that upcoming movie when Ferris Bueller tries to get in they shut him out of it, and then after he complains, they call his name only once he leaves. This this is the a little clip of this of them calling him. Bueller. 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 Yeah, he wasn't in the room. So it's the Bueller Bueller move. To only call the player when it's known he's not in the room. And then Bueller comes back and says, Hey, why don't you ever call me? So, no, Bueller, we did call you. We called you uh, 45 minutes ago. You weren't here. Sorry. Shouldn't have stepped out of the room. Oh, really? I, I, I only stepped out of the room for five minutes. I, I don't care. That's, that's not our problem. We called you. We, we noted it down. You can ask anyone in the room if they heard us say, Bueller. 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 So that's been accused as one of the tactics they use. Then there's the rigged lottery. Now, it's claimed that uh, this occurs, that sometimes when there's a lot of people on the list for a long period of time for a game that hasn't started yet, let's say a bunch of people got on the list, but the game just hasn't gotten going, and then they have a massive list of a lot of people, way more than could fit in the game. And then the game gets going. And they'll say, you know what, this isn't really fair that people could have gotten on the list 20 hours ago and that they'll be first. 
So what we're going to do here to make it fair for everybody, and this sounds good, to make it fair for everybody, we're not going to just take the first person who put himself on the list 20 hours ago for this game, uh, which hasn't been running. Now that the game's going, we're going to take all the names on the list and do a random lottery, and whichever nine people are selected in this random lottery, we will give them their seats. That would actually be a very fair and good idea. Only problem is that this lottery is not done in view of anybody. It is alleged that they take the list into the back somewhere where nobody can see it, and then miraculously they come out with nine names that were randomly selected. And of course those nine people are the preferred players to be in the game. Then there's the fake chip stack trick. This is a very clever one. Trader Risk, have you ever walked around a poker room? Not, not, I'm not talking about these uh, nosebleed, ga- nosebleed games. But I'm talking about just regular games. And you see the game you want to play, and you see empty seats, but then you get closer and you see chip stacks there in the seats you thought were empty, and you get kind of disappointed because you thought a seat was open. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, not to, not too much for what I think they're talking about doing here. But yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not even talking you know, about it being shady. You look from across the room. Oh, great! There's three open seats. You rush over. They're all full. Yeah, they're all full. It's just chip stacks there. Well, uh, and I believe most of the time they, you know, we see that in our games that it's legitimate. These are just players who've been gone a while. Sometimes they'll hold them for too long if it's a fish. Like uh, I've seen that before, where there's some fish who's at dinner and they let it just sit there for two hours when they shouldn't. But uh, aside from that, these. Uh, these are almost always real chip stacks of someone who's actually in the game. Well, supposedly in Ivy's room and Bobby's room, not always is that the case. There are phantom chip stacks that are allegedly placed in seats that they are holding for invited players that just are not there yet. Or sometimes just because they don't want the game any bigger than it is. So maybe there's maybe they want it to be six-handed or five-handed and they just, uh, uh, rather than dealing with the questions about why it's five or six handed and closed or maybe because they want the flexibility to open up another seat for somebody else if uh, there's someone else they want in the game they leave phantom chip stacks at certain seats that don't really belong to anyone they're actually house chip stacks or maybe they're just chip stacks of other players in the game they'll take them back later but these are not stacks that belong to separate players in the game that these are stacks that will never be played that are just placed there to make it appear the seat is occupied. Almost like, uh, let's say you show up to a theater and you, you use the jacket trick where you place five different jackets around the seats that uh, you want and then it's just you. <laughs> so you, you make it look like it's five people, but you just brought in five jackets, you, you put them on each seat, and then when the movie starts, it's just you and then you have a, you know, a wide area that no one's uh, sitting by you. Or, or maybe you want to do that to to save seats, uh, just in case your friends want to come down and show up. And that's that's what's known as the jacket trick. Uh, this is a chip stack version of the jacket trick, where they're just putting phantom chip stacks in front of seats which are actually open, so people will look and think the game is full. Also, it has a dual purpose to where, if they want to hold a seat for a player that they've invited or they they would like in the game, one of the preferred players that they can just claim that's their stack when they show up. So that's a very sneaky way that's very effective to shed out anyone that they don't want there. If it's someone they want, they take away the chip stack and let the person put their own chips there. And if it is someone that they 
don't want, then I'm sorry, sir, the seat is full. So these are the tactics that are used. And uh, then there are some people that are said to really be excluded. Now, the stuff I, I listed there, that would happen to a lot of players just who are not known or preferred to be there. But then there are ones that are a step above that, or maybe below that in this context, who they really just don't want. So Greg Merson was claiming that he was in this category where they really just did not want him. He didn't say why, but he said they really just did not want him, maybe because he's disliked by the people in the game. It could be for one of many reasons. But if someone is disliked by those in the game, then they really do their best to keep them out using the tactics I described. Sometimes much more so for those that they particularly want to keep out. So I was told by a listener to this show that the one who is responsible for the games operating in this fashion, and again, this is just something someone told me, so I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm just repeating what was told to me by a listener, that Bobby Baldwin himself is responsible for these games operating in this fashion, that Bobby Baldwin wishes that they really could have private games there, and that he has instructed these rooms to operate this way, to make it as close to a private game as possible. Again, I don't know for sure if he really said that, but that's what I've been told. So, whatever the case, I think it's not made up that they do their best to keep these games as private as possible. And these tactics I described, I don't think these are being imagined. I don't think the person with that Twitter account is just making things up for fun. I've heard these stories. Trader Risky's heard these stories. People have heard these stories for a long time. So, if you ever try to get in one of these games and you run into this stuff, call it out. If you see those phantom chip stacks, say, okay, who's in that seat? Who's in this seat? When were they last here? When are they coming back? How long do they have? Who's on the waiting list ahead of me? Something you can do to prevent this is to be very informed. Find out your exact position on the waiting list. As far as everybody who is ahead of you, ask when they put themselves on, if they physically were in the room putting themselves on there, when they were, you know, when they were in the room putting themselves on. Put them on notice that you've heard bad things about people getting shut out of these games who aren't preferred or known, and that uh, it, it's very important you're treated fairly in the way Nevada state law guarantees your access to that game. And if not, you're going to call gaming. Because they don't like when gaming is called down there to rule on these situations. So if you think you're being screwed with when you're trying to get in one of these games, or really any game where they're screwing with you, if, they, if, if you are, are finding that they're playing weighty list games with you in any game you play, whether it's Nosebleed or more likely, uh, for at least for the listeners of this show, uh, any other game. Because I, I've had these games these, these pulled on me too. Not all of these, obviously, but I've, I've had shenanigans pulled on me with getting into games before, and I've never played these nosebleed games. I've had it where they sneak people ahead of me on the waiting list, or I, I had it once where they temporarily made a game 10-handed, and then when they saw I was next up to come, then they suddenly made it 9-handed. And I, I 
called him out on it. I said, you can't do that. And I was, I was all ready to call gaming. The reason they made it ten-handed, by the way, is there was a fish they wanted to get in the game. So the fish got in, and he was still in when someone left the game, opening up the tenth seat. Well, at that point, they wanted to just make it nine. They didn't want to add me to the game. That was not going to do them any good. It was a limit hold'em game, so they, <laughs> you know, they they knew I was a good limit hold'em player, and uh, they said, "Why why add a, another limit hold'em pro to the game? Make it ten-handed." They don't really like ten-handed; they just did it for the fish. So, I'm like, okay, we'll go back to nine. I said, "Uh uh-uh. uh if you're going to make a ten, you got to keep a ten. And they tried to argue. And they called the floor man over, who correctly ruled that they cannot bring it back down to nine until there's no board. Once there's no board, then they can change it. But uh, as long as there's a board, they have to keep it at 10. So they had to let me in. Some people grumbled about it, and I said, too bad. You can't, you can't, you can't look who I am and decide whether I can sit or not. And that's what it was. If I was a mega fish, they would have said, oh, come on over. Come sit with us. They, they can't shut me out because I'm not a mega fish. If the seat's open, it's open. If it's not open, it's not open. They can't, and that's what I said. I said, you can't choose whether I get in the game uh, based upon how much you prefer to have me here. It's either open or it's not. So if any of this happens to you, call the floor man over. If the floor man rules against you and you know you're right, then call gaming. Call Nevada Gaming. And Even if you're wrong, gaming will not punish you. You're not going to get fined or in trouble in any way for calling gaming over. If it's every player's right to call Nevada Gaming to come over and handle the situation. Now, don't cry wolf. Don't call over gaming for every stupid thing or when you have a serious issue going down, they're not going to take you seriously or even come down. But if it's something like you're being screwed out of your seat for a game you want to play, definitely call gaming and tell them you will. Don't just call them. First threaten you will, and then if they don't care, then actually call them. You may say, okay, well, these people are playing for so much money. You know, let's say the fish only wants to play six-handed. Or let's say the fish, you know, he doesn't want, uh, you know, he only likes to play with these five people. Why shouldn't they let the fish have what he wants? Or the fish doesn't like, you know, such and such player is going to come. If this guy sits, he's going to leave. So you can say, hey, you know, these these people are are, are risking so much money. They they should have some say in these situations. No, they shouldn't. They, They have to follow the law. They cannot just rewrite Nevada law because... They prefer the game to operate differently than Nevada law says it can. So if private games were allowed, this would be a different story. They are not allowed in Nevada. And the waiting lists all have to be fair. And they can't pick and choose who can come in the game. There is never a situation, like I was just saying, there's never a situation that is allowed in Nevada where a seat is only open if you're who they want. They can never say, you don't get the seat because we wish you were someone else. Can't ever do that. You can be an asshole, you can be a jerk, you can be a great player and they're afraid of you. Doesn't matter what the reason, they cannot keep you out of that seat if they would have given it to somebody else. No such thing as a seat open for some people and not others. Now, of course, it's okay if the seat's open for the person legitimately ahead of you in line, but that's the only way. And you do have a right to ask questions. Whose chip stacks are these? When are they coming back? 
What is the deadline? If they're not back by such and such time, do I get the seat? And then if they say yes, then come back at that time. And if they're they're not gone, then uh, if they're not back, then force them to give you the seat. If not, call gaming. Now they can play further shenanigans. You know, they could they could sit a dummy at the table for uh, a minute, and then have the guy leave again, and then you know have it locked up for another hour. They could do things like that. I mean, yes, they could if they really wanted to conspire against you, keep you out of the game. But the more effort it requires, the harder it will be for them to do. And less likely that they will do it. So always know your rights with these things and don't be afraid to call gaming. And don't feel intimidated. Don't feel that because the floor man says it or the poker room manager says it that you just have to accept it. Don't feel that the regulars run the place. Always call and make a complaint if they will not budge and if you're legally in the right. So, I believe this stuff is happening. If you want to follow that Twitter account, which again is a gimmick account, but I think it's making some good points. It's twitter.com slash ARIA private game. See if they've updated it recently. <laughs> this is what they last tweeted. Uh, their seats open at tonight's private game. Hashtag all of them. Hashtag see you tomorrow. Hashtag can't play. <laughs> They're trying to say that uh, there's only seats open when uh, when the game's not running. This this is a complaint from Todd Brunson. This this shows you. Uh, yeah, this can even happen to someone like Todd Brunson. I mean, Doyle was playing in that game for a long time. This is his son. I mean, Todd Brunson, of all people, had this happen to him. He, he, this is what he tweeted on March 11th. Showed up to Bellagio. There's a seat open. Max says he's taking it, so I tell the floor to put me on the list. He says I'm first up. Max tells me to take it, and suddenly I'm not first up anymore. Though I guess I'm reading further here. It's, it's, it, it wasn't the nosebleed section. It was at 200-400, which was probably just in the top section. 200-400 mix. And he said he thinks it was just the floor man confused. So, okay. that's uh, That that particular one is not as big of a deal. I was surprised it would happen to Todd Brunson because Doyle has enough influence. I was really surprised they would do it to him. I guess they did, and I guess the floor man was just stupid. So Arya Private Game responded to that tweet that Doyle did. And remember, of course, he's tweeting as if he's the guy running the Arya Private Game. He said, that would never happen here. Nobody is ever first up. (laughs) And that, of course, means that (laughs) there is no real waiting list. They just put in who they want and nobody else gets in. This account is not very well followed. I mean, it just started in February. It only has 221 followers. But you'd follow it. It's uh, it's, it's humorous, and it's, it's one of these things that's funny because it's true. So...
I'm calling this out because I think it's wrong. It'll never affect me. I'm never going to play those games. It doesn't personally bother me, like that it's going to be something that I will have to deal with at any time. But I just hate this type of crap in poker rooms where certain people are favored and given and, and allowed to do certain things that others are not. So always assert your rights. Don't be afraid to speak up. Nothing will happen to you. You're not going to get banned from the game. Gaming will take your side if you're correct. So, you know that see something, say something campaign for that they try to put out for terrorism reasons that uh, if you see something that looks suspicious, like someone's going to commit a terrorist act, that you should say something. Uh, same with this, except in this it's uh, see something against you, say something. You, you can't really say something if it doesn't involve you. You can't call up and say, oh, I see that this person's getting screwed. I just watched Greg Merson get screwed out of getting a seat. They won't be interested because it, it, you don't have first-hand experience. But as long as it's happening to you, definitely say something. Just wanted to put that out there, and I'm sure there will be people who are unhappy I did this segment, and I'm sure that uh, this will probably get back, especially to some employees at the Aria and Bellagio poker rooms who are enabling this. But I don't care. I don't care if they're unhappy. And I think this is something that should be talked about more, and maybe it would stop. It's been one of these things everyone... It kind of mentions it, but it's it's almost like uh, oh we we got to talk about this quietly that this goes on because uh, you know we don't want the poker world to look bad we don't want the poker rooms to look bad you know these these high high limit players these are the gods of poker we 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 don't want to make them look bad so let's just this will keep it quiet let's all talk about it, let's keep it quiet I I don't like that aside from the Greg Merson thing Trader Ruski had you heard about this before. No, not really. I mean, I think of the smaller games, you know, people will tip the floor man and give them kick down to get into games or move up on the list or that type of thing. But nothing like this. Yeah. Yeah. It bothers me less if someone tips the floor man to call them when a certain fish is there or whatever. Like, okay, fine. Uh, but I just don't like when people are, are tipping the floor man to skip ahead in the waiting list and BS like that. There should, should never be a, a situation where people get ahead of you in line, unfairly. By the way, you—I you, don't know if you still can, but uh, in at the World Series in the cash games, you could jump ahead on the list if you were a diamond or seven star. They actually allowed that there, which I was surprised. That's right. I, was it? Didn't the guy get canned? Didn't the floor man, one of the floor men, get canned a few years ago because he was doing that? Uh, no, what happened? Sort of. There was a floor man who was demanding tips to start sit and goes. So he would just keep stalling with starting a sit and go, and he'd actually do it very brazenly. Like p- people would uh, say, "Hey, I think we got enough people here. Why aren't you starting?" And he'd go, uh, "I like grease." He'd start singing that. "I like grease. Grease is my favorite word." And then he he kept trying to say that, so people would tip him. He'd expect like seventy five dollars tip to start the game. And if you wouldn't tip him, then he would just stall you and tell you BS reasons why you couldn't get it going. So finally, someone came forward on 2 Plus 2 about this. Oddly enough, uh, a scammer named Mike Borowitz, who wasn't known yet to be a scammer, but it turned out he was a big scammer himself. 
not related. To oh, this. that's right. I forgot yeah. that was all part of the story. Yeah, not related to this at all. Totally unrelated. But the guy who brought this out was was a scammer himself, and happened to this just happened to occur to him. So yes, scammers can get scammed or screwed with themselves. So that's what happened. He got a scammer got treated unfairly there in a matter not related to scamming, and uh, he called it out on two plus two. Then others talked about it, and then the, a complaint was made to the World Series, and the World Series fired the guy. The World Series doesn't want that going on, you know, with, with floor men demanding tips to get games going because it just hurts them. They don't collect as much rake. Uh, it makes them look bad. The only one to gain from it is the floor man. They don't care about the floor man himself gaining. These are temporary employees anyway. So they, of course, the World Series got pissed and canned him. So I, I don't know how they get away with allowing diamonds and seven stars to jump the list, but that that was the rule. I don't know if it still is at the cash games. But other than that, if you see any shenanigans with getting into games, definitely call up gaming and complain or threaten to. And I've heard stories about people threatening to call gaming about unfair things that poker rooms do and where the poker rooms back down. I've heard actual stories firsthand from people who've told me that, you know, such and such thing happened last week and I said I'm going to call gaming and they back down. So it works. It's not just an idle threat. Like it's a, it's a it's a threat that actually can make them scared. There. So next we're going to talk about the Diamond Spade Club, and let's see if this guy is ready. One thing I'm not looking forward to about this segment is that this guy claims that he doesn't have good reception where he is. So he's just going to try to find a place that. He can go where the reception's better. We've had people on the show before where the reception's bad, and this is brutal. Even if it's like an interesting topic, it's brutal when the reception's not good. Okay, I'm ready. Let me know when you found a spot where I can call you. I really hope the reception's good, because I want to hear from this guy. He's the one who brought the story out. So while he's finding his spot there, Hopefully he's still awake. He told me he's going to be awake a while. By the way, the chat room, interesting thing being said here, from Dive Bar Dave, says, Bellagio used to be so dirty like that during Doug Dalton. Doug Dalton used to be the poker room manager, and he got fired. And yes, I heard very bad things about Doug Dalton that a lot of shady things like that were occurring. That was much worse back in those days. For all games, not just the nosebleed games. The Bellagio had a very bad reputation in the Doug Dalton days. That the average player just got the shaft constantly. And hmm, uh, this is bothersome. Someone said the radio skipped. I guess it's back, but uh, I guess we lost connection for a short time. Looks like we're okay now. I never like hearing that. I never like the... uh, Reports that the radio is skipping. See how the ratings look. Hmm. Yeah, it does kind of look like it skipped. Whenever the radio skips and everything resets, the ratings go down. And I, I the reason this happens is because some people just like leave it on. And 
those that uh, sometimes when it skips like that, you have to restart it. And those that are not around to restart it, like they fell asleep or whatever, <laughs> we lose them. So our ratings are lower, even though we probably have the same number of people listening, because the, the phantom listeners are gone. See this guy still here? Hey, he says, seems okay, just had a call, a tad choppy at the end. Great. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm going to call him up. I'm going to describe what is going on with this Diamond Spade Club, which today is the first time I heard of the Diamond Spade Club. And then we'll let our guest chime in on his takes on the whole thing. Hopefully we have good reception. If we don't, it's not my fault. Trying my best here. I put this all really together at the last minute. He gave me two different phone numbers to reach him. First one so far is not ringing, which is not good. Skype does this sometimes where you try to make... Here we go. Hello, is this Johnny? Johnny, Johnny, hello. Hey, how are you? So this is Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I'm Todd Dandruff-Wittellis. And uh, is your real name Johnny Ferrari, or is that just the name you go by? Yes, sir. That's, that's Actually, my name is uh, Jonathan Ferrari, and uh, a lot of people don't know this because I came from the poker world, but I have a double life in the WWE and pro wrestling where I was mentored by Jimmy Hart, uh, none other than the uh, old school manager of Hollywood, and I was actually dubbed Jonathan Ferrari um, in that realm, and I kind of stuck with it from there. Hmm. So is that your legal name, or that's just what you go by? Uh, my legal name is, again, Jonathan, and uh, abbreviated uh, Johnny. So I kind of okay. just stuck with Johnny after, okay. after my, uh, my my time with WWE. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, I was just wondering about that. It didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to know. So I'm going to quickly yeah. tell the listeners what I gathered from what you posted and from what I found. Because I just heard about this story tonight. This show... Right. It was just before the show, someone brought this to my attention that you had created this thread on Real Grinders, where I'm a member also. And and I read about it, and I said, wow, this sounds like something good for the show, and I don't want to wait a week to do this, so let's do it right now. So I, I went and quickly researched what I could, and I'm sure you know more about it than I do, because I'm very new to this, but this sounds like something perfect for the show, and I always like to put on the person who's making the accusations rather than just speak for them. But the, the, I'll, I'm going to summarize it for the audience, and then we'll ask you about stuff, and you can correct me anything I am wrong with or, or left out. So You got it, man. You got it. The Diamond Spade Club, uh, You can, if you want to follow along online, you can look at their Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Club, all one word. You can also look at their website, diamondspade.club, though there's not much to the website. You just uh, just like a login page, but you can see it anyway. Uh, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. a high-end VIP club. It's based out of Miami. That's aimed at rich poker players, and it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. it seems like it's run by Elaine Vogel. That's A L A. It's like Allen, but with an I. A L A I N Vogel mm-hmm. and Carl Pion P I O N. And I, I hadn't heard of either of them before tonight, but I guess some people know them. And so this is what Johnny Ferrari here wrote on Facebook tonight on Real Grinders. 
True scammers caught red-handed. Diamond Spade Club slash Elaine Vogel slash Carl Pion. Okay, guys, I know everyone is aware of the poker criminal Carl Pion who ripped off many poker pros. Over 10 reached out to me. But don't forget that rat-faced scum that keeps saying DM me of problem with Carl, Elaine Vogel, and his scam company Diamond Spade. It's going to fail anyway. Common Sense 101. If Elaine Vogel was successful or legitimate in any way, he would not be having con men seek investors for a concept that everyone is to prepay $10,000 for a fake membership for fake events, which will never happen. Even with misusing the images of two pros, his scam page has a mere 44 likes. No one here is stupid to fall to fall for his nor Carl Pion scams farther. But if anyone asks about Diamond Spade scams, send them to me and, to, and turn the 12 to... And in turn, the 12 to 14 victims already out of pocket. He tried to talk shit about me uh, to Gavin, today to Gavin Smith, and Gavin told him point blank that his business model is retarded. R.I.P. Conman schemes. <laughs> so that, that was what uh, Johnny wrote. And I thought, this is interesting. I want to look into this. So Correct. Now, did you write – there's a ripoff report page that was created today. Did, did you create that page? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Looked- I actually, I actually, uh, I actually did not create that page, Todd. There is a number of uh, legitimate uh, people that he have conned, and uh, that's exactly accurate. I do not have a chip on my shoulder. Um, I just came from uh, Southeast Asia, specifically. There's, there's a. This is up your alley as well, and Sihanoukville uh, uh, is a town in Cambodia that just got taken over by China. There's about 25 scam casinos. They're completely unregulated. So I've seen every type of scam. I know how they work. I, I see everything coming a, m- a mile away. And um, uh, pursuant to what you just said, to reiterate, I mean, that's when you can see it coming. When, when you're a company, you have funding and you pay people. That's a company. All right? Now, in poker, uh, 99% of the time, when you're just a guy with a concept, you're a con man. And it's not going to work. If it was going to work, somebody would have done it already. No, are you not in agreement with me on this? Well, yeah, you know, and, 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 well, uh, yes. There's a lot of just fly-by-night operations and, and, and crazy ideas in right. poker, and and um, you also have to, of course, look at the people who are running them, and if the people who are running these new companies or, or uh, if the idea is being pitched by someone with a bad history, then clearly you especially right. don't trust it. Now, even if it's someone with a good history, you, you sometimes have to say maybe this person's delusional, they just think something's going to work, which won't, so you got to be careful anyway. But especially if it's, if, right. if it's by people who, who are known for scamming, then you definitely stay far, far away, no matter how good the idea seems. So so here, here's some interesting things about this. Uh, they have, and I don't know if they really are involved, but they have... Patrick Antonius and Daniel Cates listed mm-hmm. on their, as ambassadors with their pictures up there and everything. It says Patrick Antonius ambassador, Daniel Cates ambassador. Now, we've seen this before in certain scams where they will just make up that certain well-known pros or ambassadors, and then they're really not. Right. I, I, have you found out if they really are ambassadors or not, or is it just uh, is it ambiguous right now? I'll tell you this. This is what I know. I can't talk on behalf of uh, Antonius or Kate, but they're completely out of their minds if they have anything to do with these guys. Um, now, what happened with uh, with Gavin Smith and uh, my involvement with this company, uh, I checked them out um, as uh, luck or bad luck or just, um, you know, uh, they would have it. 
I just came back from a, a three-year um, stint in uh, Southeast Asia operating poker in various casinos, cruise ships, and uh, I just came back to Canada, and Carl Pion, or Pion, whatever you want to call him, he happened to be local here. So I met up with him, and uh, I went over this Diamond Spade um, venture, and I was actually in his home, and uh, this guy is a, a welfare recipient. He's a citizen. Hang on, it's cutting out a little bit. How, how do you know he's a welfare recipient? Well, I saw the documentation on his kitchen table, and, uh, and I said, oh, having a little trouble there, Carl? And he's like, he was proud. He's like, oh, hey, if it's there, why not get it? Uh, it's been four years. So I went, and uh, his region in the welfare office, and that's also on the threat. So anybody who has been scammed by Carl, they can simply contact his welfare worker. That, that's amazing that he's on welfare and, and pitching <laughs> and actually pitching a VIP sure. club for rich people. Yeah. That's a, so, so, okay. So, yeah, bro, bro. Like, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, this is how real VIP cruises work. For example, I just came off of one in China where I was, I was operating and hosting and they, they approached me to host based on that experience. I mean, we're talking the, um, a high up government official in Cambodia with a billionaire in China with a boat the size of a Titanic, and they literally. Yeah, I'm sorry. Here, you're, you're cutting. I'm sorry. I got to interrupt you here. It's cutting pretty badly right now. Is the other number? Is that a different uh, way to reach you to where oh. that might be better? Oh, yeah, I can hardly hear you now. It's cutting out very badly. Oh man, I'm at Falls Casino, and I don't know if it's due to the snowstorm, but the Wi-Fi here has been less than stellar, to say the least. Uh, you know what we could do? If you're, if you're actually, are, are you in the room right now? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yes, yes, I'm in the room. So, could I just call up the Falls View and ask for Johnny Ferrari's room and connect me? Yeah, um, you know, try. I, I gave you the um, alternative number. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to try that, that 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 gets my uh, that gets my other line. That could okay. be a little bit better. L- let me try that one. I'll try. I'll try that one. And if that doesn't okay. work, I'll call their hotel phone. Okay. All right. This is, I knew this was going to happen. If, if there's a chance on this show for the reception to be bad, it's always bad. It's just it's just one of those things. I, I know it's going to be a bad reception call. If I'm warned, it may be a bad reception. We'll we'll never just run well, and it'll be better than expected. Let me try his other number, which if, – if the internet's bad there and he's using a VOIP phone, then I can't see how it's going to be much better, but we'll give it a shot. If not, I'll just call the hotel phone. It's good he gave his real name, so I can just call it on the air. Otherwise, I have to mute things. It's a big pain in the ass, but uh, let me call this other number. Hopefully, we can continue. I, w- I want to hear these stories. Just uh, I know it's tough for the listener when it's – very choppy and cutting out. That's funny that <laughs> Carl Pion is on welfare. Hello there. Okay, let's see if this is any better. We'll we'll give it a shot here. So, uh, so, so go. So you're saying that you were on a that you Hello, ran. Hello, Johnny. Can you hear me? Here. Can you hear me? No, this is bad. I'm going to call the Falls View. Now he sounds so clear, but we he can't hear. Us. No, but then it was cutting for him too. I'm just going to look up the Falls View. 
casino. This does sound like that concert, though, where the people went to that island and paid like 10 grand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Firefest. Yeah, it does sound yeah, like Firefest. Exactly like I knew it sounded familiar. That's, I wonder if they got the idea there. Okay. Let's see here. So I see an 88 number, but they may not want to. They may not want to connect rooms from there. That's it's the only number, though. No, I guess that's the only number. Maybe I'm thinking old school. Like in the old days, if anything, if a hotel ever had an 800 number, they would never connect you to rooms because then you could just call them toll free and hit them with a bill to call someone long distance. But I guess I'm kind of thinking the old way when long distance was costing money. Typically, let me just try this uh, 888 number. If that doesn't work, I'll have to look up a local number for the false view. But. Skype is such a piece of crap. Okay. Here we go. View Casino Resort and Casino Niagara. Please choose from one of the following options. If you know the extension of the party you wish to reach, would like to speak to an employee of Niagara Casinos, or reach a guest staying in our hotel. Press 1. For hotel reservations or ticket information oh, on, on. upcoming performances one. in the Avalon Theater, press 2. Oh, my God. For directions it work. to either of our properties, you want me to press, press, press 3. Press, press 1. Go ahead. Give me a try. Press 1. Press 4. For career information for Falls View Casino Resort or Casino Niagara, press 5. For all other inquiries, please press 7. Or remain on the line for the next available customer service representative. Had to hear that whole spiel because our touchstones didn't work. Yeah, I tried mine too. Nothing. <laughs> well, someone coming on? There we go. Please be aware that this call may be recorded for quality and training purposes. It's already being recorded. We're doing a radio show. Well, as you can see, my name's Fred. How can I help you? I had a kind of an audio fire here. I'd like to be transferred to the room of uh, Johnny Ferrari. That's F-E-R-R-A-R-I. Do you know what room he's in? No, no, no. I don't have that information. Just want to be uh, connected to his phone. Okay. I, unless I get a room number, I can't I can't connect him. I can't even acknowledge that he's here. Ah, bollocks. All right. Um, he told me to call him there, and... Um, you know, I, I I didn't want to. Um, oh, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, I, I wanted to say um, this is rather difficult. I don't have his room number. He told me it's a way you can call him and uh, tell him to yeah, ask if he can take the call. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, unless we have a room number, uh, we can't. We can't. Uh, I can't even acknowledge that the man's here. <sighs> All right. Um, Due to privacy act. All righty. Um, I have to figure out what around this. Uh, tally ho, pip pip. All right. Why? Why does this happen? Why? I have never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes. What if you want to? Ridiculous. What, what if you want to get a call? Okay, he says he's in the hall. We should try the three. Try to get the first number again. Jeez, I, I've never heard of this. Because what if you want someone to call your hotel room? You don't want to give them your room number. Exactly. You can't do that. Is is that really a law in in Ontario? That'd be crazy. A dumb law. Especially, he should be able to give permission or something.
Hello? Yes, there, Todd. Yeah, so we tried to call the room, and uh, they wouldn't acknowledge you were there. They said, I have to have your room number to ring your phone. It's outrageous. So. Yeah, I just, I just, I just texted, uh, I just uh, texted you the the room number as well. Oh, okay. Did you care if anybody heard it on the air? I just didn't know if you wanted that heard on there. So. No, no, no problem. I'm in the hallway now. I'm, I'm, I'm there's no one here, and we connection. I think so. That's fine. It's cutting. Um, it's cutting a little you, bit, but we'll, we'll continue this way. And if not, just go back in, and I'll, I'll call the room. Okay. So, uh, so you said uh, you, back you, to the welfare. Yeah, so, well, okay, so so you say like a VIP, a VIP cruise, you were explaining how that's run and then it was cutting off, so go ahead and say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, so with, uh, in China, um, you know, with the VIP cruise, I've never seen anybody try to charge any sort of high-end clientele a membership fee. That's just ridiculous. And um, so that's a red flag right there for a scam, Todd. Because they have no money. You know, this is a company with no funding. And uh, the actual owner, so to speak, the Alin Vogel guy, he's out there having people look for investors. So they're not actually a real company. They're just a scam concept looking for scam investors to scam members for fake events that will ever take place in my educated opinion. Yeah, and, and this is a, a common scam where sometimes they do have the intention to uh, to do what they're saying, but only if they can collect money first from people who believe the whole thing's already in place. And if they collect enough, then they can actually put on the event. And if they can't, then the people are just out their money. So that's that's a, a common scam where they're not they're not fully intending to just steal it, but they there's a good chance they'll steal it if they don't collect enough to actually do what they're promising to the people who they're collecting it from. So they're they're not even collecting if they're collecting this from you know from the standpoint of these events may not take place. We've got to you know you can sign up as a member, and if we spend it and it doesn't if it doesn't end up taking place, and you know that in advance, that's one thing. But here. The people who are being solicited to join are, are believing that this is something that's really they're really going to get something for their money. And it's going to happen for sure, and that they already are funded. and And in reality, it, it seems like that's not the case. So that's uh, there's a number of these scams out there like this. So that that, that already has that look to me. There was a similar right. thing. That, the similar thing that happened, not involving these guys, but a similar thing that happened a few years ago called Poker Approved, and. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and they were even claiming they were going to run a tournament called the Super Millions. That was like a million dollar buy-in, and of course the trick was they, they, were, they were they were collecting buy-ins in advance to put in all, all these right. events. And what they were really doing is they're going to be funding everything they were doing with these buy-ins in the tournaments and hope that they can get enough business going between then and the tournament to make that money back, and, and uh, then the tournament can really take place. So uh, no, no one put up a million dollars like they were hoping, but the, it, it was the same thing that was going on. And that one, right. was, that one was really interesting because what they were doing, they got media people involved. They got a lot of people who all believed that it was going to happen. And the way they tricked people is they say, well, such and such person's involved too. And they go, oh, I know that person. Then they'd call that person. Hey, are you involved? Oh, yeah, I'm involved. Okay, good. So they'd all, you know, they'd know that each other are involved and they just assume it has to be something real. But it, but they were all getting involved based upon others getting involved. And uh, this already starts to have the look of that with this whole thing with Antonius and Kate, who they may be really involved because I've seen a lot of times these poker pros are pitched something where they believe that they're getting something for nothing. Where, hey, you have a big name. 
can you be an ambassador for our brand? You'll have 10% ownership of the company. Okay, does it cost me anything? No, no, it doesn't cost you anything. Just let me put your name down. You get 10% ownership. Okay, sweet. No risk. It's like a free roll. So that so the, 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 sometimes these pros don't think about how this could be a scam. Now, I agree with you with Daniel Cates. It's funny because he's been all over 2 plus 2. He's been around for a long time. From the, you know, Antonius has, has not really been part of that world as much, so it's more believable with him that he could kind of just be tricked into this. But you would think Daniel Cates would be aware enough that these type of scams exist – and that he wouldn't just lend his name to something without knowing much about it. But you know, maybe he was, or maybe they're just using the names of these two without them even knowing. It's, it's hard to tell. Well, Todd, I've been contacted by no less than a half a dozen poker pros. I can give you a list of names that have actually been stolen $10,000 from what you know, as Carl Pion, Mr. Flynn like they've already stolen money as of now. Okay, you know I'm going I'm to call you back in your room now. It's, it's cutting again, but and you can hear about the ten thousand that's been stolen uh, from a number of people that you allege. So I'm going to go back in the room. Uh, I'm going to call you. Hopefully, you don't get any unwanted visitors. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to call up and uh, ask for you, and uh, we'll go from there. I bet the room phone will be much better. Okay. Okay. We'll do. All right. At least this guy's willing to, to put his room number out there. At least he's brave that Yeah, way. you could even – I'll bet you could even give the guy the last two digits of the room and do something if you wanted. Not that it's a big deal, but yeah. – and well, he did say it was cool. But it's basic. this is like the typical – if you read anything about Charles Ponzi, famous for the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. This is the – it's amazing how over and over again people just come up with this shit. And they're great salespeople. They can probably sell legit things and make a fortune. But they're just such scumbags that, you know – Looks like we won't be able to reach Johnny back. It looks like the phone is having some trouble over his hotel, so he may not be on again tonight, but we'll give it another shot a little bit later. So this Carl Pion, you can Google him. That's Carl Pion, P-I-O-N. And someone pointed out on the Real Grinders group that Carl Pion... It has to be Carl Pion, by the way. Okay. I think he uses Pion. <laughs> the Carl Pion or Pion... It's actually been pointed out that he has a ball sack chin. And upon looking, I think he kind of does. Google him and look at his chin. He really does kind of look like a ball sack. I won't deny that. So maybe that's the first rule of joining VIP clubs, that you don't join a club run by someone with a ball sack chin. But Carl Pion, uh, he apparently, not in addition to being accused of scamming by various people, like someone else on Real Grinders said that they got scammed by him. Andy Ansikar on Real Grinders said, Carl scammed me out of 10K. And there was an interview with CalvinAir.com in 2015 regarding something called Global Poker Link. And before you think that means that he's the one running Global Poker, it appears to be totally different and unrelated. It just has a very similar name. But Lee Davey, who frequently writes for CalvinAir.com, wrote this article, Carl Pion, the visionary behind Global Poker Link. And then this is what uh, Carl Pion said. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. 
I have been involved in the business world for over 35 years, and between 1994 and 2010, I owned and operated two successful apparel companies out of Toronto. In 2004, I started playing poker competitively. I love the game, and I'm extremely passionate about it. There's nothing I like doing more more competitively, and I think it's I did a pre- pretty decent job at it, earning 140k playing recreationally on the live circuit. Well, that's not true. He bet. There's a good chance he lost if he only cashed 140k. And since I rarely play online, I know I'm a winning player. As a serial entrepreneur, I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities in the market, and I prefer to call myself a low-level visionary. I find ways into the market with something new or something that's missing, and that's where the idea for Global Poker Link started. Uh, so he says, uh, there's a big difference between someone who has a vision and someone who turns a vision into, actual, in, into actuality. Everyone wants to be a business owner. In order to be one, you have to understand almost every facet of business. You need to understand what it takes to make money and, and, to, and to lose it. And to lose it, it's a very rare case where someone starts out and doesn't lose money. You need to get used to this, and you need to be mentally and physically prepared. I guess that's easy if you scam. I started my apparel business because I found the holes in the market. I kept thinking, how could I do it better? What were the other people doing right? What were they doing wrong? So when I'm networking on Facebook or just watching shows like Shark Tank and Dragons Den. I'm not looking at what everyone's looking, what everyone else is looking at. I'm always looking for opportunity. To sum up how Global Poker Link was born, this is three years ago, by the way. It is a combination of the years I spent networking on Facebook and Twitter, and realizing how millions of poker players share not only content but so much about themselves and their lives, yet little to no compensation in return. And then there was the countless times I've watched recreational amateur players of all ages play free rolls on poker stars for hours to earn pennies. What I ultimately saw as an entrepreneur was people should be making money and people that wanted to be to make money. Okay, what does that mean right there? So, okay, poker players are discussing themselves. All right. Poker players are playing free rolls for pennies on poker stars. Okay. How does that translate into untapped potential to make money? These are just things people... You know, people talk on the internet that are, that should earn them money. No, it shouldn't. People play free roles that should earn them. No, it shouldn't. The money has to come from somewhere. They have to be creating something of value that people want to pay for. So I'm still not understanding what this global poker link is. Uh, it says, "Can you tell me what has come of the global poker league vision?" Well, the easiest and simplest answer is that in March of 2014, Global Poker Link went into development with the goal of being the first total poker network that compensated its members for referral, content activity, and much more. And in March 2014, Phase 1 of our social platform and members forum was quietly released to the public. And just recently in April, that's 2015, we launched Phase 2, which is our first software update, site redesign, blah, 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 and and bankroll generator program, (laughs) bankroll generator program, which is our referral compensation plan that pays out 25 cents for every new member referral. Well, that may not sound like much, but there is much, much, a lot more. Okay, I understand already. I I already understand from reading this, just this little paragraph. He's trying to create, this seems like a pyramid scheme. He's creating a place where... People are given money for creating content there and then for referring other people over there. And so, of course, the question is where does the money come from? Because uh, if you think about it, okay, I understand where he's paying users to post there by giving them money for content. Okay? And he's paying people to refer others over there, that every time they get a new user, they get a quarter. Okay, Now, that these would be okay plans as far as generating content and as far as getting users. But 
again, where is that money coming from? Who is paying for that? So I think what he's tr- he's trying to do is either people have to buy in or let me see. I got to read the rest of this now. <laughs> either people are trying to buy in or he's hoping that it, they, it'll become a big site and then he can start selling ads with all those people on there. The problem is, uh, you know, how do you pay for content? Most people who post are not posting anything that's really worth paying for. So, and if you pay people to really write decent content, you have to pay too much. It, it just wouldn't work out. You really couldn't have in this day and age, even a few years ago, like a forum where you're paying people to produce good content and somehow that you'll make back the money you're paying the content producers. It just, uh, on forums, it just isn't worth it. And this is kind of a, it sounds like a, a modified version of clickbait, to be honest. So then they ask, can you tell me more about the bankroll generator program? Sure, the BGP, the BGP, is a three-tier program where our members can earn compensation through referrals, content and activity, and shop and share. As noted, noted above, referrals will pay 25 cents. When we roll out the compensation plan for, for content and activity, members will be able to earn real money based on page views of the content they share on Facebook, Twitter, and other networks. The shop and share is the nuts and bolts of the BG, BGE. I don't say BGE now. And, and members can really make some serious money if they choose to. If they choose to. In the uh, shop and share program, referring members will earn between 10 and 30% of all profits from purchases made by the referrals. Okay, so, yeah, this, this is just... Uh, Stupid affiliate marketing that, on the surface, if you don't think about it too much, it, it, you could think this could work, but there's no way. There just aren't the people. There's not the traffic. Uh, the content that's generated isn't interesting enough. You don't compensate the people enough to make it. Uh, uh, and, and again, still, where is the money coming from? The only place I can see the money coming from is it, like shopping at something. And it, you can already see. And this must be a paid advertorial on uh, CalvinAir.com, by the way. There's no way that Lee Davy was so interested in this. I've seen Lee Davies' articles. He doesn't just pick something like this. Just some random new wannabe poker company and do a whole interview about it. So the, the, he definitely paid for this. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's the desperate for ad dollars, however it comes in. Yeah, okay. Let me let me try one more time with that phone number here. Yeah, it's got to be something. Like, I can already tell the whole thing sounds like a big scam. I don't even know if it's still up. This is three years later now. I'm going to Google, which I haven't done yet, Global Poker Link. I find Global Poker, of course. But uh, Global Poker Link, not find anything. I'll put quotes here. Let's see if that's any better. I see a YouTube channel. No, GlobalPokerLink.com is now like a skin into a site called Nowbet. Well, on his LinkedIn page, it says he was the founder of Global Poker Link from May 2012 to August 2015. Okay, so so, so it died like within a month or something? Like, well, or he's already, whatever, sold it or something. But it's just like if you look at his LinkedIn page too, it's just like he lists like his, he does everything and he has experience in every industry. <laughs> it's just like such, such bullshit. Yeah, I see, I see the only Global Poker Link things I see on the web tend to be uh, stuff on CalvinAir.com. So it looks like they probably paid for a few advertorials and that's it. They never really got going, which isn't surprising. So definitely nobody made money from this thing, except maybe him. So that's uh, that's Carl Pion. 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 With, with, with the 
ball sack chin. Then there's Elaine Vogel. There's a picture of him on Poker Frog Alert. You can see. Just go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum. Oh, here's something I want to read you. This is from LinkedIn. This is about Elaine Vogel. Last year, July 26, 2017, he wrote a LinkedIn article. I don't know how you get a LinkedIn article, but he has one. It says, Elaine Vogel, CEO of Diamond Bay LLC. What services do wealthy people expect? For being in a niche where customers expect top-notch services, it is my job to go beyond their expectation. Most people are thinking, what would those wealthy guys like? In fact, it isn't difficult to get what they want as long as they have the credit card that goes with it. They can ask for a rare champagne brought by helicopter to their favorite nightclub. They ask, ask a bathtub on top of their top-roof penthouse. Get a private concert with Beyonce, whatever they like. What's the most important, and that's where it makes a difference, is how you handle their request. A wealthy person doesn't want to know about details and how you get such and such thing. To be successful, you must listen, truly listen, and not just hear to their request. Sometimes ask a few questions to make sure of their desire, keep them updated if needed, and get it on time for them. If you have different opinions, make sure all of them are available when you call back so your client can make his choice straight away. Now, the last part of it is to go beyond their expectation. If they want to rent a Lamborghini, get them the supercharged one. If they ask about a bottle of Cristal Champagne, get them the best uh, Melissimal ever. If they want a jet to travel, make sure you will get them the special attention such as a prepared meal from a, from a French – a prepared meal from a French. I think they say it means a French chef. And ensure they will not have a security check if they do a domestic flight, etc. Um, okay, he's already saying that you have to go above and beyond with their money. Maybe these wealthy people they they only want the regular Lamborghini. Maybe they maybe they only want uh, just a, a bottle of Cristal and not the the very very best Cristal. Um, maybe they don't want a French chef on the jet. I mean, sure, sure you can order better and, and more extensive things than what they ask for, but then they're going to pay more. That's a stupid piece of advice. To summarize, wealthy people don't want to hear about details or how you will handle the request as long as they have it on due time as requested. I think he means in due time. And they love when you have that special attention and detail to make it unique. Least but not last. Supposed to be last but not least. (laughs) Uh, Don't ever present them the bill when you deliver your service. Make sure you have their credit card number, charge them, and send them the detail at their business address. See, that's <laughs> that already sounds like a scam. So, so give them extra things they don't ask for. Don't show them the bill, and then just charge their card and send them the bill later. What kind of advice is that? By the way, most credit cards don't have that type of limit. Even very wealthy people uh, usually don't have like a million dollar limit on their card. So. A lot of times these very expensive things they're asking for would have to be paid for a different way. But I, I like how he thinks you can just charge their credit card. It doesn't work like that. You actually have to give them – they have to authorize the charge in some way. They have to sign something. You can tell this is written by someone who just has a fantasy about serving rich people but r- really never has or has very little experience with it. This all sounds good on the surface. When you read this, if you don't think about it too hard or maybe if you're gullible, you think, wow – this guy really knows how to take care of really wealthy people. And he's writing this, of course, because he, he's yeah, this Diamond Spade Club is supposed to be all about that, that they're, it's a VIP club for the very wealthy poker player. So I'm going to look into the address that is supposedly where this business is located, 1221 Brickell Avenue in Miami, which is supposedly in the downtown financial district there. 
Yeah, but that doesn't mean the phone. That could just be a mailing address. That's what I'm saying. Phone number could work. I, I think that uh, so there is a, there is a in fact a Wikipedia about it. It's a high rise building in uh, Miami in the Brickell area. It has uh, 28 floors. It's only used for office space. But um, I'm wondering if they also might re- rent out either shared office space or uh, even mail stops. They, they could even do that there. I knew somebody years ago who uh, pretended to have a big business for warehouse equipment. Or a warehouse of office equipment, not warehouse. Warehouse of office equipment. And he even had an office in Woodland Hills for this large company on Ventura Boulevard. So it sounded very impressive. Well, I happened to be on Ventura Boulevard at a restaurant, and I go, wait a minute, this is like almost exactly the address of this guy in his office. So I decided to walk over there. It was walking distance. I go, wait a minute, this is a Petco. So it was a freaking Petco, and I go, did he just give a fake address? But then I saw above the Petco, there were some tiny offices that you could rent out. So it really was an office, but they were. I actually went in there. And there were tiny, tiny offices, and it was clearly like shared space where you can technically rent an office, but you know you get certain hours there, certain days there, and it's shared space. So that's what he was doing. He was renting a shared tiny office on Ventura Boulevard in Woodland Hills, where I guess he, you know, if he really had to meet with someone, he would meet with them in that office. But uh, this kind of looks like that, that you see he, he has an office in the – 1221 Brickell building in Miami. It looks impressive, but then uh, it's really not. Okay, so a call is coming in from Canada, and I wonder if this is him. Let's hope so. Is this you, Johnny? Uh, this is Andy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andy. He, he gave me your number. Who, who gave my number? Uh, Johnny gave it to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl got me for 10K. Mm. Oh, are you the one that I mentioned? Uh, you posted in the Real Grinders, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. No, I didn't post. Commented. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to say anything, but I just want to. I just want to nail this asshole to the wall. You know. So. How did he get you for ten k? What was he asking for? Like, what? What did you give him ten k okay. for? Okay, so so we had a group, and this was before. I mean, I mean, I was definitely a mark, but it it was it wasn't through poker. It was. Uh, through forex trading and i'm actually now a six-figure trader and this was like a year and a half ago but um he was like he was showing me demo profits and stuff and uh and i put together a group and he was like hey and i was like hey you know we'll invest in you or whatever and all of a sudden the money was gone and he wouldn't show the brokerage losses you know and then he stopped he blocked all of us on uh social media and stuff so yeah but um, you can just let people know that I don't really have to talk on the show, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, an, he's, a, he's, he's always looking for something. He always has an idea or something to invest into. And that's how he gets people. And whether it's poker or trading or, uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, a t-shirt company, whatever. And this is uh, Carl, this always... is Carl, you're talking, Carl Pion, you're talking about? Yeah. Carl Pion. Yeah. Okay. And I'm actually from California. And he never thought I would move to Canada. And uh, he lives in Toronto, and I'm in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people looking for him right now. Now, Have you met him in person? 
Yes, I have actually. Does he actually look like he has a, a ball sack on his chin? Yes, he does. <laughs> he looks like Peter Griffin, but smaller, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw that picture. I was wondering if it's just a bad picture, or if maybe he really does have a ball sack on his chin. So, okay, I guess we've no, solved that the mystery. Thing is, uh, so he didn't know. So the group of investors, I like. So one of them was my wife. And one was like an accountant. One was like. Uh, is a really good attorney down in Florida. He didn't realize that like, like he couldn't just block us. Like we've totally obliterated any of his, uh, social media presence. Like I was, I was posting memes of him and his wife. Like I was pretty brutal, but like the guy wouldn't, the guy wouldn't show if he would have just showed me records that he actually traded our money. Cause he, uh, you know, I didn't know as much as I do about like the financial, like trading. Like I worked on a trading floor for eight years, but I never was a retail trader. And I, I mean, honestly, I was just too trusting and, and I gave the guy too much credit, you know, like nobody, nobody really came out and said, yeah, this guy, that this guy, this. So I was like, Oh, he seems, uh, well, he also used this guy named Ted Safranco's name. Who's really respected. And was like, yeah, that's my guy. Da, 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 da. And I came out later. I'm actually friends with Ted Sofranco now. And we laugh about this. Like, I'm not even burnt about the money, but I'm burnt like that. He keeps going out there and trying to like do this to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, okay. Well, but, that's but, interesting. Yeah, he, used Ted, he used Ted Sofranco's name and I was like, Oh, you know, if he's cool with Ted Sofranco, then, you know, then he must be a legit guy. But, that was not the case. <laughs> well, yeah, I believe you. I, I believe this all happened. That's unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you for harassing him on social media. It's, it's, it's good you did that. And, and the more that gets out there like this, I, I actually noticed that the thread that I made on my site today about this whole thing is already showing up second on Google. So uh, the more that's out there about scammers, because what everybody does these days is when someone pitches something to them, people Google their name. And when you see things about yeah. scam, whatever, you go, okay, well, this guy's a scammer. I'll stay away. Like all it takes is like one of those. And that's why, yeah. uh, that's why the internet can be very powerful that way to stop scammers. So that's mm-hmm. good. And, 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 you know, this goes out to Carl and, and to Elaine. And you know, if you guys want to come on here and refute what was said, if you want to show proof that you really have the money for this diamond spade club, that, uh, anyone who joins is joining an existing organization is well-funded and that uh, people investing, that it's a sound business plan, you've presented it as uh, properly as it really is, and, and uh, you want to refute all this and prove these people who are accusing you are liars, then go right ahead. I'm going to give you guys the floor to come on here and and prove all this wrong. So uh, I'm giving the floor to everybody here, and if you guys would like to come on and do that, you're welcome to. I have a feeling they probably won't, but they're welcome to no. if they would like to. So, all right, well, th- thank you for uh, yeah. telling us about it. So I think that opens even some more eyes about this. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. All right. Talk to Bye. Bye. So that's uh, one of the supposed victims of Carl Pyan. I just, well, I figured out by the way about their office at one, two, two, one Brickell Avenue, because I, look, I stayed on Brickell Avenue. I actually stayed there last time I went to Miami. So this was bothering me because I'm like, this is a nice area. Uh, and like, I had a hard time believing that broke scammers would have even as like a shared office at, at twelve twenty one Brickell Avenue, this this high rise building that looks very expensive. It just yeah, it's probably like a Regis suite or something like that, well, right? L- listen, I've I've solved it. Uh, 
This spectacular high-profile tower is set in the heart of Miami's International Financial District and enjoys beautiful views of both Biscayne Bay and the city skyline. That's what I noticed, too. <laughs> Beyond the stunning architecture, the 1221 Brickell Center has an elegant reception and large conference room. Commonly known as the Manhattan of the South, the high-rise upscale district of the Brickell home is home to the largest concentration of international banks in the United States. Uh, you know, Then they talk about Miami, which I won't continue. So then here's the catch. Virtual offices and addresses at 1221 Brickell Center. And then they give you some choices. Choose your virtual office package. Professional address. Place your business in the best possible location with a credible address and mail handling service. Virtual office. Professional address with mail handling and telephone answering, plus access to our global network of drop-in business lounges. And virtual office services. Enjoy the full virtual office package with business address, mail handling, telephone answering, and free business lounge access, plus access to a private office in the center of your choice. So... The last one is a shared office. I don't know if they have that, but the, you, at the very least, you can just have a mail address there and pick up mail. Then you could also have someone who answers the, you, you, that there's mail and they answer the phone. And then also you have access to their lounges. And then you also have the third package where you can actually have access to an office there to kind of pretend like you have a private office. Yeah, and it's cheap. I mean, it's, you know, ever since... Now that you can Google addresses and see the building, you can't have like the mailboxes, et cetera, address anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's what this is. This is a new uh, – so the virtual office, I'll show you how expensive it is. So you can get the mailing address for $37 a month. That's that's pretty damn cheap. Now, if you want the virtual office, then it's uh, $254 a month. And there you get the business lounges, the phone number, and two days access to the uh, to the private office. And for a little bit more money, you can get access to the private office for five days instead of two. But, you know, this is interesting. A 28-floor building in the Brickell District of Miami that you can get something like this for as little as 30 Yeah, but they months. probably only have a floor of it or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I have this for one of my companies. I pay a buck fifty. I get my mail there. I can use the conference room for 16 hours a month. For a dollar fifty. Hundred dollars, hundred fifty. Oh, okay, I was a dollar fifty. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but you know it's good. And then you know people Google my that company and they see you know I'm in a nice office, I'm Olympic. Yeah, yeah, that's and exactly like you've in the old days you could just put down a mailbox, etc., and no one could figure out what that was. But uh, now people Google the address, they immediately see what it is. So yeah, so this is a way to trick people. But I, I just knew it when there's a scammer, an accused scammer, I should say, who apparently has an office. In Miami, in a very expensive district, I just knew that there had to be some catch. Once in a while, that they, they actually do really get an office in an expensive area to put on air. It's like they, they spend their entire budget on the office. I've seen that trick before, too. But here, I guess they figured they didn't have to or didn't have the money for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if all they really have is just the $37 a month uh, address. Though maybe that phone number I was seeing before, which I wish I still had up, maybe that was the answering service there that pretends like you're really calling the office. Anyway, we'll move on. Next on our agenda, I want to talk about the January robbery of New York, New York Casino in Las Vegas, which was perpetrated by a Humpty Hump lookalike. Now, I'm talking about Shock G, 
who was in the group Digital Underground, and he was known as Humpty Hump because of the biggest hit they had called the Humpty Dance. And in the video for the Humpty Dance, and also in public appearances that Shock G did, he wore these unique-looking big glasses and a really obvious fake bulbous nose. So first, I think it was in December, the Bellagio Poker Room was held up, and they didn't have very good video of it. But it was a white guy who looked like a white Humpty Hump, like back in 1990. Like if you took Humpty Hump back in 1990 and made him a white guy, it would look like that because he was wearing the same type of glasses and the same bulbous looking fake nose. He really looked like a white Humpty Hump. And now of all things, in January, a black Humpty Hump robbed the New York, New York cashier just like three weeks later. So they finally caught the second Humpty Hump, the one who robbed the New York, New York, you know, the black Humpty Hump on January 10th. They caught him about two weeks later on January 25th. But that's not the big story here. The surprising thing here was the second Humpty Hump wasn't quite what they thought. He was a white guy. That's right. So here's the story. This is really strange. And I, I'm i not kidding. I'm now wondering if the guy actually listened to this show and got the idea from this show. Because I kept talking over and over about how he looked like Humpty Hump. And like th- this wasn't really being discussed. The first robber, it wasn't really discussed publicly he looked like Humpty Hump. We just kept saying it on this show. And then someone goes and robs New York, New York and dresses up like Humpty Hump and even uses makeup to make himself look black. So – um, a 25-year-old named Cameron James Kennedy was charged in federal court with interference with commerce by robbery. And uh, actually, it turned out that he was arrested back on January 25th, but they're just announcing it now. He was, uh, he robbed the casino on January 10th. He is, uh, he was arrested on January 25th. Apparently, he was already on federal supervision for a separate incident, a, a bank robbery, and he was supposed to be wearing a GPS monitoring bracelet, so he just cut off the bracelet and then robbed the casino. Um, I don't know how they figured out that it was him. But they investigated, they figured out that the person was disguising their appearance and it wasn't really a black man. I'm guessing they probably figured it out because he was already on federal supervision and cut his bracelet off. And maybe they figured out that he cut his bracelet off at the same time this robbery occurred and put two and two together and arrested him. So the Humpty Hump who who robbed the – the black Humpty Hump who robbed New York, New York, it turned out he's really a white guy. So if you Google New York, New York robbery 2018 or even just Google New York, New York robbery Cameron James Kennedy – You'll see there's a duplicate picture. There's a left and a right side of the picture. The picture taken in the casino of him looking like Humpty Hump. And the picture on the right where he just looks like a a white guy. It does seem like he has dreadlocks, though. It does seem like he's a white guy with dreadlocks. Other than that, he just looks like a regular white guy. He looks older than 25, too. I would have guessed him over 30. 
Uh, Trader Risk, I'm going to send you in Skype this uh, article with a picture so you can see what I'm talking about here. I just sent, okay. I just sent it to you. You'll see. I mean, it was a pretty convincing makeup because he looks like a black guy, and it doesn't really look at all like him. And he he definitely put on the Humpty Hump nose. It wasn't just the, the glasses. He changed his nose with his Humpty Hump nose, and it, it was clear from the picture it was a fake nose. And it was just like the nose that the Humpty Hump wore, and he had the Humpty Hump glasses. So, to me, it seems like a, a real coincidence that two guys. I mean, who knows? It's could have been, he could have been the Bellagio robber too. But if he wasn't. I really think he got the idea from the Bellagio robber. The black guy definitely looks like it's almost like a disguise. Well, it was clearly a disguise. I mean, they're both him. They're both him. Oh, they are both him. Yes. Oh, okay. Duh. <laughs> no, but I'm saying when I saw it, I knew it was. The, I knew the glasses and the and the fake nose were, were a disguise, and he looked like Humpty Hump. But uh, but I thought it was a black guy trying to look like Humpty Hump. And I thought it was kind of funny that two of them pretty much did the same disguise, a white guy and a black guy. Uh, but who knows? It could have been the same person. They're not saying that. Um, yeah, it, it was it was the Bellagio, and it was on December 20th. So I don't know. Maybe it was the same guy. Now, the one who robbed the, the Bellagio, he, he did not try to make himself look black. He just put on the Humpty Hump glasses and nose. But they both had on a, a, a like a, a knit cap. They both had the Humpty Hump nose. They both had the Humpty Hump glasses. I don't know. It could be the same guy. Within like a few weeks of each other. But if it's not, I was really thinking that since this is really the only outlet that was discussing the Humpty Hump disguise, either he saw it and thought that this is a good disguise or, or he really listens to this show and thought, okay, that's a good idea. I don't know. Uh, the one who robbed the poker room definitely must have been a poker player because it was someone that must have realized that the security is lighter over there. This guy just robbed the cashier at New York, New York, so that's uh, a different story. But I don't know. It could be the same person. With all the casino robberies that I've seen take place in Vegas, these are the only two I've ever seen where the perpetrator dressed up to look like Humpty Hump and they were within a few weeks of each other. It was very strange. But the strangest thing here is that he was a disguise to look black when he was actually white. He actually used makeup to make himself look black, and he was reported as a black male. Everyone was fooled until, I guess, they looked at pictures, and I guess they saw clearly enough that there was probably makeup. Okay, Raul, what's going on? Hey, I've got a little idea for you if you got a second, and it seemed like you got some fail going on with the show. I, I do. Uh, so what was happening before was that we were having trouble getting a caller through. So I was trying to have him call, and then he, the person trying to call couldn't get through, and then you were calling. That's why I had to hang up on you, because we are trying to get that guy through. We never did get him through, so I gave up. It's totally cool, man. Hey, I'm I'm sober, and I got an idea, and this is just something to throw out. Like I realize I'm calling right after the scammer shows or whatever. So I've only been listening for about an hour. Um, but this is, this is just totally free. Like you halfway know me. I mean, just, you know, barely, but I've never asked for shit and I don't want shit. So like if anybody could run with this idea, I hope they do. I, I don't care if it's you or if it's Trader Ruski, who I don't even know, or, or Brandon Gerson, it doesn't matter. But this is a hole in the market and it's just available. And it's right now, I've been trying to tell you for several weeks. And so, you know, I'm in Alabama. 
Well, of course, like Bitcoin on this side is understood way less. But what we do understand here in the South is gold and silver, especially bullion. Like, it's easy to move. It appeals to a lot of different sides of life. And that's kind of... That's kind of the two um, variables right now in in Alabama, like where to stash money. And that's why I think somebody with a West Coast mindset could dominate right now specifically. So here's what's the real reason. I tried to call you about three weeks, I mean, call you, text you, whatever, because I personally knew the people going to the state Senate to push this. Like, I'm a small-time gold and silver buyer, but I, I do know a lot of people in the industry, and the dudes that were behind it really had, like, sick money. Like, not Sheldon Adelson money, but for Alabama, like, sick. And so, of course, they got it passed in the Alabama House and the Senate 100%, and Kay Ivey, our governor, signed it into law um, last week. So in 90 days, for the first time in Alabama state history, there will be no more tax on gold and silver. They're also trying to come up with a plan on how to tax cryptocurrency. The combination for all of this, the way that it's wild, wild west, I swear if there's a way to go back in time and not have any money, just have you and my time being buddies, we all could dominate right now because people are trading Bitcoin and altcoins right now at 70%, and I see all these different uh, – you know, Vegas dudes that buy up all this stuff at 96% of shit on Twitter. Like, if one of those people were here with, say, a, I mean, you couldn't start with less than a million, but you could do it for less than 10 million bankroll. You could advertise, like, at least north half of Alabama, take all the market, make 4 to 6% on the gold, at least that plus 2% on silver, even though silver's a little more difficult. And the Bitcoin, you just make whatever you want to pay. Because, I mean, there are even pawn shops here that are now offering to buy Bitcoin, but they just don't pay shit because nobody knows how to turn it into real cash. Everybody's so wait, scared wait, wait, of I, I'm, I'm confused here. I've, and, I've been listening here. I can't, I, I'm not understanding what you're pitching. Are you trying to pitch that, uh, <laughs> that are you trying to pitch that, that gold, that we should go into business with uh, selling gold and silver or, or about Bitcoin? Which one? No, that's, it's, it's not, it's not really sell. It's, you're, you're the money changer. So you buy or sell either. You post your prices online, and people bring it to you. You can buy gold scraps. You can buy bullion. You can buy rare coins if you have somebody. You don't want to get right into jewelry because, like, I mean, I got really crazy off on an eight-carat stone, and it tied up almost 100K of my roll for, all, for like, literally a year. So you, jewelry can – it's a totally different animal. I'd say stay away. For this specific business – I would handle just trans what transfers as basic currency and what will be currency like up and coming. Well, let me tell you what. So as long as you buy with enough margin, you're going to win. Let me tell you the problem with Bitcoin. You're not allowed to do this by law. Um, you can't do any kind of trading of Bitcoin for cash. Uh, otherwise, you're breaking the law unless you have uh, a license to do so, which is not easy to get. Uh, I, in fact, people who well, here's the, here's the thing for this conversation, Drew. To just to maul you, but. I'm willing to give you personal information of dealers with storefronts in Alabama because it's actually taxed as intellectual property that are doing this right now. So, I mean, they advertise. It's in our neighbor, I mean, in our newspapers, online. Like, I'm sure may be different out there, but I promise you, it's intellectual property here and people are doing it. Okay, well, and so I, if you get a sharp guy, just like a dude that's poker versus the novices, you get some of those over here with some real money. I mean, you can clean house at least for well, okay, you, a few you, months. You can text me information about it. I'm just telling you, like, with, with Bitcoin, if I had uh, 
if I had, you know, let's say uh, even just one Bitcoin and I said, okay, I put an, an ad out uh, who'd like to buy it and then I meet someone and they give me cash for it and I give them the Bitcoin. Believe it or not, even though it's very unlikely that I would be arrested and prosecuted for it, uh, I could actually go to jail for it because that's uh, I would be uh, doing an unlicensed currency exchange. I actually looked into this. I know, but if you if you if you already file it with the security exchange, you're good to go. Well, it's you more, it's more complicated on what you profit from the Bitcoin on on your monthly budget. It's more complicated. Than you, you have to. Doing it. You, you have to yeah, well, I have to take a look. They may not be legally doing it. I, I I'm telling you that I, I looked into this when I had uh, when I was cashing out a lot of Bitcoin from uh, from online poker sites. And um, and I didn't want to have to pay the stupid fees for Coinbase and ones like that. So I I was looking into okay, what if I sell it myself? And then I started seeing that. Now there's only there aren't very it's not very common that people get arrested or prosecuted for this. Uh, there was one guy in Florida that got arrested, prosecuted, but then it was dis- ultimately dismissed. But there was an extra wrinkle to this, where the feds were afraid to just arrest him based on that, thinking it was going to be too flimsy. So while the undercover agent was buying the Bitcoin from him, the agent said, oh, you know, by the way, uh, you know, I wouldn't be buying stolen credit cards with this from Russia. And that guy's like, I, that's whatever. I don't care what you do with it. And so the, that was what they got him on, that he knowingly sold someone Bitcoin to, uh, to, to do illegal things with it, to commit fraud. So they charged him with that and with the currency charges, but they could have just charge them with the currency charges, they just threw in the thing about, uh, oh, we're going to buy stolen credit cards with it to make the case stronger. Now, again, ultimately it got dismissed, but this guy went through hell for over a year about this, and uh, that's something I would not have wanted to go through. So, so here, here you know, in general, I would not be afraid, like if I had a few Bitcoin I wanted to sell to poker players, I wouldn't be the slightest bit afraid to sell it to them. I wouldn't even be that afraid to find a stranger who'd be willing to buy it for me and sell it to them. Uh, would, would I want to start a business where I'm routinely selling Bitcoin for cash? No. Uh, because in, unless I could get one of the, you know, to make it completely legit and get a license to do so and all that, because you, you never know when they clamp down on you. And if you really have a, a full operation doing it uh, at any time, the hammer could come down. So um, as I was even looking into this about uh, I, I, what was making it interesting for me is I was noticing people were selling Bitcoins at a markup for people who needed them immediately. So provided you could really be paid reliably and not get scammed, like, you know, in, in some sort of cash way. I thought, well, you know, what if what if I just collect a lot of Bitcoin and uh, and and keep selling them, and uh, or even if I just buy them on the fly and then sell them to people for cash who need them immediately, uh, you know, I could make enough of a commission here. This could be worth doing. But then I saw it was illegal. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So that that would be one concern. But anyway, you can text me the the information that you're talking about here, and I'll I'll take a look. So. Hey, there's one last thing. I mean, this will take one minute if you got it. Yeah. It's just like the last part of that whole thing. Yeah, there's also I, I know I, I personally know the coin dealers that run the only coin shows in Alabama, and so where you could be right, I don't think you are because so many of these multimillionaire, a lot of them are Jews that I mean I've known for decades. They're they're advertising and currently buying this in their stores that have been around since the late 1800s. So what I'm saying is these people own the rights to the coin shows, and. It's just about to start. So if you're the if you're one of the first dealers at the big shows around the South that knows how to not just deal in Bitcoin, deal in all the alts inside a coin show like the fun show I set up at two years ago is fifteen hundred dollars. There's a hundred thousand people come through the doors over three days. It's right there in Orlando, and I mean 
dude, it's unbelievable the kind of money these people bring in. Like they'll bring in ready to write checks for five and ten million dollars to buy shipwreck coins. Like so, if you're if you're bankrolled right and you're advertising that you can handle the floor like that, I mean, you really can make some big percentages in one day, especially when you when you deal with gold. Because a lot of these people let you lock up contract gold just on a, a one-week, a five-week basis, shit like that, where well, yeah, you have cash. I mean, it's guaranteed money. Yeah, well, gold's a different so, story. Gold's a different matter. Uh, I was talking about Bitcoin here. But, okay, well, you know, thanks for the information. You can text me more about it, and I'll take a look. That's cool. Okay. Peace. Thank you. I am at the Golden Nugget right now, Jeff. Maybe I should put my Humpty Hump outfit on <laughs> and see if I can uh, <laughs> go grab that big Golden Nugget in the case. <laughs> I mean, that's is is it is, is that that's still there? The big golden nugget. That's funny. Hello. I, yeah. Somehow, somehow Skype's malfunctioning. Sorry about it, Raul. I was trying to trying to have a good night, Raul. <laughs> there we go. Trying to get him off the call here. It was having. He called. It just called him back. That's the type of night we're having. Okay, so let's move on here. For some reason, I didn't, when I was at the Golden Nugget last summer, I didn't see that giant Golden Nugget. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of, you have to kind of go down, turn the right way to see it. But yeah, it's there. Okay. I want to talk about something that Alan Kessler brought out that I think is worth discussing. It's not going to be a long discussion, but something I think is kind of shady being done by the Heartland Poker Tour Meadows in Pittsburgh. And that has to do with games they are playing with the guarantee. So we've had a number of episodes recently discussing shenanigans both live and online with guarantees for tournaments where they try to worm out of it. They meaning the poker room. Of course, the good thing about a guarantee is that... uh, Players come down there and they, and this is good for the casino, players come down there because they're attracted to it. They say they know what the prize pool is going to be. They may even show up there hoping there will be an overlay, meaning that there's more money guaranteed than the prize pool would otherwise justify from the number of players to where it's actually positive expectation to play even for an average player and even with a rake. But even if there's not an overlay, they, they go down there and know that at the very minimum the prize pool will be whatever the guarantee is. So that's attractive to players and that gets more people down there. The downside to the guarantee is that the casino is gambling, whereas with non-guaranteed tournaments that the tournament will will always turn a profit because of the rake, and they pretty much have a guarantee profit center by not having a guarantee. When they have a guarantee, then they are gambling that they get enough people, and if they don't, then the overlay costs the casino money, and they actually lose money on the whole thing, and that's beyond what they lose just on operating the tournament, you know, such as paying employees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I've always said if – you think that you cannot afford to have an overlay if you don't want to gamble with the guarantee situation and you're running a poker room, don't have one. If you have one, you need to honor it. And you shouldn't find ways to worm out of it. And if it scares you, if as the manager or owner of a poker room it scares you to have to pay a big overlay, do not have a guarantee tournament. Do not be tempted to have one unless you are fully ready to pay a large overlay. And you have to make that decision when you're managing and you have to... Stick to what you promise. And if you don't, then you're a scammer. And that's the way it goes. So, at this Heartland Poker Tour Meadows, they're trying to minimize the maximum damage 
that could happen from an overlay. And I think this is unethical. It's not illegal probably, but it's unethical. And Alan Kessler brought this to me. This series is, is starting tomorrow. This is, uh, I believe, starting uh, March 15th, and uh, the last event you can enter, the main event, on uh, March 26th. So event number one is tomorrow, March 15th, and that actually is one of the events that is in question here. There are ten events, and events number one and eight have a guarantee, as does event number three, but... Events number one and eight have a restriction. Number three, which is a No Limit Hold'em trophy event with a 25K guarantee, uh, that one does not have any restriction. That's just a regular guarantee, and they're supposedly going to honor it. Okay, So the reason I think that one doesn't have any restrictions is the guarantee is only 25000 So they figure, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And the buy-in is uh, 250 So they really only need 10 people to meet it. Uh, sorry, 100 people to meet it. But what scares them a little bit more are the event number one and eight. Number one is what's called the No Limit Hold'em belt event. I don't know why it's called the belt event. Probably you win a belt instead of a trophy. But the No Limit Hold'em belt event with a 100000 guarantee, a $350 buy-in. And that takes place on March 15th and 16th and 17th as well. There are five starting flights. That one, they have a requirement for a minimum number of players. And if they don't reach the minimum number of players, then there is no guarantee. And same with the main event, number eight. The main event, which takes place March 22nd, 3rd, and 24th, three flights, that's $1,100 buy-in, and that one has a $250,000 guarantee, but again, that one has a required number of entries. So, this belt event, they are requiring 25 entries minimum, or they don't honor the guarantee. Now, I wouldn't worry too much about that one from a practical standpoint because it's a $350 buy-in with a 100000 guarantee. So I think it's pretty damn likely they're going to get 25 entries. 25 entries would leave them with almost a full overlay. 25 entries would make a prize pool of 8750 And they're guaranteeing 100000 So, okay. What they're claiming must be required for the guarantee to hit, it's almost surely going to hit. They're almost surely going to get more than 25 people for a $100,000 guarantee event, 350 buy-in. Okay? So it's stupid that they have that restriction, but that one is so unlikely to be the case that fine. Uh, you can kind of just put that aside. But the main event's a different story. The main event, they're requiring 200 entries at 1100 apiece. Now, that actually is getting fairly close to the guarantee. 200 entries would be $220,000 collected. So here the guarantee is 250000 but if they don't get 220000 then it's not a guarantee. So the only way there could be an overlay is if it's between two twenty and two fifty, which is insane. So, like, if it's somewhere between, like, what, like, like 200 and, and uh, 225 entries, something like that, then there's an overlay. Otherwise, there's not. <laughs> so, what kind of guarantee is that? Yeah, it's 200 and, and uh, 228 entries. That's what it is. 
If it's somewhere in that little spot, 200 and 228, then there's an overlay. Otherwise, there's no overlay. Either there's no guarantee or the guarantees is met anyway. So that's ridiculous. And I don't even understand how they can call that a guarantee. It's not like they're setting the number so low that it would have to really, 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 really flop as an event for the guarantee not to be met. Here, they're, they're setting it to where the guarantee would almost be met anyway, to where they'll, they'll pay the extra money for the guarantee. Otherwise, they won't. So how can you call that a guarantee? That, that's super unethical. And Alan Kessler says they're advertising around Pennsylvania that they're having big guarantee events. So this is pretty sad. The Heartland Poker Tour actually had a good reputation. But that's insane. Why have a guarantee tournament when it's, it's, it's very unlikely that the guarantee will matter? It's either going to be too few or too many people. So why call it guaranteed? Just to get more people down there believing that the, the prize pool is guaranteed seven to 250000 No, it's not. The prize pool ends up 215000 219000 It's not going to be a guarantee. Then it'll be no guarantee, even though it's advertised that way. So this is really a case of a tournament, of a casino, a poker room that doesn't want to take the risk, but wants the benefits of the guarantee. So, of course, we're not going to take this line down, even though it's very late at night at Pittsburgh right now. It's uh, almost 3 a.m. It's not going to stop us from trying to make a phone call, which I'm kind of afraid to do tonight, phone calls. We've had problems with them, but I'm going to try anyway. Call the number. I'm calling the number here right on their event sheet. You can go. Maybe the, just send send the bad guy over there. I should. I wonder if he's been there. Thank you for calling the Meadows Racetrack Casino, located at 210 Racetrack Road, Washington, Pennsylvania. Please listen carefully as the following options may Please press been. 1. If you know your party's extension, you may dial it at any time or press pound for a directory of names. Please choose from the following options. For casino operations, press 2. For racing options, press 3. For banquets and restaurants, press 4. For bowling, press 5. Bowling. For gift shop, press 6. Poker room, where is it? For details, press 7. For win-loss statement information, press 8. For administrative offices, press 9. You may also visit us online at www.medicgaming.com. None of these are what I wanted. The most up-to-date in casino information. If you know your party's extension, oh, no. you may dial it or press down for a directory of names. Please choose from the following options. For casino operations, press 2. I guess I'll press for racing I guess press casino is what we need. For security... Press one. Gosh, why are my touchdowns not working? Up, press two. I think this is Skype's fault. Press three. Slot. Yeah, or maybe put your cell on speaker. Yeah, press I don't know. two. That might work. Press five. Credit office. Press six. <laughs> Table games. Press seven. <laughs> okay, hang on a second. I, I gotta. I'm gonna. 
Thank you for calling the Cutler's Racetrack Casino, located at 210 Racetrack Road, Washington, Pennsylvania. Please listen carefully. Why is there no operator? Sure, drop. I might be able to do it. Hold on. If you know your party's extension, you may dial it at any time or press pound for a directory of names. Please choose from the following options. Yeah, I'm going to put a phone on here. For casino operations, press 2. For racing options, press 3. For banquets and restaurants, press 4. For bowling, press 5. For gift shop, press 6. For entertainment, events, and details, press 7. For win-loss payment information, press 8. For administrative offices, press 9. You may also visit us online at www.meadowsgaming.com for the most up-to-date racing information. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to get it on. <laughs> is, Skype really this, is Skype really this terrible where like we can't press touchstones? I think it is. I think it really is. I, I give up. I'm, I'm not even going to try. No, it's, it's too soft. I can barely hear it. I can hear you pressing two, but it's that's so crappy that Skype can't. Pre- like I'm pressing two, it's not. It's not going through. That's awful. You're gonna have to create sound drops for each digit drop. Yeah, well, I think that's I. I, I think I, I, yeah, I think I have to. Were, were you hearing the buttons I was pressing or no? Uh, no, but I did the same thing on my Skype, and then I tried it through the regular phone, but it wasn't. It wasn't. What a piece of crap! Legit. I can't believe this. Okay, uh, for those of you that that missed the other fail part, we cut out. I may actually cut this out too. I don't know. We we cut out some stuff earlier in the show when we were having phone issues trying to reach Johnny Ferrari again. So Skype apparently can't press buttons. Is the new issue with it? <laughs> it's kind of important to press buttons. That sucks. We we can't ever press buttons. I think I really do. I think you're right. I have to go get like a tone dialer uh, program for the computer. Yeah, always something on this show. Someone saying I could try singing the exact tone. Exactly. <laughs> He's also asking if we should reach the bowling alley and ask if that if they have fifteen uh, pound balls. Uh, you know what? I, I have an idea. I'm going to call on my cell phone and then press the right button and then three way it in here. That's what I think I'll do. I think that'll work. So, yeah, that should work. Yeah, I probably won't get anyone after all this, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to try this. I'm going to call my cell phone. Then, okay, so I've added my cell phone on. Now I'm going to add on the uh, phone number of this stupid uh, casino. Which is 724-503-1200. I swear, if this fails, I think I'm going to cut this out of the show, too. Okay, now just press two. Let's see if it worked. Ah, it worked. Ah, it worked. Perfect. I knew there was an answer. They won't. I knew there was an answer, but they won't answer. Watch this. This isn't even the poker room. This is just the casino. Casino located at two ten. Oh no! Following options may have changed. Oh my god. Okay, I quit. I quit. I'll see if I'm too lazy to insert this in too. Alrighty, let's move on.
But yeah, that, that's that's really crappy that they have that situation, and it shouldn't be. There's not much more to say. It just shouldn't be. And I, I wanted to yell at someone there. I really did. I think I was going to have Chico Loco do it. Oh well. Let's talk about the fold herd around the world. Um, th- this was a situation that people have been talking about a lot, and there is a player named uh, Ian Steinman who's from California. He was at a World Poker Tour table, and he was in a hand against World Series of Poker main event champion Joe McKeon. And this was at a final table, the WPT, so a lot of money was at stake here. Ian Steinman had pocket kings, and Joe McKeon uh, called from the big blind. So, uh, McKeon had the uh, the second largest chip stack, and Steinman had uh, the largest stack. So it was the top two stacks of the table. It seemed like on the flop, this hand should be quickly over. Steinman had pocket kings. McKeon had queen ten offsuit in the big blind. The flop came ace seven five with two hearts. So, McKeon checked, Steinman bet, and you'd think McKeon would snap fold that there. He completely missed it. Or maybe if he wanted to try to take a shot at the pot, he could check raise there and then obviously give up if uh, Steinman didn't fold. Or probably give up. But he had nothing. He had queen 10, no heart. Flap was ace, seven, five, two hearts. Couldn't be a worse slot for Queen 10. But he called. So then the turn was a jack of clubs. At this point, um, the, uh, I'm sorry, you know what, I, I think McKeon was, uh, I think, I, let me let me get to the right thing. I, I don't think he was in the big blind. I think he was in, uh, I think he was in later position. Because I believe what happened with the turn. Let me play w- let me fast forward to it just to make sure. Uh, let's see here. Makes it set on the river at that gives. Well, I bet that flop one hundred percent of the time that he raises pre-flop or near it. Okay, so so I guess um, I'm sorry, McKeon must have flatted the queen ten because uh, I see that. Uh, McKeon was second to act, so on the on the uh, on the turn, McKeon checked. So I guess he continuation bet the flop. McKeon called with nothing, and then Steinman bet the turn, and McKeon or sorry, Steinman checked the turn. Steinman checked the turn, and McKeon bet. Which makes sense, because you know, he's trying to run him off at that point. McKeon has nothing but a, a gut shot straight draw, but but he figures, hey, I'm in position, why not bet? I've done that before, too, where uh, I'm just betting because the guy out of position checked. I've, I've done it many times before where uh, I'm in with multiple players, and the flop, flop looks like it may have missed everybody, and it checked me in the flop which when I, when I flatted pre, and I just bet. And it goes fold, 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 and I feel very proud of myself. Not a complicated move, but, uh, you know... It's uh, pretty good things to do when you think everybody's missed. 
So since he called the flop, uh, it makes sense that McKeon would bet at that point to make it look like he flopped the ace or maybe even flopped something better than that and uh, make Steinman fold the better hand. But Steinman called. Now, they were saying on the commentary there that the problem with calling that turn is that you've got to mentally commit yourself to probably call the river because the guy, especially like McKeon, may fire the river as well to really put you to the test. So do you really want to commit that many chips with kings when you can't beat any ace? Or do you just give up? That's the problem with calling the turn. Is it, you, know, you think, okay, what do I do on the river? So he called the turn. Well, of all things on the river, a king fell, giving Ian Steinman second set. The only thing that was ahead of him, the two things that were ahead of him, pocket aces or queen ten. Now, pocket aces is possible, a disguised pocket aces. But queen ten seems so unlikely, because who would call a flop of ace seven five two hearts when uh, they have queen ten, unless it's queen ten of hearts. So, after a long time of tanking, like a long time, like several minutes, uh, Steinman ended up folding when he got put all in. He bet the river, he got put all in, and he folded. And everyone was so amazed by this that Steinman was able to fold second set there. No flush possible. A757, or A57 Jack King was the board. No flush possible. And the way the betting went down, it was unlikely he had Queen 10, unless it was Queen 10 of hearts. And it wasn't Queen 10 of hearts. <laughs> it turned out it really was Queen 10, but not Queen 10 of hearts. So he made a correct fold, and people were amazed. Card player interviewed him and asked him, what was your initial reaction when Joe went all in? And Steinman said, when I bet the river, he moved all in. My first thought is that Joe is almost never bluffing here. He has too much to consider with the pay jumps, and he's a good enough player that I didn't think it was a bluff. To a certain extent, I think he's polarized, but he has the nuts a lot more often than he shows up with a rare bluff. They asked, what do you think about the chances of him having pocket aces versus queen 10 for the straight? Were they equally likely in your opinion? He said, I never thought he'd show up with pocket aces. He almost always three bets at preflop. I don't think he would bet so big on the turn with top set once I shut down. That's interesting. So he actually, I was thinking he folded because he gave aces enough possibility as, as, as what the hand could be to where there were two things that scared him and he was able to let it go. So where I actually thought if he had, if I actually thought that if Steinman had aces here, that he would have folded or, or he would have called, not folded, but that the Kings gave him two things he lost to and, and so he would have laid it down. So he was actually worried about the Queen 10 is what he's saying. Then card player asked, some people have commented on how Joe looked when he made the bluff. Did he give off anything based upon how comfortable or uncomfortable he looked? He said, Joe told me he had a terrible flu. He'd been playing long hours. So yes, he looked miserable, but not any more miserable than the rest of the day. He was pretty much sleeping at the table and complaining about it. So that's interesting. Now, I don't know why they asked him made the bluff. The only bluff he really made was on the turn. That river, it wasn't a bluff. He had the nuts. Um, 
So they asked, I saw some people calling this one of the best folds ever recorded. Where do you think it ranks among the best folds in poker history? And is that kind of honor something that you imagine people would be saying after you made the fold? He said, I'm not the person to answer. That's ridiculous. What, what part what, what part do you think is ridiculous? That it's the best fold ever. No. Because I mean, the guy was second in chips, you know? So it's like, that's another big factor. I'll, I'll tell you where right. it would, yeah, I'll tell you where I think it would have been more of an amazing fold. This is where I would think it would have been the best fold. If he had aces, and there was no flush possible on the flop, so you, you can't even give Queen 10 of hearts credit for being there. Then I would say it's then it's more of an amazing fold because you're only being beat by one thing that's highly unlikely for the guy to have held. Then it's an amazing fold. Here, here in my opinion, there are two things that could have really scared him off. One is a, of a slow play of aces, which I understand his reasoning why he wasn't as scared of that because he thought Joe's bet sizing on the turn was too big. It seemed like something where he wanted him to fold, and he was uh, thinking that top set would not have bet so big there on the turn. And, and second, he thinks that in a six-handed final table that he's three-betting the aces pre-flop. So those are, okay, I, I understand that reasoning. But you still can't completely put it out. But queen-ten suited, that's not that unlikely to have there. If he has queen-ten of hearts, flats the flop, gets checked two on the turn, senses weakness, also has a gut shot drawn out too, wants to bet it, to, you know, just take it right there, fails, and then, and then hits the miracle, uh, the perfect card on the river. So why why is that so hard for the his opponent to think might have happened? I I I hate to be the guy to say oh I could have folded there, but I really think I could have folded there. I'm not saying I, I'm sure I would have, but I, I can't say I'm sure I wouldn't have either. I, I I would have thought about this a while too, especially at a, a major spot like the WPT final table, six-handed final table, especially if you don't think the player is bluffing that often there. I would have actually thought, wow, did he have queen ten of hearts and now hit that king? So I think people are too excited about this because he happened to hit the set on the river. And you think, oh, how do you fold that set there? Without more thinking of what was the likelihood that Joe could have hit that that straight there. And because of that flush possibility on the flop, it's not as hard to believe that Joe could have hit that uh, that straight, even though that may not have been what he was originally going for. So th- this is what he said back. I'm not the person to answer that question. I was just trying to reason through the situation and make the correct decision. That's all I can ever try to do. But while I was in the tank, I really thought it was a fold. And thoughts kept going through my head about how ridiculed I would be if I made an incorrect fold here. That's interesting that was going through his head that because it was being watched, he was afraid that he would be an embarrassment for having made an incorrect fold. I just had to do what the best decision was for me and, and not worry about anything else. I'm still, unsure, I'm still unsure if it was a fold or call. It's not a positive EV player a play on paper or in a vacuum. It was the biggest laydown I've ever made, but the results don't necessarily make it correct. So then the card player asked, do you think he sometimes shows up with smaller sets there? He says, I think he has to sometimes. He said, in hindsight, how do you feel about your, your bet on the, your bet size on the river? He said, I should have check-raised all in on the river. I needed to continue, let him continue his bluffs, and I needed to let him value bet all his worst hands that he may only call with when I lead, lead the river. So, uh, they asked him about the queen-ten of hearts. He said, I think he has queen-ten of hearts. 
Queen 10 with one heart and Queen 10 with no heart some percentage of the time. I, I don't see the Queen 10 with no heart. I mean, that is what he had, but yes, you can sometimes get flatted with nothing like that and they put a move on you, especially in position. But. I mean, and if he had aces, would he basically have done the exact, played it the exact same way? Well, he's saying that he doesn't think he would have just flatted pre-flop, and he doesn't think that he would have bet as big as he did on the turn if he had aces. So that's what he was saying here. He said he threw aces out of his head for that reason. And I can, I, that's understandable. I, I can see where that he'd come up with that. Yeah, I mean, I, when I when I when I watched it, I think, yeah, I mean, clearly, look, it's it's a it's you know, it's he made a he had to make a decision, and he took his time and made the correct one. But if he, you know, I think you have to look at it. The advantages of being right versus if you're wrong, that just, you know, that crushes him. And after that hand, he was still in cut in the first, was he still first, first, I mean, like second or third in chips? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that, and that is a very good point that, uh, that if he had shot off most of his chips in that and then McKeon would have had an overwhelming lead, that would have really destroyed his chances of winning. Whereas here, he still has a very good shot if he bails out here. So, yes, it's, it's because it's not a cash game. It's it's easier to make that fold because you don't get to rebuy with chips there. So, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, because if he was calling the short stack and then still would have been midfield, even if he lost, he's insta-calling. Yeah, yeah. But so, I think that was probably the main factor behind it. Well, I don't know. I didn't watch the interview thing, but I would imagine... That's going through his head. Yeah, that, that's it was an interesting hand, obviously, but uh, I don't think the fold was as amazing as people are saying, especially because of the two hearts out there. There's no two hearts out there. I'm, I'm much more amazed at it. But the fact that there were two hearts out there, if you think about how Queen-10 hearts would play that hand, it could play it the identical way and and be a lot more reasonable of a line than what uh, McKeon took. I know McKeon... Uh, called to represent something he didn't have and then and then bet at the turn, but I'm not saying that's bad, but what I'm saying here is that a lot of players would flat that flop of a seven five two hearts if they have queen ten of hearts. A lot of players are doing that. Good and bad. I'm not saying that's you have to do it. You could also raise the flop, but uh, a lot of players are just flatting that flop of a seven five two hearts. And then a lot of players are betting that turn, especially picking up the gut shot draw, if checked to them. And then they hit that miracle gut shot on the river. Of course, they've got the nuts and go all in. So, okay, that's what Queen 10 Hearts would have done. That, that's what I would have thought if I were in that spot. I'm telling you, I may have made that lay down too. I can't say for sure. I'm not there under the pressure. It's easy to know all the whole cards. And say, oh, I would have done this. But, And I, I actually have made big folds like this before. In tournaments that, uh, not like final table spots, but I've made at the World Series folds where I just really thought I was beat and turned out to be right. Where uh, normally you would think you'd have to call there. I once folded a set, I remember this one at the main event in uh, 2011. I folded a set of fours on the turn against a very wild player and a very tight female player where 
he went all in and she called and it came back to me and I had a set of fours in the turn. And there was a straight possible. And the guy who was the very wild player, he was uh, he was a good wild player, but he was a very wild player. He played a whole lot of hands and was very aggressive. But he was in one of the blinds. He could have easily had that straight. And the woman, she seemed like the type that was not going to put in that much action from everything I'd seen from her unless she had a set. So it was like a low board. Fours obviously wasn't the best set out there. So I thought between the two of them, one of them's either got a higher set than me where I'm really screwed or, uh, or someone's got a straight where I've got to uh, pair the board if the, and hopefully the other one doesn't have a better set. What stage of the tournament was that in, Jeff? Early. It was uh, not super. It was it was in day. Uh, it was day two, I think. Day one or two. Um, it was before dinner, whatever it was. I think it was before dinner, day two. Anyway, uh, what did they end up having? The woman turned hers over first, and I was disappointed because she had pocket jacks for an overpair. And I said, oh, I wasn't expecting that. That was unusual for her. She had never, like, flipped out like that. I don't know why she did that. Uh, but she didn't have nothing, but, uh, you know, she, she, the way she was going, put her chips in, it really looked like she really had something huge. But, sure enough, that maniac had a straight. And sure enough, the, fl- the river would have missed for me. I would have been out. I didn't cash in that one. I got close to cashing, but I didn't cash. But, uh. I, I folded a set of fours there against a guy who was hyper aggressive and against a, a woman, a middle aged woman amateur. Yeah, but you have to thank her because she saved you. Yeah, yeah. If it's just against him, I would have had to call exactly. So I know, and jacks are so in tournaments, and the, the the first live tournament I played because I was always a cash player through the nineties and stuff, <clears throat> and then I won a seat to the World Series. I think the one that Raymer, the Raymer won. And, um, you know, I was just, just adamant and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in a big tournament like that. And I had Jackson under the gun plus one I raised, or maybe I was like middle position because the, the guy under the gun limped and I'm just like, I know this guy has aces and it ran around and then the button re-raised me and then that guy shoved. I mean, I had, you know, I, I mean, if I knew, I don't know. It was probably a good lay down. Of course, I would have made the full house to win, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's all the stories. And I had another one for the World Series uh, where it was in a main event. It was, I think, it was in twelve. I did this one. Twelve. I think it was twelve. There was another middle-aged woman involved who was very tight, and I had pocket queens, and she flatted me, and the flop came jack nine three two hearts. And I thought, oh crap, this is going to be difficult. Like, there's so many things that could screw me here. And, you know, so, so it's going to be difficult to know what to do. But fortunately, I'm up against a very straightforward player. That's what I thought to myself. So I bet the flop. She called. Blank on the turn. I bet. She goes all in. So I'm going, damn it, if this, she's got that like queen ten, if she's got like queen ten of hearts or whatever, like, I was going, oh crap. Like, I'm thinking there's so many draws she could have here. But I go, no. Queens aren't good. And she, this wasn't going to bust me or anything. This would have just, uh, you know, I, I think she would have cut my chip stack in half. But I, I looked around the table. I thought to myself, if any of these young guys at the table did this, I was going to have to call. 
Against her, I have to fold. So I folded the queens. Turned out she flopped a set of threes. So I was right there too. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to reason through it and say, uh, as tough as this is to fold, I think I'm beat. Now, I admit over a pair of queens, and that one wasn't the same as, as this one with the, with the set, but, you know, I told you I folded a set in the main event and was right. So, was it a good fold? Yes. Did the guy go through a good thought process? Yes. Did he play the hand right? I think he did. I think he did the right thing. I think he was, you know, congrats to him for being calm under pressure and reasoning this out and figuring out he was beat. Making the right fold. I don't think he, I, I think he's being too humble here. He might be doing that on purpose. He doesn't look like an arrogant dickhead, but uh, I, I think he did very well with that hand. I think it was uh, very well played on his part with the way he reasoned out that end. I mean, I, I see his point about the end that maybe he should have check raised all in. That there would have been a worse result, but I see his point that maybe just betting out wasn't as smart because he would have uh, blown away the bluffs there. But that aside. I thought that at least his river play and the way he reasoned it out was very good. And while it's not the best fold in history or an amazing fold like people are saying, it was a a good fold. But I think people are getting too excited about it. I hate to be like that player who's watching it on TV who says, oh, that's no big deal, I could have done that, just because they see all the hole cards. But because of the two hearts and because... Queen Ten of Hearts would have played just that way. I don't think it's as amazing as they're saying. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the number to this show. I'm afraid to try to make another phone call tonight. Just after everything that's happened, the, the, I feel like if I try to dial something, it's going to electrocute my hand. I feel like a, the rat that's been in the maze that just been, has been punished too many times for taking the wrong turn. Well, there's going to be an interesting gender bend going on at the World Series of Poker in 2018, just about two and a half months from now. Some of you are aware of the story of Sean Deeb dressing up in drag in the past to enter the women's event. A lot of other guys were entering the women's event, sometimes in drag, sometimes not. They finally made it to where males have to pay an additional $9,000 on top of the 1000 to enter, so that stopped that problem. I guess that's legal to do, but it's illegal to exclude males in Nevada. But there's going to be another planned gender-bending that takes place where someone's going to dress up as the opposite gender to play World Series tournaments. But it's not what you think. Unless you heard the intro and then you know. But No, it's not a guy dressing up in drag. It's actually a completely different situation. It's the reverse. It's actually a woman dressing up to be a man.
Yes, at the 2018 World Series, you may have a lady at your table that looks like a dude. But I guess you can also say dude looks like a lady because dude really will be a lady. So what's the story here? Why would a woman do that? Why would a woman dress up as a man to play open World Series events? There's no men-only event. Actually, that's not true. There actually was a men-only event last year. You know what that was? That was the 10K Limit Hold'em event. That was a men-only event. There was not a single female in the entire field. That was really strange. And that was weird because if you go to Commerce and you play the highest running limit holding game, like 6120, there's plenty of women in the game. Plenty. Sometimes like half. So it's not like women don't play limit hold'em. Now, white women don't play limit hold'em that much. It's mainly Asian women, but, but nevertheless, it's women. So I was very surprised with all the upper limit limit hold'em players that are out there that there were zero in the 10K Limit Hold'em event at the World Series, but they really were in 2017. But uh, why would a woman dress up as a man to play the World Series of Poker? Well, the woman's name... Uh, actually, I guess we don't know her real name. She's someone who uses the alias Sia Leita. That's S-I-A, first name, Leita, L-A-Y-T-A. And she's supposedly an author. And she's going to be releasing a book called Black Widow Poker. And I guess it's a story, I guess it's a book about playing poker as a woman and all the stuff she's gone through at the table. So she's going to uh, – and I, I don't think this is uh, going to be written about in this book. I think this might be a way to try to publicize the book. But she's going to play the main event of the World Series as a man. She claims that the book she wrote, Black Widow Poker, was written to explore the gender bias, the gender bias in the poker world. And she thinks that a lot of women don't play poker because of this supposed gender bias. She said that women in poker encounter bullying. And she says sometimes the bullying so bad that women aren't able to play poker the same way men are. Because they get distracted by the bullying or whatever. She said that most women are actually better off slow playing their hands to get action from men. Because otherwise, uh, they're perceived as always having strength. So if you have a hand and you're a woman and you, you play it strong, guys will fold. I guess that's true. <laughs> that's exactly what I did in that example I just gave. Two examples I just gave of the main event. But, but that's not, I mean, I guess it's a bias, but it's not an unfair bias. I mean, the truth is, and, and by the way, I, I don't have that gender bias for all women. Uh, if I see women who I know are poker pros, then I don't have that bias. If I see women who are young, like if I see a young woman playing, I usually assume that she's probably pretty good. Uh, if I see an older woman, even like at my age, then I assume, unless I know her, that she's probably just a recreational player. 
because there aren't that many women in poker. I figured that I would probably know who that is by now. And, and you know, it's more likely, especially a woman who's middle-aged or older, that she has the money to enter and just wants to give it a shot. And female recreational players tend to play pretty similar, where they play pretty tight and straightforward. And, you know, I I don't know if you want to call it gender bias, but it's a, I, I come up with biases about a lot of play styles that people will have based on a lot of factors. Sometimes based on gender, sometimes based on age, sometimes based on, on race, sometimes based on general demeanor at the table. Then I'm also aware that sometimes people might be trying to play on those expected biases and do something different, like she's describing here. I've even done it myself. I've played at the World Series against kids that I can tell think that I'm just some tight middle-aged guy. They're ones I can tell don't know who I am and just assume I'm just some typical, you know, average middle-aged player, middle-aged male player, who's going to only bet when he has it. So those guys I'm more likely to bluff. Not all the time, but I'll occasionally throw that in to make them think, okay, well, this guy, he must have it if he's raising here, you know, and then they'll fold and I feel proud of myself. I say, okay, good. But I'll do that if I'm against someone that I think has the perception that I wouldn't do it. And I'm more likely to do that against someone who I think sees me that way. I'm not going to do that against another recreational player. Or I'm not a recreational, but like I'm not going to do this against a recreational middle-aged man who will probably more likely to be making a crying call with a hand he doesn't love but can't get away from. I want to do it against the young pro who's looking at me as this old guy who he thinks is going to be uh, tight and straightforward. So what she's saying here is basically the same thing, that if you have a hand in your female that is better to slow play, otherwise the second you show action, they're uh, they're going to fold. But she's, she was complaining that even pre-flop this happens and that this makes her have to limp in sometimes and it's hard to play that way when you have to limp in and let people in you know, basically with any garbage in the, in the blinds. I, I can see how that's hard. But uh, see, I, I have to reject that part because I think it's actually very good if people have the impression of you at the table that you really have it. Because you can really exploit that. If you if you have the impression of a tight player who usually has it when you're raising, pre-flop or post-flop, you can steal tons of blinds that way. You you can three-bet people off hands that way. I mean, that's I, I would love for everyone to have that perception of me. That I'm I'm never raising even opening pre-flop unless I've got something very strong. I'd love that perception. I'll give up the action I'll get when I really hit to gain when I don't hit. Last year, I didn't cash at the main event once again, but I went into day three with pretty good chips. And I went into day three with pretty good chips, despite the fact that I did not hit many hands on day one and two. I won so many pots on day one and two without hitting hands. Day one and two, I did a great job at seeing when my opponent had it when they didn't. Day three, not so much. Day three, I didn't play as well. Some of it was luck. Some of it was I just didn't play as well. I just didn't. Just kind of from the moment I sat down, I kind of just didn't have it that day. And I ran bad. And my opponents hit every time I, I entered the pot. So that was all the problem. But days one and two, I really got my stack. I was very proud of my play on those two days because I really, uh, I not only uh, 
lost the minimum on hands where I ran into something big. Even when I had over pairs and stuff like that, I was able to sense it and lose the minimum. But I also uh, was seeing very accurately when to bet people off. So I felt great on those days. Um, on day three, where I was kind of scuffling through the whole day, it was uh, I never felt great. Kind of felt like everything I did wasn't working. But anyway, enough about me. Back to this uh, situation with the woman who's going to play in uh, reverse drag. She says she's played poker for more than 10 years. And she's going to wear facial hair. And uh, if she makes it far enough to cash, at that point she's going to remove her disguise. She's afraid that uh, she's going to get disqualified because of the Phil Locke rule. What is the Phil Locke rule? In 2008, Phil Locke wore a really weird old man (laughs) mask to try to look like an old man and see how people would, would act with him. There was no rule against that at the time. Mikon was actually at his table and was convinced that it was an old man. He's like, this is old. The guy's playing real weird. He's a really weird old man. And then Mikon learned later. I guess it fooled him. But uh, he learned later it was Phil Locke. But the World Series of Poker caught some criticism for this, that they allowed it. Saying that... Uh, People can use this sort of thing to hide their facial uh, their facial features or even disguise who they are. You can actually see the old man costume on, on YouTube because it was on ESPN. If you go to YouTube and look up Phil Locke's old man disguise. The World Series of Poker rule about this says, participants may not cover or conceal their facial identity. Tournament officials must be able to distinguish the identity of each participant at all times and may instruct participants to remove any material that inhibits their identification or is a distraction to participants or tournament officials. Participants may wear sunglasses and sweatshirts with hoods but may be asked to remove them if tournament officials cannot identify them. Now, Seth Polanski who's a vice president of the World Series, said that anyone disguising their identity at the World Series could be disqualified and forfeit their entry fee. When asked specifically about this woman, he said, my advice is that she take her idea to another event without that rule. But despite the fact that Polanski said this, and she was told about this, they said, hey, during the interview, they said to her, and by the way, her, her name is not known. She's, you know, this is under the Sia Leta name that she's not going to play under. So, um, now there's not very many women in the World Series of Poker. It's like 97% men. So it, it may not be that hard to deduce who she is. But, uh, she says she's still going to do it. She was told that, uh, Polanski said that. And she said, we've investigated this and the rule seems to apply to players trying to put a pro into their seat, or some other fraudulent move. Uh, I guess that was a spokesperson said that. In CSK, she'll be playing as herself, but the table will only know her visually as a man. 
there are also many new considerations now that people in transition have, have been common. <laughs> Have been have become common. In any case, she will go forward with playing. So I I think they're going to hide behind the the gender transition thing. Like uh, you know, what if she's transitioning to be a man but hasn't legally done so yet? Um, shouldn't she be allowed to do that? You know, why are you required to look like a woman if you're a woman? What if, what if you're a woman who feels like wearing a beard? What if you're a woman who feels like dressing masculine? Like Vanessa Selps, she doesn't try to look like a man, but she kind of does. You know, you can tell she's a woman, but she's a very, very masculine woman. So obviously, there's no requirement that a woman has to dress feminine and try to look female. If a woman, and, and you know, what if it's a woman trying to transition to be a man? She, of course, she can play the World Series. If they barred her for that reason, uh, she could sue them successfully for discrimination. However, she's not claiming that she's transitioning. She's stating outright that she's doing this to disguise herself, which I would think is violating that rule. Let's go over the rule again. Participants may not cover or conceal their facial identity. Tournament officials should may, must be able to distinguish the identity of each participant at all times and may instruct participants to remove any material that inhibits their identification or is a distraction. I, I would think that violates that because... If you see a guy at the table and she's trying very hard to really look like a guy, then, yeah, then she's trying to be misidentified. Whatever her real name is, if people try to find that woman at the table, they won't see her. They'll see a man if the disguise is good. So I would think that's exactly what that rule is saying. The spokesperson saying, oh, yeah, you know, what about people transitioning? You know, why do they have to look their gender? That's not really about that. But she's not transitioning. That's not what's happening here. She would have been better off if she claimed she was transitioning. Then they'd have a hard time. But she's already stated her plans. So she claims she's going to risk it. Now, she she may just uh, – this may just be a publicity stunt. And when it comes down to it, when it gets to the main event, she won't do it. With some excuse, oh, they were going to disqualify me. And and here's the other problem. So they know in advance this is going to happen, right? So they can put all the dealers and floor men on notice that if a female sits down that looks like a man, to call management immediately. And then management will tell her either take off the disguise now or we're going to disqualify you. Trader Risky. Hey, drop. Sorry. I was in a loud place and I got knocked off. Okay. So, so uh, I don't know if you've heard this part or if you've been. Uh... No, I listened. No, I listened. Oh, you listened. So, so what do you think? Do you, do you think she's violated the rules by what she's doing? No, I don't think so. You don't think it's a violation of that rule? I'm not. I'm not really talking about whether it should be allowed or isn't. But like, as far as the rule is written, do you think they can disqualify her? I don't think. So. I, I mean, they they might be able to, but I think they they run into such a backlash that it just wouldn't. Work. Yeah. Now, as as I, I, it would be an interesting situation, would they actually disqualify her? Now, if they, what I was just saying though, before I put you back on here, I think they could identify her early enough to where they can just put a stop to it. They could just, you know, find her right at the beginning that she's doing this because they'll see a woman sitting down with a man, you know, a man sitting down with a woman's name, unless she's got a very generic name that. Uh, right, if her name's like Christy or Susan or something. Yeah, 
and she registers looking like that and they let her in. Yeah, especially since they have warning. And, and also the, on her ID, it's not going to look like her either. So they're going to think, you know, maybe it's not the right person. And, you know, they may call someone over and, and, and you know, Seth Polanski already knows this is going to happen. So they, you know, they may be looking out for it and then just come over and tell her, hey, um, this is against our rules. We're not disqualifying you, but you need to remove the disguise now or we will. And uh, uh, not only that, but they could even just ruin the whole thing by going to the table. Hey, you know, she doesn't want to remove the disguise. We're letting everybody know here she's really fee. But I think they're just going to tell her, remove it or, or, or get out. They could even tell her that, that they will disqualify her but refund her. But they just won't let her play, which they have a right to do. So that, that's the other thing is they can kick her out for that reason. And then she'll have much less of a claim if they don't take her money. They just give her their 10K back. Which obviously they can't. If they do it like deep in the tournament, that's a different story. But like right as the thing begins, if they won't let her play and, and kick her out, then uh, she doesn't have much recourse. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with this. Uh, something I do want to say though, what she's trying to prove here, and yes, this is a, definitely a publicity stunt for her book, and she's not even denying that. But what she's trying to do here is like experience playing as a man, and then report the difference. Now, I'll agree there probably are some differences if they if they really buy that she's a man, which is, uh, it may be tough to do. She'll probably have to avoid speaking and uh, I don't know how, I don't know what she, her body is like. Like, you know, she may have a very feminine-looking body. It may be tough or, uh, you know, there could be a lot of work. She could be very small. You know, if she's like five foot three and 110 pounds, it may be a little tougher to pull off or uh, she's got a, She's got big breasts or something. What you gonna do with that? Like, there's a, there's a lot of issues that could come. But let, let's say, you know, body wise, she can somewhat pull it off, and and facially, she can pull it off with a beard and just avoid speaking, and maybe maybe get away with it. Uh, I can tell you, as a man who plays poker, it's not very exciting. Like, I don't ever sit there thinking, "Wow." I'm so glad I'm a guy at the poker table. I'm so glad I'm not female. Like I sometimes will think the opposite. I sometimes think, wow, it'd be nice if I was female here. I, I bet I could uh, do better. But I've never thought before, wow, it's great to be a guy at the poker table. I, I've thought that with other things. When I've negotiated to buy a car, I've thought, well, I'm glad I'm male here. I'm glad I'm male and I'm glad I'm not young because otherwise I wouldn't get as much respect here. I've thought about that before. Um, I, I've thought in other situations that – you know, accomplishing certain things was easier because of me being a man. I don't mean like, you know, strength-wise or size-wise. I'm talking about just the perception of me being a middle-aged man. At times I've said, hey, this is, I think this is an advantage. There's other times I thought it was a disadvantage or, or it would be an advantage to be a female, especially an attractive one. So I, I think there's advantages and disadvantages in different situations for each gender. I don't think they're always equal. But you can't count those out. You can't just count out the way people perceive you, especially play-wise. You can say, okay, all guys have to learn to treat the women with respect at the table. Women, the, the guys at the table should never make crude comments. They shouldn't uh, put them down. They, you know, they, you have to be polite. You, you basically, basically, all men should treat women at the table the same way they treat other men. And that's what I do. And I, I never treat women disrespectfully at the table ever. Unless they've been disrespectful to me first, and that's the same thing. That's the same way I treat treat guys. You know, I, I treat guys with respect to the table too, at the table too, unless they are uh, rude or nasty to me, and then then it's a different story. But I will say that I have played differently against women based upon 
other women I've seen playing of their same age and, and other factors that uh, have led me to believe that they'll be more likely to play a certain way than others. So yes, you, you're always making judgments about the people at the table and their play style, and if you don't, you're going to lose. So uh, that's part of poker. So I don't even think it's fair to say, uh, oh, it sucks, you know, women, they, they don't get much action when they have real hands. Well, okay. You, you can't force men to put in action with their poker hands when uh, if they don't want to give it to you. If, if they play with too many women who are tight and you're not, then you don't get action. That's, uh, you can't blame the men for that. That means that you know, the, there's a reason they're playing this way. And you know what? You can exploit it the other way. So that shouldn't be a problem. Um, in fact, that, as I said, that's one of the better situations to be in. I think the toughest situation to actually be in, from my experience playing tournaments, is where everyone thinks you never have it. Or everyone's seeing you as a loser who's like losing every hand. Or a folder who's folding whenever, whenever pressure's put on you. That's very tough because unless you're hitting a lot of big hands, you're always making really tough decisions and often have, you're having no hand and having to fold. And I've been that, I've had that situation before. I've been at World Series tables where I get moved there. Every hand I miss, every hand I keep folding every time pressure's put on me because my hand is just not good enough to call. And then people have seen me like, you know, play eight hands and fold all eight. And they think I'm a folder and they start taking shots at me. And it'd be great if I'm hitting top set every time, but I'm not. And, 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 and I can tell just everyone's taking shots, and it's a very tough spot to be in. Whereas I've had other times where I'm, like, showing down winning hands every time. And then, when I, then I can start pushing people around, and they believe me. And that's a great position to be in. And when I get moved from one of those tables, I'm very unhappy. So I don't even see why this is upsetting to her. But uh, being a male at the poker table... Is, is nothing to write home about. You don't get all kinds of advantages. You really don't. People may play differently against you, but uh, as far as how you're treated, there's pros and cons. Uh, a, an attractive female at the table will get a lot of favors done for her that would not be done for me at the same table. She may also have to deal with guys hitting on her and stuff like that, but uh, and I wouldn't have to do with it, deal with that going on. But as far as uh, like favors being done or the table taking her side if a dispute comes up, that's that's much better to be an attractive female there. I was once at a Bellagio game. I've talked about it before, where the female was completely in the wrong rule wise and morally too, but all other people at the table took her side when a dispute came up between the two of us. Which the floor man validated, by the way, on my side. Because they all wanted to kiss her ass because she was young and pretty. So, you know, with poker, it really does cut both ways. I can see some situations where it's better to be male in poker. And I can see situations where it's better to be female. Females also get sponsorships way more easily if they have any kind of tournament success. Especially pretty ones. Um, now, yes, females do have to put up with some things at the table that men don't, such as sometimes you know, sexual harassment or guys trying to ask them out or uh, guys that just won't ever accept that they're good and always look down on them. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. I, I can believe that. I believe those things happen. 
But I'll tell you, I really don't see this. Like I, when I sit at the table, uh, I see disputes come up, but it's always like play related. I, I, I've actually never witnessed a girl like being treated badly at the table. I, I've seen a few like lame, awkward attempts to hit on pretty girls at the table, but they always end pretty quickly, and just the guy just kind of looks foolish. That's 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 like it never. I've never seen it get worse than that. I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen. I'm just saying all the ta- in all the poker I've played, and there's been a lot of women at the table I've been at. I've never seen it once where I think, wow, this woman's being treated like crap. Wow, she's being treated disrespectfully. Wow, she's being sexually harassed here. And I would totally notice if it was happening, too, because I don't do things like that. So I, if, it, if someone else was doing it, I would totally notice it because I don't do it. So I, I can see it happening. I wouldn't even be blind to it because it's not behavior that I engage in the ta- at the table, ever. So um, I, I don't even believe her claim that there's so few women in poker as they've been chased out of the game. I just think that not many women have that much of an interest in poker. Some do, but it's just mostly males who have an interest in the game. Therefore, there's more of them. And as far as being mistreated at the table, uh, everybody gets mistreated at some point at the table. Uh, I have been, I'm sure... Just about everybody who's listening to this show and has played enough live poker has stories where they got mistreated at the table. But not because of their race or gender or any factor like that. Just they ran into an asshole at the table. <laughs> so, uh, It will be interesting if she actually tries this, especially after being told not to. But who knows? This could just be... In fact... I wish I had Calwat on here to chide me that I'm just uh, falling into the trap of doing a story on an advertorial. And this story was from Card Player. So Card Player, they'll pretty much sell their soul to anyone who'll give them money. So uh, it's very possible that this is just a way to promote that book. And if that's true, I just I, I guess I just gave this woman a free ad. I wonder if she did try to buy a car as a man and a woman. That, that actually would be interesting. Yeah, that would be more interesting. That that would be a good one to see because I remember, I remember talking. I, I was I was doing this on the phone too, uh, like negotiating with dealerships. I didn't want to go down there. I I like doing it on the phone because they know you can just hang up on them. They don't have as much power over you. But I remember talking to them and trying to push them down to the invoice price and being told no and you know, the whole back and forth with all that. And I remember thinking when they ultimately backed down, the one particular dealership that did it for me. Uh, and there was nothing wrong with the car. That, you know, the dealership that did it, they, the car was actually ordered and built custom, so it was not something where it was like on the lot and had a problem. It was really where they just really did back down and took invoice price. But... I remember when they did it, I remember thinking, you know what? If I were female, I think there's a good chance that like the the guy negotiating with me on the phone like just feel like he didn't want to lose the negotiation session against a woman. Like he just didn't want to suffer the indignity of having a, a woman end up uh, out negotiating him. So he just would dig his heels in and, and not make the sale if necessary. And I thought about that. I thought, you know what? It's, it's good that I'm male here because if I was a woman, they may have just dug his heels in, whereas with another guy – uh, is much more willing to uh, to do it. So, I mean, not that anyone likes to 
have to finally back down in a negotiation session, but it's much easier for them to say, okay, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. This is a guy who knows what you know the cars are really going for. Blah blah blah. Okay, fine. You know, we'll sell it at, at, the, at this price. But to a woman, you know, they they get in their head. I'm not going to let this girl run over me, and then they can just really, really not want that to happen. So yeah, I would. That would be more interesting to see as a woman trying to negotiate buying a car or other areas where you'd expect women would be shown less respect. Because that does happen. I believe that does happen. I've even thought of it. Um, I, I just don't like terms like male privilege. I, I just think that uh, I think both genders have privileges at certain times. So, um, we'll see if this actually occurs. I don't think this book's going to sell well enough to where she would actually risk getting disqualified for the main event, or especially risk getting disqualified like deep into it. So there's got to be some plan here. I don't even know how many people are going to really buy this, but this this is starting to look more and more like an advertorial to me now that I'm thinking about it. I think I walked right into the trap. Card player covered it, and then I covered it on this show. I'm like, oh, this is an interesting story. I go, oh, crap, I've been promoting this book this whole time. I've been unknowingly promoting this book. I'm even afraid to say the name of the book again. I mean, what would sell is if she did it, made the money, got booted, and then transitioned. <laughs> I, that would be, you know, right? Let's well, see how committed she is. I, I even th- when I first read this article, I thought she was playing, and then would write a book about it or, or make this a chapter in her book. I was very surprised the book is already complete, and this is to promote the book. I would think that it would be much more interesting if she had everything complete but this, and then played the main event. Hope to make the money, and then even if she got disqualified, she'd figure, okay, well, that's going to give me so much book equity that people are going to know my name because of this, and then they're all going to want to ride, you know, want to read my story about this, and even read my story about what happened at the main event when I played as a male. But this won't even be in the book. That's what's even weirder. Like, why do this and then not write about it when you're writing a book about it? exactly this? So. If I see her at my table, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something. That'd be funny if I just like a if it's just like a feminine guy and I offend him. <laughs> I think it's her. I think it's actually just some um, yeah. It's, it's this woman pretending to be a man. It's just like this really effeminate guy, and then he accuses me of uh, homophobia or something. Yeah. Or you could ask her out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I should do. <laughs> I, should, I, I should I should like pretend I'm gay and, and ask her out and say. Uh, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I I didn't have these feelings before, but I've never had an attraction to another man like this, but something about Your you. connection, a human connection. There's, there's just something about you. I don't care if you're male. I just, I just, I'm really attracted. I want to take you back to my hotel room. I, I don't care if people think I'm gay or bi. I just got to do it for some reason. This is the first time I've ever f- felt this way about another man. <laughs> just well, like that. that could be like the next romantic comedy. <laughs> That would be funny. That would be funny if a guy figured it out and then pretended to have a gay attraction to her. There was actually a Futurama episode like this where uh, Leela pretended to be a man to get into the military because they weren't allowing females in the military. And she wanted to fight anyway. So, so she pretended to be a man. And then Zap Brannigan, who was the head of the military there, was attracted to her as a man. 
because he was also attracted to her as a woman earlier in the series. So he was attracted to her as a man and started just going, well, this is strange. I have these confusing feelings. And he was like you know, starting to really think he was gay and act gay and start hitting on her as like a, a gay guy who hit on another gay guy. But then, uh, then he was relieved at the end when she, when she like punched him and knocked him down. And he said, oh, I've never been so relieved to be beaten up by a girl when, he, when she took off her disguise and he saw it was really a girl. He was attracted to the whole. Ah, time. they stole my idea. Yeah, well, on to the next one. That's okay. No, but it, 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 your idea is still good because that was about uh, that was supposed to take place in the future during an interstellar war, and, and here it's just that the World Series of Poker in the present. So, I, no, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea for if anybody really recognizes that's her, just to start hitting on her and see what happens. Pretend to be gay. And you know that would be interesting, by the way. I mean, as far as like the WSOP marketing itself and marketing to women. And there's so many content channels now. If they created some type of show, you know, something, that could be a good way to get more people into it for sure. Yeah, that could I don't be. know if they want to lead with this story, but there's probably <laughs> some other ones. Okay, let's see what Matt the Rat has to say. He's, he's calling in. I'm afraid to take calls tonight, but I'm going to do it if I can. Matt, you there? I am here. Okay, good. Now, you're calling through Skype, so of course you're clear, and this, this is the way a phone call should be. So, what's going on, Matt? But, well, just a couple things. Hey, Skype, do you use that, like, the new Windows-style one, or kind of the old, uh, the old-style one? No, the old-style one. Yeah, the old-style one's much better, but I, I, have you found sometimes it doesn't connect, and it, like, it forces you to use the new one? No, I've never had that. I've, now, now, it's interesting you mention that, because when I first... Like, okay, so when when I got the new computer, and I, I see it has Skype loaded already, go, oh, sweet, Skype's here already, and then I try it, and it's this stupid uh, app. The Windows kind it's of a, one, yeah. Yeah, it's like an app one. It's a, it's an app instead of... Uh, it's a dumbed-down one, too. It is, right. So so, so I'm going, this is crap. This isn't what I want. I go, it's, am I forced to use this on... on uh, I think it was actually... I don't think it was Windows 10. I think it was, uh, was it Windows 8 that I first found this. So I said, this is a joke. I've really got to use this on Windows 8. And then I noticed that there is what they call the desktop Skype instead of the app. So I went and got the desktop Skype. And that's what and I've been using. And you still get that today, though? Oh, the desktop the Skype. The older yeah. one? Yeah, you can get the desktop Skype, yeah. Oh, I, I found sometimes a desktop Skype, like, it just doesn't connect. And uh, right now I'm using the new one just because I use it unless I have a problem. But, you know, the one thing with the new one, <clears throat> like on the old one, you could make, quote, groups of, like, say, you know, poker friends or Facebook friends or whatever. And you could put people into different groups and you could sort them. You can't do that with this new Skype. Well, can you make group calls? Like, that's, that's what I do to put all yeah, you on you together. Yeah, you can make group calls. Okay. But like I said, if you had, say, 100 people and you had 10 different people in each, quote, category, you can't do that with the new one. Yeah, I don't care about that. That's, that's interesting, but I don't care about that because I've never done it. Uh, but I'm afraid things like like sharing the system sound, and, which doesn't work that well anyway, but things like that that I'm afraid wouldn't work on that. I, it is worth a try, though. I haven't touched that crappy app version of it since I tried it for a second on Windows 8 and said this sucks. But maybe maybe that one they've been making more of an effort to work better. Where, where maybe the desktop one is crap now because the desktop well, one is crap. Well, no, the app, the app one, and that's what I'm using right now. You can't, you can't do a lot of things that the old one could. And but anyway, um, I, I was, uh, I tuned off for a little bit, and I'm back. You guys, were you just talking about poker stars? No, no, no. We were just talking about the woman who's going to dress as a man for the World Series. Oh, 
Um, yeah, I don't know if you won the chat. I'm not not really bragging. I'm kind of on cloud nine. I just won a small tournament, um, like 663 people. But what That's was it. cool? That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was the first uh, got first. But what was what I found interesting is Poker Stars. I'm putting the link in the uh, chat. They made a video highlight of my key hands all the way to the winning hand. It's like a three minute video. So you think it's just automated that it just picks the yeah, hand? Yeah, well, it's automated. And what it does is it takes like it, you know, it show. Oh, I had pocket kings. I raised two guys. Went all in. I called. Now and then, you know, it shows like other poker players, but it shows your hand. And I mean, I thought that was pretty freaking cool. That's yeah. a great idea. That is a great That's idea. That's kind of I mean, probably similar could, to like that Facebook thing they do. Like, who's the yeah, yeah? Person? Like your your, but like you can check out the link. I just put it in there. And that got sent to me in email, and I thought that is freaking cool. You know, you go go on the on the forum and the poker community discussion, and, and and post about that. I I can't look at it right now doing the show, but to sure, see, yeah, yeah. Post it there because we'll, we'll discuss it too. That 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 is interesting, and it is a good idea, and it even give makes the winner feel good. Like the, oh, they sure, got highlights, sure. and so yeah, that that was a good idea to do. And so not- I'll uh, I'll make a small donation to the next uh, free roll, but. Um, Man, I got I got some money in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin's just been tanking yeah, lately. It ha- it last, just, yeah, the last last few days have been tough on it. It's I it ha- I think it has the, you know something to do with the the old Mount Gox four hundred million dollars of Bitcoin. The guy that stole it has been dumping it for months. Yeah, um, it is weird. Um, yeah, a story came out, and this it, it has been tanking since then. It's currently at around seventy nine hundred right now after being well over eleven k for a while. Yeah, and and the this, it's kind of a weird story that someone has been manipulating the market through uh, a whole lot of trades, and that uh, and that it, it's kind of seemed like that he may have been responsible for uh, for the run-ups, and that uh, I had always wondered about this that uh, it seemed too easy, provided you had enough Bitcoin to do it with. It seemed too easy to run up and run down the market by just putting in a lot of. Uh, well, you need millions of dollars to do that. Well, that's what I mean. I, the market. Right. I know. I know. I couldn't just go like go do it myself. Yeah. But uh, but like if, I mean, if you have a whole lot of Bitcoin, a whole lot uh, to just uh, to to run up and down the price, just by uh, j- by putting in uh, the buy and sell orders, and you know that you can you can run it down by just putting sell a whole lot of sell orders uh, lower than all the ones that are currently there. And and run it up the reverse by putting in uh, buy orders for more, and and then and then it kind of takes over itself. Then you once it starts to move, then you can back off and stop doing it and let, let it run up itself. And then when it starts to flatten, you can do it again. And I thought and I thought if you have a lot of Bitcoin to where this is worth it, you can manipulate the market this way uh, to run it way up. Well, and then, yeah, and, and then when s- you're when you're done dumping, knowing you're selling all the way down, and you know it's at the bottom. You could just buy in again that's, at the bottom, that, right? And that's what I was afraid of—that that the people <laughs> that, that they're doing this, and then and then they're done selling. They run it down, they, they sell it, and then they wait for at the bottom, and then they buy back in, knowing because they're going to wait for it to, to recover from what they did, and then start buying back in as it goes back up. And uh, yeah, so so there's a lot of so there's some accusations that some form of that was occurring, and that there was some guy who uh, who, who may have stolen from Mount Gox. That, and that uh, he's been dumping Bitcoin. Uh, that uh, you know, th- through the a lot of a whole lot of sales in a short time. I'm, I'm reading on CNBC. 
it says that uh, um, let's see here. A trustee of the now defunct exchange has been selling. Talking about Mt. Gox, has been selling large amounts of Bitcoin that the exchange still had to pay back creditors. This has been this has been hitting the price of Bitcoin. Uh, and then also there's um, a complaint that uh, unrelated to that that Google was going to be uh, banning cryptocurrency related advertising, including initial coin offerings, wallets, oh, yeah. and trading advice. So that's that's. Uh, some concern as well. So that's uh, now people are afraid and people are starting to cut their losses. So, yeah, so it has. Yeah, but that McAfee article, the, you know, the McAfee guy. Yeah. Um, he's very into it. He, like, all his predictions have been correct. Yeah, so but you far. know what? I, I, I've kind of gotten into it ever since the, 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 the whole dragon chain thing. And uh, I've been kind of following cryptocurrency in general. And a lot of these coins, like altcoins, they go up when Bitcoin goes up and they go down when Bitcoin goes down. And the the guy, the McAfee guy, he has a huge following and he got found out like these new shit coins, they contact him and he goes, okay, I'll promote your coin. Like he doesn't even care what it does for 25 Bitcoin and 15, 15% of like your, like if, you know, if they have a hundred million coins, like, you know, and 15% of your stock or whatever. Right. And he's done that to a couple shit coins that have the projects, nothing. And this guy's made a ton of money and somebody outed him somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of like the stock, this penny stocks with a lot of that going on with, uh, with, with promotion and, and, uh, and, and people buy you know, based on some kind of hype, and then uh, it turns out it's really just based on nothing, and the whole thing crashes eventually. Uh, so you guys did see the documentary on Showtime about him, did you? No, I didn't. I heard no. about it. I didn't it see is it. fucking unbelievable. You got to watch it. Yeah, he's a very strange guy. Yeah, and he was had yeah, these girls. And they were shit. You got to. It's worth. It's worth watching for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it is too bad though. Like in general, <laughs> since I kind of started getting into cryptocurrency, um, overall the whole market is just tanked the last two months. And when I first got in, you could actually throw a dart. You could go to that coin market cap. You could put a thousand bucks into any coin in the top one hundred, and you could make like ten percent a day over and over and over. And then those days are gone. Like it's everything is just you go too. Two steps backwards, one step forward, two steps backwards. It's just, it's just, it's brutal. And I, I think it has to do with this guy dumping this four hundred million dollars of Bitcoin. And there's been other news uh, about that. You know, some head uh, finance guy in, uh, uh, I think it was uh, South Korea or, or no, uh, so, somewhere saying, oh, they're going to ban Bitcoin, and they're like the, you know, the third largest trader of it, and. A lot of bad news about crypto in general, so it's it's hard to say where it will be in a year from now. Yeah, I, I, I see with Mt. Gox, I got it a little bit wrong. I just want to clarify. It was a, um, this is a, actually a trustee from Mt. Gox. This is not someone who was manipulating the market or not supposedly. That, that just that he was, uh, um, he was selling. He, he's actually supposed to be selling because they're trying to liquidate it to pay back the people who lost their money on Mt. Gox. And that because Bitcoin went up so much, uh, this is actually possible because even though Matt Gox lost 850,000 Bitcoin, uh, they still had 166,000 Bitcoin there. So normally that would be a disaster when they lose, uh, they only have 166,000 of like 
more than a million Bitcoin left. But because it went up so much, it's actually worth more than the total Bitcoin amount at the time that uh, they had that theft. So what they're doing is they're liquidating it and then paying off the creditors who won't get their full Bitcoin back, but they'll actually get more money than the Bitcoin was worth at that time. So, uh, so anyway, they're liquidating the Bitcoin in order to pay these people. And that this trustee was uh, apparently uh, doing this, and he liquidated thirty-five thousand of those uh, uh, of those Bitcoin, and that's what was making it run up. So that's that's the concern. So the concern has actually been more that uh, without him selling anymore, it's just not running up the price because the volume of, of buyers isn't there. Yeah, but as he's dumping, it should. If you're dumping, the t- the price goes down. That's why it's been going down, not when it when it but, went but up. He's not, but he's not dumping it. What he's what he's doing now is, uh, uh, yeah, I know he was selling it, but um, that's a good point, though. Uh, you, you know, he he was dumping it, and then now he, um, he somebody took him to court or something, and he has to like. Uh, sell it under some kind of regulation or guidance or something like he he was just willy-nilly just dumping stuff and i don't know if he, he quote stole it from mount gox or it has something to do with mount gox but this guy was just on his own selling well as I'm saying, I, no, I was saying that it was, it was he's a trustee and he's trying to liquidate it so they can pay people back what's owed uh, yeah but yeah but how many people have you ever heard got paid back zero but this may just be that you know, he, he's a trustee and he's supposed to be doing this, and then he didn't understand he's supposed to get the regulatory approval and just selling it, and then uh, now, yeah, I, I see it's, it's been stopped, but uh, I'm not sure how that made the price fall. Like I, I thought that was making the price go up, so I'm confused now. No, if, if they're dumping mass amounts, it's just yeah. like a normal stock market. The, yeah, you think it would go down, right? It would go down. Yeah, that's what and I think. Then, and then, but if he's he's still got a lot left to sell. But yeah, I he think does. Once that's all gone, the price will creep up because... He's not going to be selling, but anyway, it's uh, the yeah the market in general is just shit, and uh, I mean I I can so if you don't like I don't have uh, PayPal anymore, uh, I mean so you still accept the Bitcoin donations, all right? Yeah, yeah. It, it but I mean see the the fees for Bitcoin has like for a while there they were crazy. It was like twenty or thirty bucks just to transfer like 50 bucks it was crazy yeah yeah but now it's it's reasonable it's like you know a dollar or two yeah it's it's back yeah okay i think i I think i understand what you're just talking about here yeah um he uh so yeah it is true he was dumping it and now he has to take a break from dumping it until until september because there all the regulations involved so that uh they're actually thinking that between now and september it could go up because of that but people are still kind of fearing like what's going to happen when he dumps it in september so People are still a little skittish about buying Bitcoin because you know, ultimately in September it's going to you know, he's going to dump 166,000 more coins, and then it's going to crash. Lot. It's going to crash again. So people don't want to you know. They, I think people are just like thinking that the upside is going to end September anyway. So why bother? Like I, th- I think that maybe it's partially going on, but who knows? But uh, yeah, I was just wondering how you handled that because for a while, if people give you say thirty dollars, it might cost you fifteen bucks in fees just for the thirty bucks. Well, so that's so you're, I, you're out. Well, so let me tell you what I was doing as far as Bitcoin, like pay people for the free roll, and it was tough I, for a while. I was either saying I'm just not going to pay people because even if they were willing to take it, I just felt weird. Yeah. If they won thirty dollars in the free roll, to, even if they say they're going to eat the fifteen dollar transaction fee, I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to send you fifteen dollars and, and pay the Bitcoin miners fifteen dollars because that's the only way you can get it. It just it, it just seems wrong. So, 
what I tried to do was send them slower where the, the cost is a lot cheaper. But in some cases, it was super slow and took weeks. They finally got it, but it, boy, did it take a long time to verify. Yeah. So anyway, I just kind of phone in about the the stars. I, I well, I've never won a tournament like a number one. So and they sent that video. I don't know how long they've been doing that. I would assume it's pretty new. Uh, it's a pretty cool idea. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, supposed yeah. to yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great social tool too because people are just going to send that out auto. You know. Oh yeah, they, they you go to the link and of course they got like you can share it. On, they got a link for Facebook, Twitter, email, like everything. Like it's it's actually a really good promotional thing yeah it's a good idea oh. yeah no it's a great idea for sure yeah so go, go yeah, ahead and maybe and, it's a good sign to the company some new innovative stuff yeah so post that up on the, uh, the on the poker i just community. i did i put a, on the I, it's called stars uh poker stars makes winners feel good okay very good cool okay talk to you guys later all right trader all right thank you matt yeah bye this is matt the rat nice guy have seen so you see you, see, you, see, you, you really see him every year every year at the world series and uh, spend some time with him. Uh, the Nevada Attorney General, whose name I now have to know how to pronounce, Adam Lexalt, is uh, known to most of us here as the guy who prosecuted Brian Mikon for running Seals with Clubs, the Bitcoin poker site. And he ultimately didn't fare very well in that case. I'm saying, talking about Adam, not Mikon. Mikon did great. Um. When Micon got busted, this was in 2015, and it was very dramatic. They at 5 a.m. they actually they literally kicked down his door while he was sleeping, and came in with guns and ordered him onto his lawn in his underwear, <laughs> and and then confiscated a bunch of computers and stuff from his rented house. Did not arrest him, but he quickly fled to Antigua and refused to come back until his lawyers had an agreement. And Micon even brazenly went and started another SEAL site called SWC Poker, which still runs to this day. It's not very active, but but he started one and actually made a video bragging about how he was starting it, which I thought was pretty foolish. Adam Lexalt went and held a press conference at the time about Brian Micon. He was the Nevada Attorney General. He, he actually went and did a press conference at the time. So I really thought they were going to make an example out of MyCon, and that MyCon either was never going to be able to come back to the U.S. or would eventually come back and face very tough charges. MyCon hired the very influential and expensive attorneys, Chesnoff and Schoenfeld, who I would hire if I had such a problem. That was a good decision on his part. And they got this basic all the way down to probation. Where they just uh, they booked him, he was immediately released, and uh, he even played a World Series event the same day as he was arrested. And uh, yeah, he didn't have any jail time. He was on probation. He had to stay in Nevada during the time of the probation and hold a job. It looked like he got a phony job through Crazy Mike at a drone store, and that was it. He had to pay a small fine, like twenty thousand dollars, and let them keep like. One Bitcoin of his they had, which at the time was only worth like $900 or so. And that was it. So, Micon got off pretty damn easy. Oh, they got to keep his computers, but you know, no big deal. So, that was it. And 
Adam Laxall kind of failed there as far as uh, that prosecution. He made such a big deal over it when Mikon was arrested to hold a press conference about it and to back down with not even any kind of jail time was amazing. Uh, Mikon only had to plead guilty to a misdemeanor, by the way. One single count of a misdemeanor. He got out very, very easily. So Adam Laxalt did have further political aspirations. That was known at the time. I thought that had something to do with why he was coming down so strong on Mikon. I didn't feel bad for Mikon, not just because of my issues with him, but because uh, he did knowingly break the law to run that site. And others who were afraid of breaking the law to run that site, they could have also made money from doing it, didn't because it was against the law. So he gave himself basically an unfair competitive advantage over those who would not run such a site because of the law. So I, I didn't feel bad for Mikon, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I knew that Adam Lexalt was probably doing this because of political aspirations. And indeed, he had them. So he announced on Tuesday, March 13th, that he has filed paperwork to run for governor of Nevada. He's going to run as a Republican. Uh, He's going to attempt to become the 30th governor of all time for the state of Nevada. Right now, Brian Sandoval is governor, but his term is about to expire. He's been there for uh, seven years at the moment. After the election, uh, whoever wins that will take over in 2019. Brian Sandoval was pro-online casino and pro-online poker. Adam Luxalt is not. He has said that he does not like online casinos and online poker. He also even said, and this is back in 2015, that he would support plans to restore the Wire Act, the 1961 Wire Act, which wasn't aimed at the Internet, but that was being used to keep poker and online gambling illegal in the United States. It was reinterpreted at the federal level to not apply to poker, which actually uh, opened up the opportunity to have legalized online poker in the United States. There is some belief that uh, perhaps he is opposing online poker because of Sheldon Adelson's opposition to it, and Sheldon Adelson is known to throw his money around backing candidates who support his positions. So, And now video is a review journal. That's huge. Yeah, that, that's especially huge now, right. So, uh, just in case you think that Adam Lexalt may have changed his mind since 2015, politicians change their minds very quickly, depending on a number of factors. Here's a letter from uh, Adam Lexalt and a number of others. It it has a lot of different signatures on it, like 10 different people. But he's one of them. From November 2016 to Trump and to Mike Pence after they won. As the state's top law enforcement officers, we, the undersigned attorneys general, send this letter to express our deep concern over the current interpretation of the Wire Act and request your help in restoring the Wire Act's protections. 
Since 1961, the Wire Act has prohibited all gaming involving interstate wire transmissions. In the dark of night on Christmas 2011, the Obama administration overrules 50 years of practice and precedent when a Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel opinion claimed the Wire Act only applied to sports betting and not to other types of online gambling. Dismantling the Wire Act undermined state online gambling prohibitions. Without a federal prohibition, the DOJ opened the door to expansive Internet gambling and exposed states to the significant negative impacts that often accompany online gambling. So then it just goes on with that type of stuff. I won't even bother to read the rest. Uh, basically, the letter was trying to manipulate Trump by saying, look at this bad thing Obama did. He, he ruined a 50-year law that was working. In the, in the dark of night, as if they're breaking in somewhere. <laughs> like, why, why does it matter what time that happened? So, uh, that, that Obama's people at the DOJ snuck in a change to the Wire Act that dismantled a working 50-year-old law. And it's pretty much saying, hey, Trump, you know, we know how much you don't like Obama. Don't be like him. Put it back. That's basically what they were saying. This is a little bit surprising that this was written. I mean, I have to think that Sheldon Adelson may have funded this because a lot of Republicans don't feel this way. You know, they wrote there that this undermined states' online gambling prohibitions. No, it didn't. The states have the choice if they want it or not. This this actually put more power in state governments to determine this. And that's why a lot of Republicans supported this and why a lot of Republicans support the states deciding for themselves if they want online gambling. And that's why a lot of Republicans got mad at Sheldon Adelson's attempts to reverse what had already been done. To where the states are told, we don't care if you want online gambling in your state, you can't have it. Republicans don't like that. Republicans like when states have power. They like states' rights. So you, you go to a Republican lawmaker and say, hey, uh, we want to reduce states' rights in this matter. Uh, no matter what it is, usually Republicans get mad. They don't like that. So it's, it's strange that he's citing that it undermines states regarding online gambling. It, no, it, it actually made states uh, more powerful. So he wrote that back in, in November 2016. So it wouldn't be surprising if it turns out that he's being bankrolled by Sheldon Adelson and that for that reason he's taking a position on something which isn't really that big of an issue. Even in Nevada. The strange thing also is Nevada it has it already. Why, why take it away? It's not doing well, but it's, it's there. Now, I haven't really looked at what Salt's chances are, chances are to win in either the primary or in the general election. Now, uh, Brian Sandoval, the current governor, he was once a state gaming regulator. He actually signed the online poker legislation in Nevada. And he's also the one who brokered the... Uh, Sharing with of the of the player pool with Delaware. But uh, if Lexalt wins, then this could be different. 
Not that it'll be a terrible loss for WSOP.com in Nevada to disappear. That's a fail site. When I'm in Nevada, I don't even open it. It's just so pathetic. Now, many are saying that uh, it's unlikely that he will be able to be successful even as a, new, a Nevada governor to change anything at the federal level for the reasons I stated, that the that Republicans are very anti-interfering with states' rights, and then Democrats, they just uh, they see this as like a, a personal freedom issue. So both parties have enough politicians who are anti-a federal ban on online gaming that this wouldn't happen. This is probably not going to change. And Nevada is not exactly a powerful or influential state. It's a small state. So the only concern is really that he would put a halt to it in Nevada. But given that it's only online poker and it's kind of a, a fail site anyway, it probably won't matter that much, even if he does that. I haven't really looked at his chances yet, as I said. He'll have to win a re- Republican primary, and then he would have to win the general election. Sandoval's a Republican, so Republicans still have a pretty good chance to win the gubernatorial election, though it's by no means a lock. It's it's, it's kind of a, a toss-up in that state of which party wins. It depends on the, uh, the candidate. Nevada is actually one of the few states where Hillary did better than expected. A lot of states went way, way better for Trump than expected. But Nevada was one of the few that uh, did not. Basically, Nevada and Colorado were fails for Trump. He was uh, thinking he had a chance in each of them, and he didn't come close. And in fact, because of Nevada having a lot of its voting early that already was a very bad sign for Trump because there were so many votes coming in for Hillary and she just had such a big lead from the early voting and this is supposed to be one of the battleground states so people said wait a minute you know like if, if in the battleground state is if he's getting clobbered this badly it's going to be a disaster and I was kind of fooled by that too I would have never thought he had a shot at all. The things like Wisconsin and Michigan, Pennsylvania. I mean, I didn't think he had a shot in any of those if uh, he was struggling so badly in Nevada. But he ended up winning by 74 electoral votes. He lost the popular, popular vote, but that all that matters is the electoral votes. But he won Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, states that uh, Republicans hadn't won in so long. And then also picked up Iowa, Ohio, and Florida, which Obama had won previously. And he held every state that Romney had held in 2012. He didn't lose any state that Romney had won. So Nevada was one of the few states that actually Hillary did better than expected, one of only two. But I, I don't know about a gubernatorial election where that'll go. 
I mean, do you think they'll like put Mike Khan's YouTube videos and all this crazy shit up as like a smear campaign that he could let him get off so easy? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so because he's not seen as like a major criminal. Like people won't even understand this for the most part. No, I know, but that would be hilarious. Yeah, it would, create, like it, a spoof one. It, it would be. It would be funny. <laughs> Yeah, people would go, what? A Bitcoin poker site? What do, you, what do you mean? Why is this guy being arrested? Like, the average person wouldn't even know what the, you know, like, what even is the big deal about it? Like, I, the, the average person would be so confused by this. So. Oh, no, I could just see somebody, like, seriously serious or something, creating something <laughs> that would just be hilarious. Now, if Mike on, I don't think he's in Nevada anymore, but if, if, if he comes back to Nevada, I, I have a feeling he won't be voting for Adam Luxalt. I don't think that's uh, one of his favorite people. So, um, Shelton Adelson put in, uh, he probably didn't do it personally, but uh, one of his casinos, the Venetian, put in a horrible triple zero roulette game. I think it was in 2017, either 16 or 17. And everyone who cares about this sort of thing was saying, oh no, this is awful, this is really just starting a new trend of or continuing the trend of just making casino games complete crap where the odds are so bad and only the really really uninformed gamblers are going to want to play and that's kind of the way vegas is going vegas is going toward making money more from the convention traveler and the recreational traveler but the recreational traveler, not really the gaming recreational traveler, but more of just a recreational traveler who wants to see shows and go to restaurants and stuff like that. So they're making money on entertainment, on hotel rooms, on conventions, but they're not making as much money as they used to, nor are they trying to make as much money as they used to on gambling. The, sh- the focus has been shifting. And part of that seems to be that... They don't even want to deal with the small edge against knowledgeable gamblers, which used to be really the casino's bread and butter, was to offer games that had a small edge, and the gamblers knew it, but there's still an edge, so they'd uh, eventually win. They'd grind down the gambler and beat them. That was the old model. And then they also made a lot of money on slots where the edge was a lot higher. But on non-slot games, they kept the house edge relatively low, but still enough to where they could still do quite well. They never even thought of running horrible games like 6 to 5 blackjack or something like triple zero craps. That just seemed absurd to run that type of game because it would never work. So same with video poker that they they wouldn't have horrible pay table video poker back in the old days because uh and I, old days meaning like 80s, 90s, even early 2000s most of the people coming to Vegas were, were coming there to gamble. Now, I know from like 93 through kind of the mid-2000s, there was a, a lot of, they were trying to get families to come there too. But part of that was because the, they expected the families also to gamble while they were there. But they, they've they been pushing away not just the advantage player. They've been pushing away the advantage player the whole time, but they've been also pushing away the non-advantage player who's just knowledgeable enough to play good games with a small house edge. And casinos have started to realize that the type of gambler that they really want there is the one who just understands how to play, doesn't know what odds are, doesn't understand what makes odds better or worse, uh, 
and just believes that success or failure in Vegas has to do with getting lucky, not playing good games. So they want the person who's going to play there because they think it's a lucky casino, not because the games are better. And anyone who's not the type of player, they're softly pushing them out. They're not banning them, but they're making it at least less appealing. So the Venetian tried this, I think it was last year, by putting in a triple zero roulette game. And for those of you that don't know exactly how roulette works, I'm sure everybody knows what a roulette wheel looks like. But the way roulette works is there are 36 regular numbers, 1 through 36 on all roulette wheels. And then there are zeros on the wheel as well, in addition to the 1 through 36. These zeros are in green. The 1 through 36 alternate red and black. So half are red. There's 18 red numbers, 18 black numbers. And then the zeros are all green. Now, the zeros are what cause the house edge. Because they're... What they do is they they you can bet on a number of things of where the ball lands on roulette, but you're betting based upon as if the zeros weren't there. If the zeros weren't there, it'd be an even money game. So like red and black, they pay even money. So if it really was half red, half black, and they're paying even money, then that's exactly a zero expectation game. Meaning in the long run, you're going to break completely even. But because there's those zeros, if it lands on one of the zeros, then both the red and black bets lose. And that's where the house edge is. And same with other bets that aren't about red and black. You know, you can bet uh, 1 through 18 versus 19 through 36. You could bet uh, on a a single number if you want. Like a a single number, you'll get 36 times your money. But, uh, of course, if the zero hits or the double zero hits, then you lose. So that's an additional number that's on there that, that doesn't pay you that way. So that's how the house edge works. And obviously, the more zeros on the wheel, the worse the house edge is for the gambler. Now, the problem here is that uh, when there's two zeros, the odds are twice as bad for the player than if there's one zero. It's very simple to calculate the odds for roulette. And that is uh, you you take the total number of slots on the roulette wheel. Like if it's a single zero, it's 1 through 36 and a zero, so that's 37 slots. You do 1 divided by 37, and that's the house edge, 2.70%. Um, you and then for two zeros, it's uh, it's double that, five point four percent. Three zeros, it's it's eight point one percent. So uh, that that's how that's how you calculate the odds, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, triple zero you're going to lose money three times as fast on average as a single zero and 50% more as a double zero. So double zero was introduced a long time ago 
Originally, roulette was just single zero, and it seemed like you know two point seven was uh, was good enough. Two point seven percent house edge. You think that's good enough? That's far better than blackjack for the house. So. You would think that uh, that was enough, but they said, no, let's have a double zero. So double zero made it go up to, uh, yeah, double of that. And uh, and then a triple zero makes a triple, triple. So they stopped at double zero. They didn't introduce a triple zero. But Sheldon Adelson decided to try this last year. Again, not him personally, but someone who runs the casino. And they tried an experimental triple zero game, three different zero slots, where one out of every 13 slots was a zero. Instead of, I think originally it was one out of 37, now it's one out of 13. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. By the way, I, I said something wrong with the calculation. I was, I was, uh, you, you don't, it's not exactly multiplying by two or by three because of the, um, you just take the number of, uh, like, like you take the number of zeros on the wheel versus the number of slots. So one zero is one out of thirty-seven, so that's two point seven. Uh, for uh, it's two out of thirty-eight. For uh, two, double zero is five point twenty-six percent, and then for uh, triple zero would be one out of thirteen. Here, three out of thirty-nine, same thing. Uh, seven point six nine percent, whatever. So, it's, it's, so seven six seven point six nine percent is the house edge versus two point seven, almost triple. Even if you want to take the double zero, which is pretty common these days, it's still 7.69% versus 5.26%. Still almost 50% more. The amazing thing is that uh, people still played. Yes, some people could tell. Some people would see the triple zero and go, hold on. Now there's three different spots which could beat me? Screw that. But there were enough who just kept playing, didn't really know what they were doing, and the additional wins they would get from it was worth the number of people they lost who wouldn't play it. And by the way, they didn't change them all to triple zero, they just changed some of them. I I think they only had one there as an experiment. Until now, to my knowledge, that didn't catch on anywhere. But Nolan Dalla was at Planet Hollywood, a Caesars property, and found a triple-zero game at Planet Hollywood. So now Caesars properties have decided to get into the mix. And you can bet that now that Caesars properties are doing it, or at least one Caesars property is, it's going to be spreading everywhere like wildfire. Because it's one thing for the Venetian to give it a shot, but for Caesars properties to be trying this, if they deem it successful, they're going to roll this out elsewhere. And once this appears at most Caesars properties or all Caesars properties, then MGM's going to do it at their properties. It's going to, it's wind's going to do it. It's going to be all over. It's going to become the new standard. Just like the parking, charging for parking became the new standard. Just like single deck blackjack starting at six to, you know, they made that six to five. Then they started, then that got everywhere. Then they started to make other games six to five blackjack. They weren't even single deck. And now 6-5 Blackjack is everywhere. And it's hard to find a 3-2 game unless you play higher limits. So these things really spread like a virus. So what's happening? Now that it's at Planet Hollywood, it's happening. The only way it won't happen 
is if the Planet Hollywood game is a fail and they decide not to keep doing it. And I don't know. It could be at other places, too. Now, do you think this is a good opportunity drop for this whole middle of Vegas area that they're, you know, kind of beyond the win? I mean, they, you know, there's a lot of things I think on the strip is doing wrong. They want to move people down. If you have the win, the new place he's building, the SLS is there. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point. If I guess I could see that if they wanted to get an edge in gambling or maybe get people over there to offer better games and really advertise that they're offering better games. Yeah, and, and don't charge for parking. I mean, yeah. those two things alone could, like, right. you know, I think would get people in the win name. Well, whatever, you know, I don't know. I, I think that is, but. Right, I think the smart way to do it, if you really wanted to market that, uh, I, I think, yeah, don't don't charge for parking and market that. And also, with things like this, if everybody starts running a triple zero game and you're not, say, the odds to win on our roulette, 50% more than the other casinos. Or 40, not 40, whatever percent it is, close to 50. You know, advertise that. You can truthfully say it, that you can't be sued. You're truth, you're telling the truth. You have a 40, whatever percent, 48% chance better to, yeah, uh, 48% better odds on roulette here than, than uh, at the following casinos. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way downtown did. I mean, you know, back in the day, it was like poker at the Mirage with Bellagio, you know, the Bellagio, then come downtown for, Hundred times odds on craps. Yeah, but people don't even understand and, that well now. Like that's that's the thing. Like the, because the the gambler is a lot more casual than it used to be. You say a hundred times odds, and most people are going to say, "What's that?" So even people who play craps casually won't even understand that. Like you have to be a uh, a knowledgeable craps player to understand what hundred times odds even is. So, but but yeah, like the, yeah, the same still, model. I just think that like I just think it's like all these little things combined they can create a great story. Yeah, but I, I think more than just saying oh, our games are good because they're not going to understand that the average gambler is not going to the, the average very casual Vegas gambler is not going to understand what they mean by better odds, better games. They have to like just lay it out there: forty-eight percent better chance to win at our roulette game. Something like that. Just put out the hard no, numbers. No, something there. like that. We don't charge for parking. Right. Look what they're doing to you on the strip. This is yes. the new Vegas. Come here. Yes. And right. if you want to go downtown, too, there's some great stuff. You're right there. I think some casinos have been hesitant to do that because they're afraid they're going to create like a almost like a gaming bidding war where if they start naming numbers like that, then the other casinos will feel pressured to improve their games better than theirs, and then they have to start uh, – like making the house edge so low they all kill each other. So I think they're kind of afraid to criticize the no, odds of yeah. others. But, no, I agree with that. But, I mean, this is like a new town. It's really, it's a new town they're trying to put in, don't you think? Yeah, well, I, I think it might work because some of these casinos have somewhat given up on gaming as their real revenue source. So if, if some of these companies have kind of written off gaming anyway, uh, especially for the casual gambler, uh, maybe they should create this war because maybe the, maybe the war won't come to take place. Like maybe they should just come out and say, "Here's our games. Here's the here's here much here's how much a percent our odds are better at all these games." And then maybe that'll affect people. People go, "Wow, you know, I always need to lose at Caesars. Wow, I, I can go down to this new hotel and it's a forty eight percent chance yeah. better to and win." No resort think. fees and no resort fees. And Those, yeah, they, right. I mean, are you kidding me? They could they would they could just I think they could. Make a big, 
yeah, take a piece of the action. For Caesar's sure. Caesar's tried no resort fees when MGM rolled it out, and then they took it away because they they were tired of getting clobbered on those online listing sites. But that that nowadays, because there's such a backlash about resort fees, that may actually be worth it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think they can put it. Yeah, I mean, they can put in their ads. Yeah, I guess they can't say it's a resort fee; they'd have to pay a piece of the government. But yeah, what what they would have to do is. Uh, I mean, they would have to just by saying no resort fees. They would just have to lower their prices, their base prices, still enough to where they show up well enough in the search engines. Yeah, uh, and uh, mention uh, that all the other people you're getting charged an extra twenty eight bucks or something. Yeah, but but yeah, re- yeah, really put forth a campaign about no resort fees, no parking fees. The gaming is this much better in these different games, and yeah, that that could be a way to drive people over to an area they wouldn't normally go to. Because I think some people are getting fed up with these things. So that, there may be a market there. So that's... If you really do want to make the money on gaming, then that's that's one way to do it. The problem is, I, I sometimes think these casinos kind of get caught in their old ways. They just they get into bad habits, and they don't want to change. They, they I noticed this with the online casinos, that like with their rewards programs. So Poker Stars, they invented the first real rewards program. And everyone pretty much copied it. Fine. Okay, so Poker Stars, they had they had a good model there and everyone copied it. Poker Stars has since changed it. But, you know, with the Bronze Star and the, and the Silver Star and the, and the, and the uh, Supernova, all that. So, like when the legalized online sites rolled out, they pretty much just completely ripped off Poker Stars' model. The problem was that wasn't going to work on those type of sites because a lot of people who played there were visitors and it was very tilting for people to earn a status, go back home, come back and try to play again. They have to start over again because it's been more than a month and they were set back to zero. That works on a site like Poker Stars where people can play anytime they feel like, but not when you actually can't play because you're not physically in the state. So no one bothered to think of that. They just said, oh, this is the way the reward program works on Poker Stars. We'll do it here. Well, it's, it's a totally different situation. And they should have done a rewards program which rewards the behavior they really want to see from their players, such as starting games or maintaining games or, or playing shorthanded, things like that. That's what they should be rewarding. But they weren't. They just took the Poker Stars model and assumed it would work. And it's still like that to this day. So I think with these casinos, I think some of them are just to set in their ways to to try something like this to try to get people back to try to get people over there who might be frustrated about the changes in Vegas that many are perceiving as negative yeah i mean if win was still in i mean he was you know he's been the leader in all these areas i'd probably be more optimistic but you know i'm sure he has some proteges that might get how to leverage all that yeah, the win he take he, risks. He's, he's had a know. different he's had a different idea. When what he's been more doing has been uh, where everything runs well. Everything there, there's not really much fail there. Um, everyone feels like they're treated well. Like it, it's it's more of like they're trying to create like a classy operation there rather than a value operation. So that's this would be more about someone trying to not necessarily even bring in the low end clients, but just bring in people who want value, high and low limits. Ones who understand that the value has gone to crap in gaming 
and and especially if you just want to come over there and you know the parking costs money and there's these resort fees it's, it's you'd, here you'd be trying to capture the value customer and also just the customer who's fed up with feeling like he's getting ripped off so that's a little different than the person who just wants to go in there and feel like everything's run with class and it's a great operation and uh it's like even the wind charges for parking so i i don't see them being the type who would do that but uh, yeah but who knows what they're going to build on the new spot yeah let's go uh salty Oss is in the chat he's he, this is what he's talking about uh about mount gox he said the Mt. Gox bitcoins are not entirely at the liquidator's discretion. Once the amount owed to creditors is achieved, the trustee cannot sell the rest. They will go to stakeholders of Mt. Gox, which Carpellas owns 95%. Wow. Uh, due to the Japanese loss stating that the Bitcoin value must be converted to yen, the trustee can only sell about a quarter of the coin. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Carpellas will be a billionaire very soon. No shit. Or damn close to a billionaire. So wrong. I mean, it's so wrong he'll be loaded. So... <laughs> Uh, wow, that's that's pretty bad. I also have suspected maybe Carpellis uh, had stolen some of these missing Bitcoin too. In which case, provided he can sell them somehow, he's he's already really really loaded. There's always been some question about whether this transaction malleability, which which that was a fancy term for fake Bitcoin sales, it was a way that uh, someone could fake sending a Bitcoin and then basically yank it right back. So they claim that that was a way they were defrauded and all these coins were stolen from there. And that was a real thing, but it's possible they saw that and so this is a perfect excuse for us to steal our own Bitcoin and blame it on that. So there's a lot of questions about that whole thing. Uh, I know it. I'm not going to say how I know this. But I know at some point, uh, Mark Carpellis was reading the Bitcoin thread on Poker Fraud Alert. I'm not saying he reads it constantly. I'm saying that I know at some point he did read it. Because I, I, re- I received a communication from someone who knew him. And... Uh, there's reasons I can't post it. It's not that exciting, so I'm not really holding anything that exciting back. Just the, the point is that he he read the thread at some point. I'm not saying the whole thread; it's a huge thread. But he 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 had seen presumably the discussion of him on uh, on Poker Fraud Alert. I know that. So yeah, it's amazing that he still owes owns 95. percent That that's insane. You know, I I can't believe that they're allowing this. I would think that uh, given that Mt. Gox lost or stole Bitcoin and not what the Bitcoin was worth, that if they have remaining Bitcoin, then they should just distribute those to to whoever owns them. Or if they have to liquidate them, liquidate them all and distribute those proportionately to those who got screwed. I can't see why the remaining would stay and go to the stakeholders of Mount Gox, especially since Carpellas is ninety five percent of them. What a what a miscarriage of justice that is. All right. This is a weird story. It's one of these things that I hope is what they're claiming it's going to be, but I'm 
a little skeptical. It's it sounds it's like something that'll be cool if it is what they claim it's going to be. Everybody's had their visions of the future, of what they pictured one day the world would look like. And usually you tend to picture the future when you're going to still be around to see it. Most people don't think very much about what the world will be like in the year 2500. First of all, that's so far away. And... Yeah, the, the world, it, it, it's changing quickly because of the Industrial Revolution. That's really when there was the rapid change in how things were in the world. For a while, it was quite slow. You know, someone living in the year 700 versus the year 1000 didn't have a very different life. But you look at life today versus uh, 1918, and it's very, very different. So... Picturing you're like 2,500, it's hard to even conceive that. But most people don't even try to conceive it because none of us will be around then or anywhere close to that. In fact, nobody listening to this show is likely to be around in the year 2,100. Maybe the youngest listeners have a shot at it. The rest of us, no. I would be 128 years old. Which not only would be the oldest person ever, but the oldest man has never made it to 117. There's never been a man who's been 117. So, needless to say, I don't think I'll be seeing 2100. Nor nor will any of you. None of you are going to see 2100 either. So... We we start to picture what it's going to be like maybe in the mid-2000s, the late 2000s, things we have a chance of reaching, even if we're quite old. And maybe even picture life for our kids. So, like, for example, Benjamin, he has a good shot of seeing 2100. He'll be uh, in his late 80s. And medicine will be better then. So, yeah, him being in his late 80s, that's not... Hard to picture. So you get you also get to think for your kids. Okay, you know what will life be like for my kids when they're old? What what will the world be like then? But you're you're not going to think of hundreds of years from now very much. So um, especially when we were younger, you know, we'd think about what's the world going to be like in such and such year. And I think from watching too many sci-fi TV shows, people were always picturing flying cars, which really haven't come to be, and if you think about it, really aren't very practical. They're kind of dangerous, but uh, some things actually kind of came true, like uh, I saw early depictions of things that looked like smartphones, not even depictions done by people who were really technologically minded, but just kind of people who envision like one day people are going to carry around uh, some little thing that's like the size of a mirror, like a handheld mirror that they will have a, a you know, person's picture on it. You can talk. I've, I've seen some depictions from the 1950s and 60s and even earlier than that of things that look you know, surprisingly like a smartphone. So some things were actually correct or close to correct. Some things weren't at all. Some things that were predicted would already be here by this time were not even close to being here. But one thing that people have been picturing a lot is some form of 
virtual reality or holograms that allow you to live in a fantasy world, in a real fantasy world where it feels like you're really somewhere else doing something else when in reality you're either at home or or in some business that specializes in that 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 sets this up but you don't have to go very far to be part of these adventures ones that may otherwise be very difficult to do or to get to and that has never seemed too far away and there have been advancements in fact, everyone was very excited when they started hearing about virtual reality in the early 90s. But then when people actually tried virtual reality in the early 90s, they saw how terrible it was. <laughs> it, was it didn't feel real at all, and uh, no one liked it. And it kind of stalled for a while, but finally technology is catching up to the vision. And holograms are getting better and better. I know at Coachella one year, a few years ago, they had a uh, holographic Tupac performing. And people like that. I think it looked pretty good. I, I didn't see it, but that's what people were saying. So people are kind of wondering, how long until we can really enter these fantasy worlds? How long until we can go somewhere and be somewhere completely different, have everything look realistic? How long till we can enter these fantasy worlds? Well, the answer to that may be next year. And it involves Las Vegas. So Perry Farrell, who was the front man to Jane's Addiction and also the creator of Lollapalooza, is creating something called Kind Heaven. And it is slated to open at the Link Promenade, which is that area that's uh, next to the Link. It's owned by Caesars. It's where that uh, high roller Ferris wheel is. It's that you know new kind of shopping entertainment area that Caesars opened. So it's coming to the Link Promenade in August 2019. It will cost $100 million to build. And... The articles I've seen about it, they don't go into all that much detail of exactly what kind heaven will be. But I have some information. I'm a little bit confused still about what a visitor would encounter there and what it will exactly be like. I can't exactly picture it, but here's what I can gather from it. It's going to be a very technologically advanced, Southeast Asian-themed holographic and virtual reality experience that's kind of mixed with live action, including live musical performances and stuff like that, where you're supposed to feel like you're really on the streets in the back alleys of various Southeast Asia countries. Food loss will be a big part of this. They're going to have a lot of uh, Southeast Asian-themed food. That's probably where some of the profit will come in, that you buy food while you're there. Uh, It'll be split into two segments It'll be open at first from, first from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Then it'll close down for three hours. And then it'll reopen at 8 p.m. until 3 a.m. for uh, That'll be considered the adult version. So the family-friendly versions during the day. The adult versions after 8 o'clock at night. The preliminary admission prices announced will be $30 during the day and 65 at night. They have not announced what the adult version would actually be. 
How is the adult version going to be different than the family-friendly version? Now, immediately when you hear adult, especially when it comes to Las Vegas, you think of something sexual. So, you know, are you going to see or have the opportunity to see naked girls there? Um, it's hard to imagine, like, you'd be able to see, like, sex acts there. I have to think that if it's going to be at the Link Promenade, it's not going to be too dirty. But, you know, maybe, maybe it won't be quite that far. Maybe it'll just be girls who are scantily clad, or uh, maybe there'll be some semi-violent things you could see there that they wouldn't want kids seeing. Who knows? They they haven't announced what a, adult means, but it's going to be more than double the price, and it'll be at night. Now, I'm a little confused how they can do such a thing for a mass audience. Like, I'm even having a hard time picturing it. So, Let's say very few people could go in there at once, which I, I doubt is going to be the situation. Otherwise, at $30 and $65, how much money can they make? Why, you know, why would they put $100 million into this when they can only make a little bit at a time? It would take forever to make the money back. So th- this must be able to hold a large number of people that they haven't said what capacity it will have. But how many people can really be there at once? Uh, how could this really be the realistic and immersive experience that they're claiming it will be, where you're going to really feel like you're on the streets of Southeast Asia, really in the back alleys there, that you know, you're going to feel like you're really just there. How can you feel that if you're just surrounded by wall-to-wall tourists? Won't that ruin the, the whole image of it? And I can tell you, the slightest thing can ruin the image in your head that you're really there. Let me give you an example. Trader Risky, have you ever been to the Disneyland California Adventure? I have not. Okay, then you wouldn't be able to relate to what I'm talking about, but I'll describe it to you and everybody else. They have a ride there, which I, I heard that they've kind of ruined, but it was there for many years. It was called Soarin' Over California. And it, it was a very well-done ride where it's an indoor ride, and you go in, and they, they darken the place. And there's a gigantic screen in front of you, which shows various landscapes of California. They, they recorded this in 2002, the landscapes. And you're basically flying over the landscapes. And, and it's, it's, there's a little bit of motion in it, but you're not moving like very much. It just kind of feels like you are. And then they blow wind in your hair so you feel like you're flying. And they, they, they do the effect really, really well Be- between the size of the screen, the clarity of the screen. They, they took a very high-res video. And uh, the sound and the, uh, the motion, they, they did it so well, you really feel like you're flying over landscapes of California. It's relaxing. It was beautiful. It was interesting. Even had some little effects like a someone you fly over a golf course and someone hits a golf ball and it flies like right over your head and it totally feels like it does. You hear it like whizzing over your head. It almost feels scary, like it's gonna hit you. Uh, it's not a scary ride though. Like kids could go on and it was fine, but uh, you sometimes have to remind yourself that you're not way up in the air. And the first time I rode it, I loved it. Except there's one thing I didn't love that was ruining it for me. There are two rows that you could choose to sit in. Usually they just assign you to one randomly. Well, I got assigned to the lower row, which normally would have been fine, except the upper row is not high enough, so if you look up towards the upper part of the screen, you see feet dangling above your head, like shadows of feet dangling above your head. 
not like they're going to hit you, but you can see them. Well, they killed the whole thing. I wanted the full immersive experience where I see nothing but that giant screen where I really feel like I'm flying over California. And with feet dangling over my head, that just reminds me I'm in a ride. I'm in a ride. I mean, that's just, I, I couldn't get over it. So right when I was done, I said to my girlfriend, let's do this again. And we, we got back in line, which wasn't very long, and we asked for the upper row. And we did, and it was so much better because there were no feet dangling over our heads. And every time I went on that again, I always asked for the upper row. And I always was advising people to do the upper row. I think they've since replaced it with what's called soaring over the world, which they didn't do as good of a job with, I've heard. And it's nowhere near as good. So that kind of sucks. But I went on it a number of times in my various visits to Disneyland over the years, the California Adventure. I I, I bought a double ticket just to be able to go on that ride. That's how much I loved it. And the reason it worked was because it was an immersive experience and it was done very well and there was nothing reminding me that I was on a ride. And even if they do the technology really well, even if the holograms look great and you, they put on some, you, you can put on some virtual reality goggles or whatever, I don't even know how it's going to work logistically. But even if that's all working great, if there's tons of people around you and you can see them or bump into them, I think it's going to kill it. Maybe they've come up with a solution for that, but uh, that's what I would think is the biggest challenge. There's also some weird things being described that are going to be there. For example, you probably never guess this one is, is something that uh, you'd expect at a place like this. They're expecting to have monkey wrestling. Yes, monkey wrestling Not real monkeys, but fake monkeys Virtual reality or holographic monkeys That will be wrestling one another And that you can even bet on which monkey is going to win They haven't made it clear if you're going to be betting real money or, or, Or betting some kind of fake money And they haven't even clarified whether gambling is going to be a part of this or not. But there is going to be some kind of monkey wrestling that you can bet on in some way. Even if not with real money. Wouldn't it be weird if Advantage players figured out how to beat virtual reality monkey wrestling? And like security guards would come in and take the Advantage player out and say, We know you know how to beat the monkeys. You're not welcome here. I'm guessing it's going to be like just totally random which monkey wins, in which case there's no way to beat it. But I also don't know exactly how they're going to combine the live aspect with the holographic or virtual reality aspect. They claim claim there'll be live music and live performances, and I guess it's possible. I mean, if you think about it, they even have this. Going back to the Disneyland example, in Disneyland, in the Haunted Mansion If you've ever taken that ride There's a mixture of uh, There's really no live performers But there's a mixture of kind of like Robotic uh, Ghosts and goblins there And Effects So sometimes you're These are 
primitive effects, maybe many of them. Many of them were done in the 70s, but some are, are special effects that if you were to actually walk down there and touch it, it would just be a projection. And then there's others which are actually built to be uh, mannequins or robots or whatever. So it's a mixture of that. So I guess live action could be combined with the digital effects there, if done well. But the whole point is you're really supposed to feel like you're in various Southeast Asian countries. And through that whole type of experience with, with holograms and virtual reality and, and, and you know doing things like monkey wrestling that normally uh, wouldn't be possible. And if you think of the name here, Kind Heaven, they really are going for something that's very, very peaceful. You think of Kind Heaven, like a, a place you want to be where everybody's kind. A place you can just relax. That's, that's what that name evokes in your mind. So if this really is what they're claiming it will be, I, I could see myself really enjoying it. I could see a lot of people really enjoying it. It sounds cool. Especially if they can really achieve in people's minds the belief that they're really in Southeast Asia. I am worried that people will kind of be herded through there and it'll feel more like you're in a, on a Disneyland ride or attraction. And not like, not even like soaring over California, where you're immersed for a few minutes in a a ride where it's so dark you can actually believe you're really where where they're putting you. Here, uh, yeah, I, I think it wouldn't be convincing. So, we will see. Sometimes these things can amaze you. Sometimes they can be big fails. I could even see this whole thing falling through. I don't know. You know, they've announced it's going to happen, but you know, there could be various things that have fallen through. I don't think they've started building it yet. And in fact, I'm surprised that something of this complexity could be completed by August 2019. We're only talking 17 months away. There's been some artist renderings of what it's going to look like or what parts will look like. So there's a there's a Las Vegas Review Journal article about this that you can Google. Just Google "kind heaven," you'll see the Las Vegas Review Journal, and what they're showing in this picture, the first picture I'm looking. I think there's five pictures I can click on. I've only looked at this first one, but the first one you sh- it's, you see what looks like I think it's supposed to be a real woman, presumably a tourist standing behind a rope and looking down over the rope to what is a looks like a, a Southeast, Southeast Asian village with uh, torches and just natives there and the, the, the tree bamboo trees and things like that it just looks like you know we eat pictures like a Typical Southeast Asian village. She's looking like there's a rope there, and she's looking over it down into it. Which, I mean, if that's all it is, that's not very interesting. 
then they have a drawing of the what they call the street vendor food. But again, this is something that, that, that's not too different than like what you find in New York, New York, where you're supposed to be walking through and you know, almost like you're walking the streets of New York and going to the different like a New York deli within the New York, New York casino. I mean, that's it's just kind of a recreation of a, a street in Southeast Asia. That's not very exciting. There, then they're showing the dispensary at Kind Heaven, which you would think has to do with marijuana, but I don't think it does. This is an entertainment and restaurant attraction. I don't know what that is. It kind of looks like a social thing. People are just like standing and talking to each other. I don't understand what that's supposed to be. Um, and that's pretty much it. The other two are just pictures of... Uh, Perry Farrell announcing it. So I don't know. Even the pictures, I'm not that impressed, sadly. (laughs) I don't know. I I think they may be talking it up too much. Maybe I've just been waiting too much for the future to come. I, I really like the idea just of anything where you can feel like you're uh, you're somewhere else you can you can be in some sort of environment either holographic virtual reality or even even like what they did at uh, California Adventure with that uh, flying over California the soaring over California ride just something where you can live out a little fantasy like that and and it feels realistic it, it could be very exciting to do that especially when you can do things you normally can't like that ride I was talking about normally I can't just fly over California landscapes. So that's when it's done well. But but when it's kind of just contrived and you know you're in a casino or you know you're in a, in a ride or an attraction and they're just trying to recreate something, it, it's not very interesting. I'm afraid it's going to be more like the latter. Speaking of uh, Southeast Asians, this is a, a North Canadian Asian. Team MLK, hello. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Glad to be on air. Shout out to um, Marty, Tide, Judonk, legend of PFA. Druff, I don't know why you're trolling him. I mean, what's going on here? No, I'm not trolling him. He's come back to the forum. Uh, He's supposedly getting on a ship for four months, so he'll be gone soon enough. And uh, he, he immediately came out swinging. His very first post was trolling me. The only reason I keep him around, and I'll be honest, I'm not just saying this to posture. The only reason I let this go on, the only reason I let him just pop up there and start trolling me and, and do so relentlessly is that uh, it's entertaining to fight back with him, but only in limited doses. Like, I don't want the forum just degrading into that all day and all night. Uh, for a few days, it can be funny. Uh, I also allow it because at least he is a real person whose information and identity is known, as are many of his personal stories. So... When anonymous trolls attack me, it's much more irritating because they purposely let nothing out about themselves, so it's very hard to respond to them. It's very hard to criticize them back when you know nothing about them, and yet you've put out so much about yourself, so that's it's very unfair. So Well, I mean, I've been reading the form a bit, 
And I've noticed, like, Marty will post something and you're in there chirping right away at him. Like, well, I know, but he does that to me. He started with me, though. That's it. Yes. Once he well, comes I know, up, but an eye for an eye drop. Like, I mean, like, you guys can banter it with each other on your public rant form, but when he's posting off topic from that form, you're, you're going deliberately out of your way to make sure no. that he's. Let, let me tell in, you what uh, happened. Let me tell you what yeah. happened here. Okay. Well, I know he, what happened. He, he right po- no, they go back. He popped up out of nowhere. And, yeah, and bashed me on a thread that had nothing to do with him. And this is what he does. He, he just will bash me or anyone else he's bashing. I'm not the only one he bashes. Uh, anyone else he's bashing, he'll just see they've posted something and find a reason to bash them for it. So once he's doing that, then yes, I will sometimes do this to his threads too. Because once he's done it to me, sure, I'll do it to him. So that's, I mean, that's what happens. That's fair. If this is a non-censored site, Jeff. I mean, you've got to have some sort of limitations on, on who you troll. I mean, I know. I'm not. I don't. I, but I don't go troll people on the forum. That's the thing. I don't troll. Well, you are trolling. No, you're, you're deliberately it, trolling. If in somebody, my if somebody has been attacking me on my forum uh, relentlessly, and then I see them posting and I find that I can make an insulting comment to them after what they've been doing to me, yes, I'll do it. I'm not going to just be a, a punching bag there. I'm not just going to let people uh, uh, abuse me on my own forum and, and not uh, give them the same thing back. So, you know, I don't ever just go troll people out of nowhere. That's, I don't do that on my forum. You notice I don't just go attack people out of nowhere. Uh, the only times I will just post a, an aggressive, nasty comment to someone out of nowhere is when they've been recently doing the same thing to me. And... Uh, you know, it is like you said, an eye for an eye, and it's on my forum. It's the least I can do. You know what most people will do who run forums like this? They're just gonna they're just gonna ban anyone who criticizes them in the, in the slightest way. Sure, are, the whole the whole user, uh, usership would be banned. Like I would be banned. Um, <laughs> everybody would be banned. Like, I mean, you got to admit to yourself that you do bring it on yourself some of this attention. No, I, no, I bring attention to, because well, I, I, I know I bring attention because I bring content to the forum. I post content on the forum which I think people will find either interesting or or, well, or, or sometimes yeah. controversial. I'll bring things. Sometimes I will post something knowing I will get a negative response. But I, I always I, I don't post things I don't really believe. But I but I will post things that I know will sometimes bring up controversy or get discussions going. I will do that just to, to keep the forum active. Uh, otherwise, it can become a ghost town. But uh, but I don't troll people, and I, I wouldn't say I'm bringing. You're trolling though, right now. No, I'm not. So you know, Tim, you do have some fans. There are some people who have messaged me about you. That they, well, you say this every time I'm on air. Like some people don't like me, and somebody hates me. Well, that's and, you true. Know, well, it's true. You, you have no. You have both. You have you have those who've told me that they really love the Team LK segments. They're very amused by them. They they love when you come on here. Then there's others that tell me, "Why do you let that faggot on? You should hang up on him the second he calls in." Why do you even answer his calls? Like I, I have both. It's amazing how polarizing you are. Well, I understand, but I mean, at least I call in. Where where are these chirpers in the background? They don't even call in. I mean, I posted earlier about like tied to call in. I'll, I'll moderate the call, <laughs> and um, and I'm just getting relentless hate on the site. I don't understand. Well, the problem with him calling in is that he usually only calls when he's drunk, and then he's impossible to deal with because all he does is shout over you, and he doesn't answer any questions. He doesn't answer the points that are raised. He just he just screams at you incoherently, and it's not good radio. I mean, I don't even know half these posters who are responding to me. I mean, they're, they've been here for like one month on PFA and Donk Down and whatever sites that you've been associated with. And they're just, they're just constantly coming after me. 
and I'm calling in. I, I've never heard them call in. Well, there's a few reasons. There's a few reasons for this. First of all, there is a a different radio crowd than the forum crowd. There's some crossover, but there's there's some who only listen to the radio, some who only read the forum. Also, there are some people, especially on the forum, who are kind of afraid to have a live confrontation on the radio. They... They want to have all the time to think of something clever to say, and they don't want to be on the spot where they have to keep talking back and forth because they are afraid they're going to look stupid, so or, or they're going to fail to live up to the witty persona they've created on the forum that they've very carefully cultivated because they have a lot of time to think about what they write each time. So a lot of people are afraid. A lot of the trolls on the forum are afraid to call in to the radio show. And I've said before to some of the biggest trolls, I've never heard from them once on the radio, and some That's of them even some of them even listen. So I say, I know you listen because you've quoted things I've said. Uh, call in, call in at any time. Like I'll even schedule a time for you to call, and they never call. So uh, some of them I really think are afraid of looking stupid or coming off differently on the show than they do on the forum. And it's, so there's a lot of different things that come into this, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, I should get uh, a call in like uh, time. You, you know? are you, like, you got you got one right now. You're you're here. No, but I mean, I should be scheduled a call in time. Like I, if I want to call in on Radio Day, I'm going to say Druff, listen. No, TMMLK is calling in at this time. I don't care what you're talking about. I want to be snapped on clean on this site for now on. Okay, here, here's a few problems. None of this, you know, none of this 45 times calling in, you know, like. Okay, here's a few problems. At least, like, if the crowd, and you know what? And you've snubbed me, like, multiple radio shows lately. I think I just answered your I'm call the first time this time. I, the, um, whatever you call it, the uh, description of the show. Like, I get completely snubbed out of that, and, and I'm good for ratings. I mean, I know the site's at a loss right now, but if you put pop my name out there, I think you might get some revenue. Okay. First of all, that's not going to happen with revenue, but... As far as scheduling a time, I meant if there's someone who's very, very hard to get on the show or they don't want to call in or they have excuses that uh, they're afraid I won't answer, I, there I'll, I'll make a special allowance on a one-time basis to get them on. A, a regular caller, I don't have to bend over backward to get them on. It's, it's too much trouble. Uh, furthermore, I don't want you on during all segments because I'm afraid you'll ruin some of them. I, I don't want you to say... This segment sucks. Let's just snap this off clean. What the fuck? Everybody's sick of this already. It's a boy. I, I don't I want that. I do that, though, at times, because you, I had to call in to say the show. A few weeks ago, you, you accused me of being like a barking dog. I Like, I had to snap you off. Like, when you get going, I haven't listened to all radio tonight, but when you get going on a topic, Jeff, you're on it for a good hour and a half, and it's like you're constantly... Like repeating yourself in regards to everything, and you got to get snapped off. That's why I, I think that TMMLK should become a moderator. A moderator of what? And of the radio show, no. like the Garrett and, or whatever his name is that 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 young guy you had on NWP that was uh, moderating what? the show. You know, there, like no, there was never, no, there was never any person moderating the radio show. Yeah, well, well, there was a producer. No, or no, the, no. The producer was helping. No, up. no, no. The producer was helping set things up. He wasn't actually controlling the show. And well, I mean, that's why I would suggest that I TMMK takes over that. No, because, no, no, no. Um, no, if you want, to, if you want to help set things up, that's great. But uh, I, I was actually thinking that it's funny because I was thinking that today when I was uh, putting topics together and researching what should be on the show, I said, you know, what would be great is if I had a producer that just like found all these things for me, brought them to me, said, "Hey, read this story. We're going to talk about this tonight," 
And then, of course, I'd have a final say whether it comes on or not. But but they they do all that work for me, bring it to me, and then I, the prep time for the show would be much less. I, the, the problem is here, I don't have that, so I have to sit here for hours going through all this stuff. Because think about it, you guys hear me talking about these topics every week. How do you think I come to these topics? I, they don't just all pop in my head. Some of them I remember just from you know they're topics that are being discussed during the week on on social media or wh- wherever I'm reading. Uh, sometimes they're topics that I have a personal interest in, but many of the topics are ones that I actually have to go through all the different poker and gambling news and read a ton of articles and then come up with what I think are the most worth discussing on the show. And it, it takes time to do all this. And, and uh, I said, it would be great if I had a producer to just do all this for me. And if the show actually had a budget, then I could actually hire a producer who would do all this and and then... You know, they would be paid, that would be their job, and then they'd bring it to me, and then I would have a lot less prep time for the show. But I do all this myself, and I thought, yeah, wow, this is, uh, this actually is time consuming. So now, if you I want mean, to be that producer, on. how long does it take to put the agenda together? You just type it up. You already know what you're going to talk no, about. No, I don't. That's the problem. You know, t- no, I mean, it, it's half the time you just repeat yourself from week to week. It's like, well, we're going to talk about UB that happened four and a half years ago. We didn't talk about then- UB tonight. Come on now. No, well, I don't know if you did or not. I mean, last week you did. Last week, some topics you just rehash. Last week there there was a reason we brought it up. This week we're not. I I try to stay away from the topics that people are sick of and don't want to hear about. I try to keep things fresh. I try to listen to. I try to listen to people if they, they like. For example, daily fantasy sports. People stopped wanting to hear about that. They thought it was getting boring, so I stopped bringing it up. Bitcoin, people said they didn't like hearing about it for the most part. I, I only discussed it a little bit. So that's those are topics that I, I don't cover very often now because the audience complained. I was getting little positive feedback on that and, and a lot of negative. So they, I don't cover those type of topics. But uh, Well, the audience is uh, hit and miss with me, and but Master Scaler, I mean, that man should be on air every single radio show. Well, but that he's hard, solid gold. He's hard to find sometimes. Well, I, you should be like hammering over and over to get him on or schedule him a time in where you say, Master, we want you on radio. Because Master's a big hit, in my opinion. That, that guy brings the hit. That guy's very knowledgeable. <laughs> and he br- he brings the juice. So can you imagine the Master and TMMLK getting at it? You, you bring in Tide and you, wow, that could be riveting radio. There you go. There's two topics right there you get. You schedule TMMLK in. Like I'm a producer now. You get old uh, Tide on the on the form calling in. You get old Master calling in. There's three topics right there. You know, I, I think I'm going to make. Uh, I already made one rule. I'm going to make two rules though for the future for of the show. Thing. It doesn't have to do with you either one. But the, the two rules are: number one, I can't allow drunks on the show. Every time I do, I regret it. And number two, and when I say drunks, if they're if it's a, a person who is a drunk but isn't drunk at that moment, it's fine. So I can't anyone who's drunk, I don't want on the show. And then the second rule is that if somebody is claiming they're having phone trouble or, or bad reception, I can't have them on either. As much as I want, like tonight, we battled with that with someone with bad reception. I really wanted to hear from him. I, I'm not blaming the guy, but uh, it's just not good radio when there's bad reception. So I think those. Well, are I agree the, with that part. Those are I don't agree two, with the drunken banter. I mean, no, this is terrible. A, this is degenerate form drunk. I mean, you you got to allow it. No, but it's, the thing is, most drunks, they're, they're not, unlike the drunks you see on TV, who can be funny and interesting and entertaining, 
in reality, most drunks are not entertaining. They're annoying. They say the same thing over and over. They don't. Uh, they scream. They they don't listen. It's it's not it's not really funny or amusing to listen to. It's just bothersome. So, I I don't. Every time every time I've tried to put drunks on here, funny or is the same thing no, though, no, no, right? No. Every time I try to put drunks on here, I, I try to tolerate it, but then. It's just so impossible. Like they can't even understand what I'm saying to them, and they can't understand the points I'm making, and they can't reason out anything. And I go, "Oh my gosh, this is horrible." So, how do you think I feel when I call in to save the show? When you're on the same topic, literally for an hour and a half plus on the same topic, sometimes they need going that. on and on. Some- no, it doesn't. Now I have to the 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 chat is lighting me up to call in, and I have to call in thirty plus times in a row just to snap you off. I mean, you got. I mean, I'd rather hear a drunk over that. In my opinion. Well, you know that some topics have, some topics have to take that long because they're really some topics no, are very extensive I'm topics. Producer. Some topics need to be extensive topics. Now, if you would like to bring in. Topics for me to discuss or things like that. I already gave you suggestions. No, they're, they're, most of them are crappy. If the you ma- like to- no, you always snap the master off. The master never gets over 10 minutes airtime. He's always snapped. No, I know. I let the master bring up everything he wants to bring up, but uh, a lot of times he calls in by accident. He's just calling me. He doesn't realize the show's on, and then I put him on, and he's not really ready to say much. But the master, you, know, a lot, you just have to make sure he's got something new to bring. And not just uh, he, the guy's loaded with stories. He's been on like forty different shows. Like this guy's a I legend. It, and for people that haven't watched those YouTube, I just rewatched all of them. What's up, Caleb? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if you if you want to see oh, Master really? Scaler in action, for those of you, that's a good hey, point. That's a good point. You get sucked into them. They're fucking hilarious. That, that's a good point, Trader Risky. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like the Master, I, I didn't know. I didn't know this. This gentleman was on air with us, Trader Risky. Welcome. But anyways, I mean, Druff, if you got hidden gems in the background, afraid to talk because you go on and on about segments. I'm surprised he even hyped in. I mean, Scaler immediately must be on this show going forward. Okay. Listen, for those of you that uh, haven't seen them, I think. Wait, hold on, let me just add. I think a thing. Set, sorry, Jeff, good job. But setting up a set, I off. think, would be good. Yeah, I All agree. Right. See, even the trader uh, <laughs> agrees with you here, Jeff. We need the Scaler schedule in on his Obama phone immediately. If you want to see Ken Scaler, if you haven't seen the videos of him, just enter Ken Scaler in YouTube. It's S C A L I R, and you'll see a lot of entertaining. YouTube videos of him. You can even find one that was somewhat recently posted of him talking to Ronald Reagan. You don't see him, but you hear him in 1990. So, I mean, are you up to that or not? Can you schedule the master in for a weekly segment? I mean, I have to agree. We could probably come up with something really good. (laughs) It could be great. But the one, the love connection with that fucking nut job hippie chick, (laughs) that was so fucking funny. Which one? The one with like the long-haired hippie one who's just weird. Oh, you mean the first one that the, the yeah, where I think she went to his apartment? Right? She, yeah. she went to his apartment. Yeah, yeah and if it, exactly. And she's like, "Don't touch me, buddy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was she was really she was really strange. I, you know, I it's been a long time since these episodes. I think they were in O two, but I'd be shocked if if, if that girl was married and, or ever was. There, there's some of them on there. Oh, here's the weirdest story. I'm not sure if I told you guys this ever. Uh, the the kid of one of the women who was on that show contacted me a few years ago. 
Thank yeah, you. you told us that. This was on radio like four years ago. Oh, it was? What was I it? I don't remember this. Yeah, I remember. DMLK remembers, and they contacted you, and uh, and apparently she's a deadbeat uh, mom. You look, look like Ken? I know everything. Well, you're close. You're close to like you, you, you. I probably did say it. You, you remember. You're kind of close. Uh, he claimed that she was an abusive mom. And that yeah. uh, and that she lied about his dad being abusive, and that yeah. uh, basically the dad lost custody, and he doesn't know what to do, and he thinks you're running. He was 13 years old, this kid, and he says, I, "You know, I don't, I don't even know you. Maybe you." I think he believed I was Ken when he was writing to me, but uh, as I posted the video, so he just wrote to the YouTube account. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do, and this had all been heard in the courts and everything. He says just nobody believes him, but it seemed like he was sincere. I mean, it could have been a kid just trying to manipulate things when he's fighting with his mom, but. Um, I, I kind of believed him, and then I was kind of thinking, okay, what do I do about this? Do I even get involved? And what can I possibly do? I can't, you know, what could I do? I'm not directly involved in any of this. I can't just say, oh, I heard this. The most I could do is have like a social worker go down and talk to the kid. Anyway, I feel I felt a little bit bad because I I I was thinking of how to respond, and then something else happened in my life, and I I I just forgot about the kid, and then uh, he never wrote me again. And by the time I remembered, it had been a lot of time, and. Uh, I said, no, screw it. So I never, I never answered. But hopefully, hopefully this kid's okay. Probably the kid's probably like seventeen now or so. Hopefully he didn't. Uh, hopefully everything ended up okay with him. But it sounded like a, a, a pretty bad story. I just thought of all things to be writing to me about it. Though again, I thought he, I think he believed he was writing to Ken, but he didn't know Ken either. I mean, see, Jeff, I already know what you talk about on air all the time. I well, I don't remember. Look. I, I've done this show. You've talked about this about three times already. Okay, listen, I've done this. I've done this show. I've done this show for six years. There's been many long episodes. Many subjects that kind of pop up that aren't on the agenda, and, and I will forget if I've brought them up before. And sometimes even I'll be listening on the call to listen line, and it's hearing some random episode from years ago, and I'll hear a story that I'm telling, and I won't even remember having done it. Like I will. I will not even. Not only once I remember what I said, I will not even remember even having covered that topic. I will sometimes go, well, hmm, I, I've, I don't remember that story. This is interesting. Let's let's hear it. And it's so weird hearing myself tell a story that I don't know. But that's really what – it's it's weird. But I think because we've had so many hours of this show and so many different stories that have nothing to do with one another, there's just so many things to remember that some of them just kind of fall out of my head completely. I remember them all. Maybe you should be doing the show. <laughs> well, I asked you to schedule me in a time. I want you to schedule Master Scaler in a time. I think another good topic would be like um, Truff's uh, unsatisfactory, um, you know, customer service experience of the week would be well, another interesting uh, topic I would enjoy. I mean, like, okay. Uh, yeah. on the since, side since you asked, the, the since you asked. Caesars about the restaurant Hold and on. how they comp less points for this restaurant. And, uh, Hold on, since you uh, asked. That would be interesting. Since you asked, and since we're almost done with the show anyway, because there's only two short topics after this. What do you mean we're almost done with the show? I'm a, I'm a legend. I came on and... Okay, listen, oh, uh, you, you, you asked for something. It's a 10-hour show here. You, cool. a, you asked for something here. I'm going to give it to you. But the, okay, the, the customer service story of the week... I am considering filing oh. a, a complaint. For the first time ever, I'm, I'm considering filing an official complaint to something called the California Public Utilities Commission over the way my internet service provider is handling something. 
and I've never with all the Jewish complaining I've done before, I've never filed a complaint with the PUC. Never. So here's what uh, here's what's going on, and I, I really think what they're doing is number one unethical, but number two maybe illegal. So my internet has been cutting out for the past month at random times. Fortunately, it has never happened during radio, or if it has, it's been for like a second. But uh, no, in fact, it couldn't have been cutting out because this is something that actually has to be fixed by them. I have these times where the internet just dies and I have to call the tech support number and wait on hold and get someone on the phone and they have to do a reset from where they are to fix it. It's not something like where I can just pull the power and wait a minute and plug it back in. This is something they have to they have to send a reset signal to the box that goes into the house to basically start over. And without that, there's no way to make it work. And they've acknowledged this is the tr- this is the case. So this has happened now five times in the past month, and like three times in the past ten days. And I'm tired of it. And, and, and you know, every time when the internet it, it doesn't come back on until I call them. So if I'm not available to call them, I have to wait. Nobody has internet here. So California state law requires that if you pay for any service like this, internet, phone, TV, that if it goes out for a substantial amount of time that you are entitled to a prorated refund for the time it was out. And the prorated meaning based upon your monthly rate. So if, you, if you're if you out of service for a day or a lot of a day or part of a day, then you are entitled to 131st of the monthly payment of whatever you pay for that service. You need 131st, I mean one day out of 31. Now, in the past, you could just call up and, and complain that their service just hasn't been reliable and they'll give you something extra because, you know, 131st kind of sucks, even if the bill's high. Like, you know, if the bill's $100 a month, you're only getting like three bucks. It's hardly even worth making the call. So usually when that will happen, especially if it's happened multiple times, they'll give you something additional just for all the trouble. Well, not only is, is uh, this company Frontier, not only are they refusing to give you anything extra for the trouble, but I believe they are committing a scam regarding compensating you for the time out of service. How are they doing this? Well, you can get something called a bundle plan, which most people have, where you can get multiple services from them for a lower price than if you bought them individually. It's kind of like a combo meal at a fast food place. So you, you buy internet, TV, and home phone if you want it, and then it's all bundled into one price which would be, as I said, lower than buying these services individually. So that's what I have. Well, what I, I noticed on my bill recently is that the TV is listed as a fairly high price, the phone is listed as a fairly high price, and the internet is listed as $5. So supposedly, I'm only paying $5 a month for my internet. You may say, oh, great, what a, what a wonderful deal. It really isn't a wonderful deal. All they're doing is they're artificially pricing the other two things too high and pricing the internet at $5, but when you add up all three together, the price is decent. Now, what's the problem with that? Why does it matter how they split it up if, uh, you know, if, if all that matters at the end of the month is, is what the whole thing costs? Well, I didn't think it mattered until I had internet problems. And I asked them, well, you know, 
can you give me something because it's been out five different times and I've had to call in five different times it's a pain in the ass and, uh, and and the service has been unreliable. I'm not just paying for 31 days of internet service. I'm paying for 31 straight days of reliable internet service. So if it's gone out five times in a month, you haven't provided reliable service. Nope, that's not what we have to do. We just have to give you, uh, you know, for the days out of service. So we'll give you five days worth. So guess how they calculated the five days? They took five thirty-firsts of five dollars. <laughs> so they claimed for those five different days that I was out of service with the internet that I was entitled to eighty-one cents for five days of lost internet. Eighty-one cents. Well, hold on a second. How long were you on the phone for this alleged 81 cents? Oh, a long time because I had to call five different times to get the internet restored and wait on hold and have them reset the thing and wait for the whole thing to start again. It, it, it all added up to a lot of time. I and, mean, you got to talk to retentions. No, or no, no, no. I've tried that. I, I, no, What's no. I, background noise here? What's going on? I, there's no background noise. I, I, I tried that. I tried talking to retentions. So everybody just gave me the big middle finger. They've gotten very hard line at this company in 2018. They've changed. Last year, they were pretty good. This year, they're horrible. And they're very, very stubborn. And they told me that, yes, it's fair, because I'm paying $5 a month for internet, that I should only get five thirty firsts of $5 if I'm out for five days. And I say, so you're telling me if I'm out of internet for an entire month, you'll give me $5? And they said, yeah. And I said, that's crazy. How could that be okay, worth only five dollars? So, so then I said to them, "Look, the, the the total I'm paying for all three services is one hundred forty-two dollars a month. So you're telling me the internet is you're telling me the internet is only worth five dollars out of one forty-two? That the one hundred thirty-seven for the other two and five dollars for the internet?" They said, "Yep, that's the way the, the bill is." I said, "But I didn't ask for the bill to be this way. You guys artificially made it this way." Nope, they told me that's the way it is. You're paying five dollars for internet. That's all you're entitled to. So I said to them, "Okay." If that's all I'm paying for internet, I want to cancel the TV and cancel the phone and just keep my internet for $5 a month. Well, you can't do that. I said, well, why not? Well, because it's a bundle. I go, exactly. So my internet isn't really $5 a month. It's only $5 a month if I overpay for the other two services. So that's all artificial. I'm not, you can only say I'm paying $5 a month on the internet if either you could buy the internet on the open market at $5 a month or if that's what it's really worth. But it's worth more than 10 times that. So they would not budge. I mean, they would, why don't you ask them to increase your internet and decrease your home phone? I did. Oh, they won't do it. Nope, this is the way it breaks down on your bill. This is the way it is. That's the way we split it too bad. So why are they doing this? I'm pretty convinced they're doing this this way because of TV, phone, and internet, which one is the most likely to have problems? Obviously the internet. Obviously the internet goes out way more than those other two. So they probably figured out that if they make that one worth almost nothing on the bill, that they never have to compensate you more than a few pennies, literally a few pennies, if it goes out. So I think this is illegal. I think this is violating the California state law. And the reason I believe that is because they're required to reimburse you for the amount of money you're paying for the service prorated. And I'm not paying $5 for the service. If I'm paying $142 for three services, at the very least, the internet should be worth one-third of that. I think it should be worth more than one-third, but at the very least, it should be worth one-third of that, which is near 50. And Okay, but can I debate with you on this, Jeff? Yeah. Okay. 
Now, you obviously negotiated this bundle with them, accepting the terms and conditions of this. Is that a correct statement? Like They just didn't come no. to this 142, and, and, and they just said, this well, is your monthly bill. No, I, you obviously negotiated with them at that. But, that no, 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 no. I, but I did not negotiate or agree to that the Internet would be priced as $5. Never. I mean, you must have known that it was five. They just didn't like snap you off clean. No, that's one what day they did. They, say, no, they, they, well, here's your bill at one forty-two and internet. You, you, you must have had insight in regards. No, to- and they admitted. No, not only did I not negotiate that the internet would be five dollars. They, no, admi- they you admitted. They negotiated the price of one forty-two. Right, but they didn't. They didn't break it down correctly. They broke it down artificially. They broke it down in a in a bullshit way in order to get out of paying me back when the internet fails. Which they have to do by state law. No, but what what would be the regular price of all this though? If you added everything up together though, because you have to look at it that way, the regular price might be two hundred dollars. And but you that doesn't matter. Said, that, okay, well, what we'll does that have to do with it? You probably negotiated for about five hours on the phone. With it them, doesn't matter. No, but how does that matter? Off for thirty percent off, and then now you're complaining about how they structure the because pricing. because there's because there's yes, of course you can. They've agreed you to a price a discount on them. No, but this isn't about a discount. This is about getting back money for services they didn't give me. Basically, the California law says if you don't get the service, you don't pay for it. So, okay, five days of the month, I didn't get the service. They have to give me five days, month, five out of 31 days back, but they will only give five out of 31 days back on something they artificially priced at almost nothing. That, that's, it, I mean, that looks like clear fraud to me. So not only am I going to be making a PUC complaint against them, but I'm also looking into something that uh, I've never tried to look into before, and that is filing a class action lawsuit against them. So I, I I really think they deserve it because this looks like a scam to me. This looks like it's something that's very uh, I mean, should we get the Judy involved? Or? No, not, Judge Judy wouldn't get involved in this, but uh, I this, this is very bothersome that this is being done, and it's enough to where I think I would file a class action lawsuit if, if I can. I don't know if I would have any standing, and I want to make the PUC complaint first because if the PUC sides with me, then that would give me a lot more strength to file a class action lawsuit. If they don't side with me and say they're doing everything fine, then it's a lot harder to win. So I've never done any of this stuff, so it's a, it's a new thing for me. But it's pissing me off enough that I may do that. Now, fortunately, I'm not on a contract, so I could just switch to the cable company. But the cable company kind of sucks too, so I'm not really wanting to I do mean, that. Drop. Let's be realistic here, okay? If you paid full price for every service, it would have an amount equal Right, the internet would be structured in a way where you would get your one thirty first or whatever at a fair compensation. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying here that if I hadn't gotten the discount, then you know, it's it's funny you say that. You know, maybe you work there because I they actually told (laughs) listen listen to what they told me when I was complaining. They said to me, "Look, if you want, we can just disable the bundle and make you pay full price for everything, and then when it goes out, you'll get the full compensation." That kind of sounds like what you're saying. And what I said back to them. That's absurd. I would never want to do that, but that's irrelevant. What matters is that you sold this bundle to me for this price and that when one-third of the bundle fails, I should be getting back one-third of the price for those days, not five one-forty seconds of the price. And that's uh, and that's what you're doing, and this is fraud. And I told them that, and of course they they they, they, they were just uh, very, very stubborn and digging their heels in it. What was the worst thing was that nobody was even admitting, like, we understand your point but this is the way the company set it up or something like that. They don't have to admit they're wrong, but they can at least at least act like human beings and tell me that they fully understand it and that, and that uh, you know they can see why it looks that way. They were treating me like I was crazy. 
They were treating me like I was crazy and almost like I was the scammer for wanting more than, than a few cents back every day from the internet. They said, look, it says $5 on your bill. That's what you're paying. You want more than that? You know, I can't see how you feel that we're responsible for that. It, it was amazing. Okay. I mean, hold on a sec. So you call in. Okay, let's go back to the beginning yeah. here. Yeah. Game of okay investigation. Oh, no. <laughs> go back to the, I mean, okay. Because so uh, right now I feel you're having some sort of type of dementia going on what? here. Because you, you, you're, you're forgetting about past callers you're forgetting about past things you talked about so i'm concerned in regards to that so so you called in so so how long have you had this service for a few years or oh no i've had this service now it was with a different company verizon sold their interest in in okay. uh, in this so it, it was verizon then frontier and it's been i've had this since 2010 okay so, so in 2000 and whatever probably probably 2013 or 14 or 15, you probably called in and said, hi, my name's Todd, and I want a bundle discount. And they're like, oh, hey, Mr. Todd, I noticed you've been a good client of ours for about 10 years, and, and here's what we're going to do for you. And they probably structured on the phone with you a price plan for each and individual category. For example, you will be receiving a 95% discount off the Internet. However, you'll have to pay full price. For no, these they didn't products. say that. They didn't say that. They didn't say that. Didn't happen because that's they do the same thing here. But, but in, okay, in I don't know Canadian what the, I don't know I don't know what they do in that. Ontario there. But what they do here is they just tell you this is the price you're going to pay for all three services. Does it sound good? And you say yes or no. If you say no, then they see if they can do anything else. If, if you say yes, then they do it. They never break it down for you. What uh, they do here. In fact, there are so many different little charges on these bills that if they did this, it would be very confusing to everyone. But I'm telling you, they didn't break anything down. And when I saw the $5, I was very surprised. But at the time, until I had an outage, I didn't really think about it, what that $5 really meant, until there was an outage. And then before I called, I even thought, are they really going to base it on that $5? I, was like, I said, no, come on. They wouldn't be the, that big of assholes to do that. That couldn't even be legal. And I called up. That's exactly what they did. They based it on the $5. It's insane. You should have sure. asked for $50 credit. You want your fifty dollar back? Oh, I'd love that fifty dollar credit. That, I asked for some. I didn't ask for fifty dollars, but I said I'd like a bulk credit. Bulk meaning just you know some some customer service credit for real gesture for for what happened because I've had to call in five different times over the internet failing that they've admitted is the fault of their own equipment. And nope, we don't do that. We only give you prorated uh, as required by law. Okay. Are they open now, Jeff? I'll get you a no. fifty dollar credit. No. I mean, come on. I, yeah. I'll call. I'll call in on your behalf right now on radio, and we'll get your fifty dollars. The, they're not open at two well, thirty in the morning. No, they're not open now. Well, I mean, let's schedule a time for next. Believe radio. me, believe me, you'll never get anywhere. I'm very good at this. Oh, absolutely, this I will. I'm. I'm. I'm like a negotiator. This yeah. this company in 2018 has made some decisions apparently to where they are very, very, very tight about everything. And it is so hard to get anything out of them. It, it is amazingly difficult, and it sometimes even defies common sense. But this isn't just about good customer service. This is actually about breaking the law. That's what's bothering me here. That's why, like, well, if it was any law, they're giving you a, a bundle discount that you agreed to. No, that, that's fine. No, no, you knew I the amount. No, I didn't. I did not. You keep saying that, but I didn't agree to that. I did not agree to a five dollar internet. But uh, you you agreed to the price of the package, right? But they didn't inform me what it was. It doesn't. Well, I mean, you must have known somehow what it was. It's just not to come up with random numbers. Okay, to, I, I knew it only once it appeared on the. Over. No, only once it came on the bill, I knew it, 
and I didn't think about what that meant until I had an outage. But but the thing is, even if I knew it, it is still not compensating the customer. When the service fails, they have to compensate the, the customer for what he paid for it. And, and if they just artificially lower the price on the service that's most likely to fail, that's uh, – yeah, you know, that's that's a big problem. It would be like uh, let's let's say you, let's let's say you bought a car. I knew you were going to bring that up. And they said to you when you buy the car that what you're really buying is the pink slip. Is it tires? We're really buying is the pink slip that comes with the car that shows you own it. That that's actually almost all the money is for the pink slip, and the car they're actually selling you for a hundred dollars. The the pink slip is the entire rest of the balance of what you paid. And you say, well, I, I, who cares? It's you know, it's, it's 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 the price I want overall, right? Yeah, okay, good. I'll, I'll sign it. There we are. So so then, your car turns out to be a complete piece of crap and breaks down and is unusable. And and you say, okay, this car is under warranty. Uh, you know, so I, I want you to replace the car. And they say, no, we're going to give you a hundred dollars. You go, well, no, but I paid this much money for the for the. Why are you giving me a hundred dollars? Well, because that's what the car is worth. The pink slip. I mean, that's that's not that's not a good example, Chuck. You can't use that as an example. Why? They're they're willing to fix it. Let's say something is not fixable. Okay, hold on. Let's hold on. Let's get the. We want. This is a panel here tonight. Ruski, Rusker, are you there? (laughs) I want the Rusk to uh, to chirp in on this. Rusk, what do you think about this? I am here. However, somebody had walked in and was talking to me, but I was listening to some of it. Can you give me just a quick? Well, I mean, you know the story, right? We were just kind of arguing back and forth right now. But you, yeah, well, right with the bill and how much was it and everything else. Which which situation was this? The, the, the question. The so question. Many. The question is here. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the question. <laughs> the question is here. If if I'm paying 142 dollars a month for all three services, which is uh, phone, internet, and cable. Mm-hmm. You know, phone, internet, and, and, and TV. And he agreed on it. And, and he agreed on that price. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and they just quoted to me the, va- the value of the bundle without any kind of going through what each one is going to be. And they artificially assign the internet to only be worth $5 at 142 If the internet fails, they, they want to credit me 530 If it fails for five days, they want to credit me 531 first to $5, which is $0.81. Even though the entire bill is 142 and the internet's a major... You know, part of that. So, how can they claim that's only worth five dollars just because they artificially list, listed it that way on the bill? Yeah, no. I mean, I, look, they do they do that. I mean, it all kind of started with the Microsoft Office, but I think that, yeah. I mean, look, I think you have to talk about the damages. You couldn't get online. Yell at TMLK. <laughs> you know, make some insults to Tide. You know, that's that's. You know, that's so excited what they're saying it's for. This is thousands of dollars worth of damages have been created. I just want yeah, I, this is I, I just yeah. wanted five I just wanted five thirty first of what I really paid. I, I, I wasn't even looking for damages. I wasn't even looking Okay, I, so we're, we're talking what here though, Druff? We're talking you want you want one third of the total bill at one thirty first. Is technically what you want. Okay. Yes. So, that, so we'll make it easy. So, say the bill is one twenty. You pay. You want to have them break it down to forty dollars per service. Okay. Three listen, services. You're, you're correct. It's not much money. If, if it's broken into thirds, and then I, and then I get five thirty first, it would still only be like seven dollars and sixty four cents. Yeah. But, so we're talking about six dollars here. No, no, no. But but here's the difference. It's, it's a principle that they're doing this to cheat people. That they're doing this to that they're they're purposely do the bill. What Bruce? Bruce, did he did? Can we acknowledge that 
he agreed to the amount. To I didn't agree to that, though. I keep telling you this. I did not agree to $5 internet. They broke it down that way on themselves. Yeah, I mean, if that's in the small, it, listen, if that's in the small print, and it's one of these bullshit things these telecommunic company, companies do, I'm going to have to side with Jeff on this one. Because I think that, <laughs> because you're you're buying a bundle. Yeah, and they're not, but they're not breaking it down. They're doing it in small print. They're sending these confusing fucking bills that have a thousand different. Now the two cents is going here and this and that. Even if I mean you, yeah, I, that? I was gonna say even if you know you're you're buying, even if you know you're buying it at these prices, even if they told me the internet's gonna be five dollars. And 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 the, and the TV's gonna be way more expensive, and the phone will be way more expensive, and it adds up to one forty two. Uh, even if I knew that, which I didn't, even if I knew that, they are still being dishonest about it because the internet is not a is not a, a small afterthought. It's a major portion worth that is worth at least a third. So even if they are pricing it that way, it's still being dishonest because they're pricing it in a way to avoid compensating for it when it fails. And when you're buying a bundle. You should be compensated for whatever it, whatever percentage of the bundle is really worth, not what they're charging for, but what it's really worth. That's what you should. Yeah, do. I mean, and I could probably even argue that the whole bundle failed. Yes, because it's all based on the whole thing. Yes, yeah, so that could that could be done too. Forty dollars. Oh, oh yeah, but hold on a second. Drufflin can play hold on. So now, if it's one hundred forty dollars less five dollars, now Druff can make an argument where they could say to him that, well, if your cable went out, we would have to pay you more money. You, you don't look at it that aspect. No, though, right? I, I, I do look at it. I think you should get all of it. But not not only no, that. I, no, not, hold on a second. If Trust cable went out and say it's at a hundred dollars, he'd be getting over three dollars a day. Right, but they, but they figured out. The but they figured. I'm sure what they figured out is that the cable and the phone fail much less than the internet. So that's why. But, but still, you have that. Ben- you still have that benefit, though. If it but it's a crappy well, benefit. That's why, but that's, that's why they do it. But that's why they do it. That's why I'm going to make the complaint because I think this is a, a sneaky way to, to cheat people out of the proper compensation by by discounting the thing that is most likely to fail. So, that, so yeah. I, so I know TMLG does not get it, and and uh, Trade well, Risky I does. Would say, I would say, as far as I'm concerned, I'm buying this one thing. For what? And if one piece of it fails, the whole thing fails. Yeah, that's a good argument to make too. I may make that. You know, when I when I write to the PUC, I probably still won't mention that because I I don't I I, I don't want to seem greedy. I, I want to just really hammer them on the on the biggest thing that's hard for them to defend, which is this five dollar crap and how they're do, they're likely doing this to avoid paying people what it's really worth. So I'm going to do that, and and then I may even consider a class action lawsuit. I'm not even kidding. Uh, so. Anyway, that's that, yeah. That, no, I think that is a good point, Jeff. I didn't even think of that. They make that five dollars simply because it's the one that fails the most. Yep. Because yeah. there's so many just computer users out there that don't have a clue. Well, yeah, well, and and I think just it's most likely to fail. There's so many different things that and go it wrong. Fails, with it. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that go. Like I, I have a clue, but uh, there there is literally nothing I could do about it without them sending the receipt right. signal from their end. So, well, right. I'm just talking about all the other situations that come up with there's a thousand other. Things happen with the internet. So okay, hold on. So if you, but if you paid full price for everything, you wouldn't have this issue. But you agreed to that contract, or if you were on a contract or not a contract, confirm deny. Okay, I'm 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 done with. Yeah, but and he agreed. No, he deliver the. No, hold on a second, Ruth. Hold on, don't snap me off, Ruth. Here, hold on. Let let TMO. Okay, don't be bullying me here. I want to hear have Drust's response to this. I mean. You negotiated, confirmed deny on air right now that you negotiated a price of $140 for the month. That's all I want to hear. It's a simple yes or no. Yes. 
There you go. So it doesn't matter what the structure is. You agree to right. a discounted price. So okay, you don't know what you, you're talking you about here. So then he get that thing that works. $5, dollars okay, You don't know what you're they talking about. Lo- no, they lumped it all together. He agreed to pay 142 so he gets the, these three things working yes. throughout the months. When one of them doesn't work, the thing he bought's not working for 142 so I think he should get one forty two back, <laughs> or at least five thirty. Yeah, you think at least, you should get one third of one forty two? Yeah, right, right, no, at I least think you should get the whole thing. Well, I think I should get one to him I, as a package. I, I think he is right. I think I isn't working. I think I really should get like five, at least five thirty firsts of one forty two. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, anyway, I think you start with one forty two and then back what? down to a third. But but I'm not outages. But but thirty minutes. No, it's not thirty minutes. The problem is it sometimes he lives with this. Kidding me? It sometimes it sometimes was hours because like like uh one of them happened just as i was about to leave and go somewhere and i couldn't delay it so then the, the rest of the families i'm not the only one who uses internet here the rest of the family had to sit here with no internet until i, until I got back to make this phone call and I, I was out for more than an hour and then i had to wait on hold so they were yeah it, it sucks and another, another time i was saying that marty gets better internet on the cruise ship than you and for those, <laughs> for those, for those for, okay for those few hours he did so that's. Uh, I'm going to move on here, but th- this topic. Well, no, this is great. This is no, a great it's, it's, it's been running. It's been running to the. It's been running to the ground. It's been running to the ground. Is it, I need to it snap this topic. I need to snap this topic great. off clean. I'm, I'm snapping it off clean. Oh my goodness! This is great content. I'm, sna- I'm snapping I love this. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Team hold on. See money if you're listening. If you can ship draft six dollars for the three day outages. No, no. Thank you. I don't want see money to pay me for this. Uh, well, so, anybody on do you ever use Bet Online? I've played there before. Okay. Uh, what about Traderuski? Do you have you use Do you use Bet Online ever? Have not. Okay. Bet Online is having a lot of problems this week. They've uh, they've been hit by a very nasty DDoS attack, and it's still going on as we speak. Someone is DDoSing the site. It's not clear why. It's not clear if they're asking for a ransom or anything, but there's a major DDoSing going on. It has been for like the entire week, and it's been very effective. And I started noticing that where I was having a hard time reaching the site. At first, it was just like inconsistent. I would sometimes get through, sometimes not. Sometimes part of it would load, sometimes it wouldn't. It, it had the look of a DDoS because it... it I could tell the site wasn't down. It was like internet problems. Usually when you're getting those weird internet problems like that connecting to only one site, it's because of a DDoS attack. And also I, I was noticing that uh, if you go to down for everyone or just me.com, you can check if a site is down for them, you know, for that service as well as you. So you can tell if it's just your connection. So that was sometimes showing it was up when I got it was down. And uh, sometimes it also agreed it was down. So, They've been sending out updates like every day for the last several days about the connectivity issues, which they claim are intermittent, but it's not intermittent. So I can never get through anymore. Now I just can't ever connect to it. But this is what I got. Uh, this is what I got on the twelfth. Uh, Dear Todd, recently Bet Online experienced intermittent connectivity issues. This does not meet our high standards, and for that we'd like to apologize. The service disruptions were caused by a third party flooding our servers with traffic in order to block our customers from accessing our website. It was a complex network attack which targeted more than 7,000 websites around the world. 
Now, I don't know if I believe that because like, I haven't heard of anyone else having problems right now. Uh, at no time was the security or privacy of your personal data, account information, passwords, financial data, or funds compromised. I actually believe that part. We are working closely with our network providers to strengthen our network. We are making significant progress and are confident these changes will allow us to serve you better in the future. Until all upgrades are complete, you may continue to experience disruptions to our normal service. Uh, we'll continue to upgrade, update you as the situation improves. Your trust is important to us, and you'll continue to be our top priority. Now, this is on, on the 12th. Now, we're, we're in the early morning of the 15th. Now, let me read to you what they sent to me just uh, <laughs> uh, today, or I guess it's yesterday. Now. Where is it here? Uh, where did this go? Add it up. Spanish. Here, here we are. Um, I saw one earlier. Where did it go? That deleted accidentally. I got one from today. Today saying that they. Uh, hold on. Maybe I haven't. Uh, is it possible I haven't downloaded the mail on this computer? Have you complained to them at all about their processing fee on credit cards at seven and a half or whatever percentage it is? They all do that now, so no, I haven't. But I'll, I'll give Bit Online credit for this: is that they they've done a good job with with when I got uh, overcharged by a credit card processor. Unlike Bovada, which will fight you tooth and nail to make it right, to not make it right. Uh, they instantly said, "Yes, we know that happens." How much was the difference? They didn't even make me send proof. They just credited my account. The difference. So yeah, I- but if you notice on Bet Online, when you make a deposit, it doesn't tell you that you're going to be charged seven and a half percent. You actually have to go under the terms and conditions of the actual cashier to find out that that's a valid charge. So I don't know. So- when, when I was when I was on Bet Online, I didn't find that when I was making deposit. Now I'm depositing on Bitcoin, so. No, but it does that. It doesn't tell you. It doesn't say that you're going to get charged 7.5% unless okay. you go under the actual cashier window terms and conditions. It will say okay, that you'll be charged you, whatever percentage uh, on these. I, I wasn't surprised. Whatever it was, I wasn't surprised by it. So I don't know what you're talking about. But I, I, I was overcharged, as, as happens with Bovada, but that's not directly their fault. That's their payment process. No, but when fault. you depl- Okay, so have you used credit card there before? Yes, that's when I got overcharged. And then, and then I. No, uh, okay. okay, but what I'm saying is does it tell you uh, as a pop up that you're going to get charged 7.5%? I, I don't know what the pop up is. First of all, it wasn't 7.5%, it was like 6%, but whatever it was. Does it, it tell you? that though it was clear yes it was clear it wasn't clear for me okay when i did it no when i did it that part was clear but then i got overcharged by their processor but unlike bovada they made it right immediately without demanding proof bovada not only demanded proof but they but they gave me the middle finger and i had to really fight with them to make them give me the difference so here's here's the here's the update from today hi todd our work continues and we're making significant progress in our efforts to resolve our recent network issues we had some very positive test results last night, and we're, we're spending the next 24 hours implementing a large update. During this time, there will be service outages on all devices, and you'll probably undoubtedly experience issues connecting to bed online at various points throughout the day. Yeah, more like all day. In our long history, we're extremely proud to have provided 99.99% uptime for our customers. This is a high standard we hold ourselves to. I understand that this week we've fallen short. However, we learned from this event and are actively using it to drive improvements to our services. Thank you so much for your patience. I'll keep you posted with another update when I have more news tomorrow. Sincerely, S. Francis, Director of Player Services. So I can tell you they're losing a fortune from this every day for all the bets that can't be placed. 
I mean, can you imagine like the whole week, almost nobody could connect there? Fuck, you should get their internet. Their, their internet's constantly up. I mean, wow. <laughs> you should be calling them and asking them their customer service. Yeah, you know, maybe not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have internet all week. So, like, I'm, I'm trying to connect right now. It's down. So, like, 99.99%. Wow. I like how they're not even honest about how it's just, you just can't connect. Like, they, they're saying, oh, you'll have some problems throughout the day. No, I I've, have not been able to get on at all for the last few days. At first, I could get on sometimes, then once in a while, and now never. And it's been that way. So, so. are you going to complain and, and, and say that you were going to bet uh, the Raptors to, to win and then the odds changed? And you, you oh, don't remind me about the freaking Raptors. Why didn't you oh, no. chime? Why didn't you, you're from Toronto. Why didn't you chime in about the Raptors when I wanted them at 16 to 1 to win in the East and everybody made fun of me? How come you didn't chime in and well, support they have it? To win the, no, but the, the problem with the Raptors is they get to the first round, right? And then they always they lose the first game every time, and then they struggle. I mean, come on. Okay, but, but you, you know see what's happened? Right. They've changed from sixteen to one to two and a half to one now. So that's a pretty to win the East outright. Y- yes. So that, I that, mean, that's really changed. I mean, I, honestly, I think they're the favorite. I, I, I'm tempted to bet two and a half to one. I just feel stupid doing it because I could have had them at sixteen to one, and I want. Are they the favorites right now to win, or is it Cleveland? No, believe it or not, it's Cleveland. But that's stupid. I don't think Cleveland's the real, the real favorite. Cleveland's a disaster. No, it's playoffs, so. but playoffs. Still, I know, it's, but but Cleveland's a disaster, and Toronto's been so consistent. They just the, when they they almost never have a bad game. They they almost never have a bad game. They they always cover. They seem to always cover the spread. They 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 never have a bad game. They never let down against bad teams. Uh, against good teams, they play them tough. Like they, even when they lose, they don't have bad games. Once in a while, they have a bad game, but boy, are they consistent. Everybody else in the East. Has tons what of happens bad games. with Toronto in the playoffs is they start becoming um, ball hogs, and it was just a disaster. That's what everybody. Ta- that's what everyone was telling games. me and making fun of me when I said I want Toronto at sixteen to one to win the East. I, I never said, laughed at you. People well, in the in the sports betting thread on Poker for Auto that laughed at me and said that they they choke in the playoffs. They're terrible in the playoffs. Every cool. every year it looks good and then they fall apart. And I said this looks different. This is a very this is a much better looking team this year than any year they've had, and. I'm watching that every single time they're just so consistent. They never have a bad game. I, uh, at sixteen to one, I, I wasn't arguing that I should bet them at even money. I was arguing sixteen to one. You don't need to have a a great reason to bet something sixteen to one. It's got to have a shot. But so, I think what's going to happen, they'll drop. Is they're going to play the eight seed most likely, and then they're probably they're, they're going to have to play Cleveland most likely the next round because they're going to be. The lowest seed, because you figure Boston will win, and the other, the third seed will win. So most likely, they're playing Cleveland the first round, second round, if they win the first round. And I think he'll beat them. And I think Boston's not going to be able to handle them either. I think they're going to win. Now, I you think they're, they're going to. I think they're um, going to. And, and I even think they'll be competitive. Yeah. I, I, th- I, th- I think they're even going. I think they're going to win the East, and I think that they're even going to be competitive in the finals, but not win. I don't think they're, they're against Golden State. You think they have a chance? I think they will win like one or two games. I think no, yes. come on. Golden State will be favored. You know how heavy a favorite. I know, Golden and I think State I think they'll. No, I actually I think mean, I actually think they're going to lose four to two in the in the in the. Uh, they're not even going to win a game drop. They're no, going to get hammered. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to win one game and maybe even two. That's I would I be more afraid of Indiana. No, come on, Indi- Indiana's crap. They're forty and twenty-eight rough. They're crap. Who's your team, anyways? Well, the team I'm a fan of is the Lakers, but they've been failed for so long. They're actually not bad. They lost today to Golden State. That was kind of like uh, like an injured Golden State team. But this this current Lakers would have been a playoff team if there was more time in the se- in the season, but there's not. So, 
they wouldn't be a, a good playoff team, but they would have been a playoff team. They'll need like LeBron to come next year to really, yeah, you know, if they want to contend. But LeBron LeBron's actually not going to LA. He's, no, he, he's going to go maybe to Houston or. Can you imagine LeBron going to Houston? Know, there, or, there's, uh, yes, there's, there's, he won't go to the Raptors. There's, there's, no, he's not going to the Raptors. There's four teams he's considering going to. It's, it's Philadelphia. He's not going to Houston. He's not going to Philadelphia. Come on, stop. It's Philadelphia, Houston. I think it's Philly or the Lakers. Yeah, Philly, Philadelphia, Houston, the Lakers, or, or or staying in Cleveland. He's going to. I mean, he's, he's got a. He he's got a house be, in Brentwood. Who wants to live in Houston? He's going to Houston. Draft. He's going to go to Houston. TMO Mulcahy. That's a lock. That's a ninety-nine point nine. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he wants to share the spotlight with James Harden in Houston and Chris Paul too. He wants to. Win, you know, he already has shared this. Like, the dream team in Miami. So, I mean. At this point, I think he wants to be the outright star. I don't think he wants to. If he could, he would go to Golden State. He just wants to win. No, I don't think he want that either. Carrie, he's got so much money. Ruski, what are you doing in the background there? Oh my bad. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Ruski's so like, I don't know what he's up to. But anyway, it's 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 uh, it's down right now. It sucks. And uh... okay, here's the last topic. Uh, Sheldon Adelson is getting out of the Pennsylvania casino business. He is selling the Sands Bethlehem, which is his casino in Pennsylvania. And that's going to be it. He's going to be at last week. They were actually still reporting he was trying to get a, a mini casino over there, and, and and they screwed up, and he didn't get one. But now they're going the reverse way, and actually uh, selling the Sands Bethlehem. So it's it's uh, actually being it's being sold to a company called Wind Creek, Wind Creek Hospitality. And it's it's going to change brands. It's not going to be the Sands anything anymore. And he will no longer have a presence in Pennsylvania. Interestingly, Pennsylvania is yeah you know, they've just passed online gambling. Though it's, that's not likely to have to do with it. In fact, back as early as uh, last year, early last year, they were talking about how they may have found a buyer and then it fell through. So I think they've just been wanting to get out of Pennsylvania for whatever reason. And the pr- the price that Wind Creek is paying for it is... $100 billion. Oh, gentlemen. No. It's $1.2 billion. Wow. Yeah, for the Sands Bethlehem. Or so 1.3, not 1.2, 1.2 billion. $1.3 billion, which is actually uh, $100 million more than I first said. And... They're actually uh, an affiliate of the Porch brand, that's P-O-A-R-C-H, brand, uh, band, that brand, the Porch Band of Creek Indians of Alabama. And you may wonder why Alabama if this is Pennsylvania. But they actually already own uh, nine properties, and uh, three of them are in Alabama. There's the Wind Creek, all, Atmore, the Wind Creek, Montgomery, the Wind Creek, uh, Wetumpka. They also have the Washishu Casino in Gardnerville, Nevada, which I've I haven't been to the casino, but I'll tell you in a second about that uh, Washishu Casino. It's kind of weird. Pensacola Greyhound Racetrack and Poker Room in, in Florida. They have the Creek Entertainment Gretna in Florida. They have the Mobile Greyhound Park in Alabama, and then they also have the Renaissance Aruba 
and the Renaissance Curacao. So they have two uh, Caribbean properties as well. So this is their this will be their tenth casino. Now the Washi Shoe Casino in Gardnerville. That is a relatively new property, and gas is much cheaper there than anywhere else in the area. Now Gardnerville is fairly close to Lake Tahoe. If you're driving from L.A. or, or anything like south of Lake Tahoe, if you're coming from the south, then you're often going to come up through U.S. 395. And after you cross into Nevada, not too long after that, you get to Gardnerville. And there's two cities there, Gardnerville and Minden. And for, right between the two cities, you take a road that leads up to this windy highway going up to Lake Tahoe. Because you've got to gain altitude. So Gardnerville is really the town right below Lake Tahoe in that direction. So I pass through it every time I go to Lake Tahoe, and often I wait to get gas there because Nevada gas is cheaper than California gas, uh, partially because of the taxes, the, the gas tax lower in Nevada. So if I have to get gas, I try to stall it until I get to Nevada because it'll be cheaper. So Gardnerville, I, I learned that this Washi Shoe Casino, it has a gas station, and it's substantially cheaper than the other gas stations in, in the rest of Gardnerville. So that's where I've been getting gas uh, yet when I look at the casino, it doesn't look like it's doing that well. Like there's never that many cars in the parking lot. It just kind of looks kind of like it's dead. And I, w- I always thought it was just like some fail Indian casino that started up there and they put a lot of money into it and it's failing. I didn't realize that it's part of this giant Wind Creek thing. So now I feel less bad for them. I, I, I was kind of like picturing this Indian tribe struggling and putting all this money in this new casino that nobody's going to. But it, it looked like a ghost town. Now I've never been in there, but you go in there and, and shoot off some video poker. Yeah, I should. Whenever I've been there, the problem is it's so long to drive to Lake Tahoe that by the time I get there, I just want to get to Tahoe and be done. I've been driving so long that I just don't want to stop and screw around. Like, I feel like I'm so close at that point. And then on the way back, I feel like I've just left. And I find it kind of tilting when you just leave for a long drive and then you're like 30 miles into you, you stop and you've like gotten nowhere. So if this was like right in the middle of the drive, then I'd be much more likely to stop and play. But uh, yeah, so that's, I, I didn't realize this Washi Shoe Casino is part of Wind Creek because it's not called Wind Creek anything. But I remember that name. I remember Washi Shoe. So this is what uh, Stephanie Bryan the tribal chair and CEO of the Porch Brand of Creek Indian said, Stephanie Bryan doesn't sound like a Native American name. Shouldn't her name be like, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> come up with a funny Indian name, like, a, uh, like, like, like Howling Wind Bryan. That would be better. <laughs> You know, like why? Why is it? Why is it Stephanie Bryan? That just sounds like a white chick. So Stephanie Bryan said the following: the quality of property and dedicate, yeah, the quality of the property and dedication of the team members to genuinely engage with the customers was evident for the first time we visited the property. The addition of this fantastic team and property to our portfolio furthers our desire to secure a long and prosperous future for our tribe. 
We look forward to working with team members in the community to cement Wind Creek Bethlehem's position as a premier entertainment destination in the Northeast. We are proud of our ability to become valued partners with the communities surrounding Wind Creek hospitality properties. We also need this property to do well because we're losing our shirt on Washi's shoe because all we get is cheap Jews like Todd Wattella stopping in to get cheap <laughs> gas and they never go in and play or buy our food. <laughs> Do you, do you, hold on. Do you stop to get gas on the way back too, or you kind of? Uh, no, because I don't need it at that point. Because I, I, I don't drive very much within Tahoe, so I have pretty much a full tank at that point. Yeah, but you still have to go back to where you, you came from. Right, but it's so close to Tahoe that I've hardly burned any gas. If it were right in the middle of the drive, yes, but it's not. It's, it's so close to Tahoe. Oh, you know, it's like I don't know. At that point, you're probably twenty miles away. So I could actually see you at the gas station just loading up. Like uh, gas tanks, one after the other, just and just like putting them in your trunk. I, I can just see that right now. Just, well, I, just I, there's there's one other thing I did at the Washi Shoe. I actually just, threw, I actually threw away parts of a dead deer into their oh, garbage because I, not too far from there, I hit Jesus. a deer last year in July. It was a it was a a, a baby deer. I didn't have any choice. The the uh, the, the parent presumably the mother ran across the street but was fast enough to not get hit by the car so i but but i was it came like it came fairly close so i swerved to make sure i didn't hit the mother and then right then i saw another one that just walked right in front of the car a baby and it hit it it was totally unavoidable just walked right in front of the car and that's you know the, the younger animals tend to do that because they they haven't learned yet Usually, if a, if a a deer makes it to adulthood, it knows how to cross the road. Uh, the the babies don't, so a lot of times they'll get hit. So, I hit this deer. This is actually it wasn't last year; it was in 2016. So I hit the deer, and uh, I watched the deer roll. I actually watched it. I hit it and actually watched it roll to the side of the road and it conveniently landed like right on the shoulder, so it wasn't in the way of the road anymore, thankfully. But it actually rolled, and then I you know got out, and it was just dead on impact. It was totally dead. Uh, so parts of my car also fell off. Unfortunately, nothing that was essential, just cosmetic stuff. So I picked up what I could and reattached what I could. But uh, some of it still had, like, pieces of the deer that it hit. So... Uh, come on. This is... Uh, this is not, come on, Jeff. We don't, we don't have to hear this. No, so, so, I, so I, I pulled off... So... At this gas station, which was one of the first ones I encountered after that, that was that was open, I went there and was was cleaned up a little bit more. So, so you use their water and their like and whatnot to yeah, clean it up. Yeah, and they, and they and, and some guy saw it too. And, so, and some guy was going on like some guys. Like, what are you doing there? And I said, oh, I hit a deer there. Like it was. Uh, it was. You probably you're probably asking for their bathroom key and loading up in fucking pails of water and. <laughs> I've actually never been inside. I've never once walked inside the place. I've always just been at the gas station terminals. I've never once walked in. I once almost. I once almost went there to eat. I was with. uh, I was with Benjamin's mom and Ben, and and we were going to stop there. They were hungry, and I said we can go in this washy shoe thing, and you know we can eat (laughs) there. But they, Benjamin's mom was. She was too concerned that it was going to be fail. There was going to be some fail like casino cafe, so she didn't want to do it. So we didn't What's go. Ben's just bum same anyways. Is it just Ben's bum or like? Well, I, 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 I'm just not making it public oh, I, down here. That's why it's not public. 
for people do know of her name. I think I know her name. You mentioned it once. I forget. No, now. I don't think I have. Well, didn't you have that song about her? On no, the no, radio, we, we didn't mention that? it then either. No, it wasn't mentioned. Uh, I think it was. No. Mm, okay. So talk about there. How how how's the old Benj doing there? How is he doing? You're asking. Yeah. He's fine. He's uh, seven years old. Like, is he getting like smart like you? Like. Like, is he starting to question you or no? Well, yeah, why do you question me? Like, I mean, if you do something, he's like, well, Dad, why, why are you doing that? You know? Yeah, and, so, yeah, uh, yeah he, he, he will sometimes. <laughs> Give an example for, for the radio. I don't even remember. Like, occasionally he'll, he'll say something. Um, he asks why I stay up all night. <laughs> he asks about that. He says, why do you and stay do you up all say? night as a sleep of the day? I said, well, it's uh, you're at school anyway. Your mom's at work, so. You know, I just. So, uh, has, he, has he ever asked you, like, Dad, why does mom go to work and you don't? Or Yeah, he's, he's. It's tough to answer the poker related questions to him because I, I don't want him to just think that gambling is the solution to things. So, but then he, he's asked me how much I've won. He's asked me several times what I won when I won the bracelet. And then I have to explain to well, him. He knows was, about the brace. Yeah, well, and then I had to explain to him it's unusual that uh, you know I, that 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 was the most I ever won playing poker, and you know I've, I've had, so you actually gave him a dollar amount. Yeah, he actually knows what I won. Yeah, yeah. Well, he asked. I'm not going to just refuse to tell him. Well, I mean, you know, you're going to set Benj up for a poker career. I can, I, I know. No, that I, I was hoping he wasn't going to ask, but I, you know, he asked. Uh, you know, I won the bracelet. He asked, "Do you also win money with it?" I said, "Yes." And he said, "How much money?" And I said, "It was a lie." He was like, "How much is it?" He kept pressuring. So I finally told him. I said, <laughs> "I said three hundred forty-seven thousand three hundred eighty-five is what three hundred forty-seven thousand dollars for?" Uh, so well, yeah, but that only happened. So once. do you actually wear the bracelet around your house all the time, or like why is Ben seeing you on with? I don't understand. Like, you just, he, he, like, knows, he knows. He when I go to the. He there? knows when I go to the World Series in the summer that I'm trying to win a bracelet, and I've showed it to him before. He also really likes gold and diamonds, so. I was showing him that I had something that had both gold and diamonds on it. I mean, <laughs> that's very rare for you to have gold and diamonds because, yeah, I mean, other than the bracelet, there's no chance you're buying gold and diamonds on the side. No, but I was just telling that, uh, but it is, yeah, it's real gold and real diamonds. And in fact, uh, the 2005 bracelet, this is before they were contracting outside companies. They, they actually, they said they made it in-house. And I don't think they're actually like hammering out the bracelet in-house, but I think they just... <laughs> I think they probably just like hired uh, a contractor to make it for them rather than like they didn't have any big company they were contracting. But okay. I actually like, I like that style of bracelet better than the current ones because the current ones, they, they look kind of more like a watch, even though they're not watches, they kind of have a watch look to them in a way. This, this more looks more, more like what I'd expect a poker bracelet to look like. So, did you show him the uh, clip on YouTube of you spinning the chair, or has that? No, I mean, not he covered. Before? No, he. Yeah. I don't think he's seen that. No, but uh, the problem with that. that well, the other problem with that episode is I ultimately lose at the end, and also Norman right. Chad was bashing me the whole time. I mean, but the bench has to learn that you win and lose, right? You just don't always win, and that's 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 part of uh, nature, right? You just don't constantly keep winning. So you got to teach the bench that yes, I won a bracelet, but why well, I, I told him that. Lost I, I, well. I've to, I told him I've lost. Okay, and what did he say? Like, you're chunking off my potential inheritance here? Or? 
Well, you gotta say, why, why do you go there and then waste your money and lose like that? See, I know, I'm, the Ben's very smart. I can tell right now. He's gonna be like you. I mean, I'm gonna have to, look, you know, I have to have a saving with the Ben's. That's another thing next week. Oh, yeah, I'm afraid, I'm going. afraid to let Benjamin talk to you. <laughs> you won't let the Ben's talk to me. Come on. We need, that's, that's good radio. And bench and uh, and, old, he, and he, uh, he knows about, he, he knows about poker fraud alert too. He's aware of that. He's aware yeah, of that. So, does he, he know about me? Like no, no. He he doesn't read the site. He knows he knows a poker fraud alert. <laughs> he knows he knows he knows poker fraud alert. He knows, he knows the radio show is associated with poker fraud alert. And can you uh, imagine the bench going on poker fraud alert and seeing some of those images posted? Jesus. And well, that's why I I, I don't allow that to be posted except for in spoiler tags. Then there's. He's also uh, he he met Brandon twice once when he was a little baby and and once fairly recently. What happened to Brandon? He's is he giving me the snub or I never hear from him anymore. He hasn't been on the last few weeks. I'm not sure why. Like uh, let me see if he even answered me today. Sometimes he sleeps at really funny hours. Like he could have literally been sleeping this whole show. I'm not kidding. Let me see. Is it possible for TMMLK to get his own radio segment to get the, to get the keys to the uh, the vault here and uh, shoot up anytime he wants on air? Or? If you wanted, you'd have to have the right stuff to do it with. But yes, you could do your own show here if you wanted. Wow! What stuff do I need? I, I can tell you off the air what you need, but it's. Uh, I mean. You'll need a, a Skype account. That's well. You have a Skype account. But you'll need a, a way to call in with, with a phone number to it, and unless you just want to talk without being able to take calls, then you you, you need a certain you need a thing called Stereo Mix on your computer. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I've I've offered this before, and I'll offer this to others as well. If people want to do shows on Poker Fraud Alert, as long as it doesn't interfere with this show, then. You can do it. In fact, you can even just turn it on and do it. And as, as long as you adhere to some minimum standards, <laughs> they're not very strict standards. It's, you can't do anything illegal. You can't uh, you can't give out like people's personal information. You, like you, you basically can't break the site rules while you're doing the show. Uh, like as long as you adhere to those minimum rules, then then you can do your show on here, and that's fine. Like I, I've told people they can do that. In fact, I I thought it would be cool if instead of because the the radio now runs 24 hours, seven days a week, but most of that content is reruns. There's this one live show, and then the rest of the time it's reruns. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if like there were tons of people who did shows on here, and you could turn on the radio any time, and there would be a, a new live show going 24 hours a day. Now, that wouldn't happen, but, but even like if there was one every day at some point, and even I would listen. Maybe not to the whole thing, but I, I would turn it on and listen in the background when uh, people were doing their shows. So yes, you actually could do one, and you'll see you'll see it's not easy to come up with the, with the topics to talk about them to kind of run the show. My, I, I would have so many people calling in, Ruff. I, I mean, the, the site would be overloaded. You he, might he, here's the problem. Under, you, you would think you'd be under DOS, whatever attack it's called. No, here, here's what like, would wow, happen. This radio is like fucking has like four thousand people listening, and there there would be a novelty to it. There would be a novelty factor to it at the beginning, where people would say, "Oh, out here, okay, this is on radio show," and they'd want to call in, but then they'd quickly get bored. They they would. Yeah. If I, I hate to tell you, but. The ratings are pretty low right now. I'm looking. The ratings were, were a lot better last yeah, week you, at the end of the show. But you never you never put me in the description anymore. I mean, people want it. If you if you put TMMLK on air debating with you, 
Uh, but you, you know what you have to do as well, Jeff. You got to put on the times you talk of talk about these topics. Because when I listen to in the archives, right, I don't know when you're talking about it because half the time you're going on forty five minutes about the intro. Okay, but listen, and then, it's, in, it's in order, so just skip around. Just it's I know in order. it's in order, but it's just hard to find the time because you're all, like sometimes I skip too far ahead, and I mean you, you can just pinpoint like an like oh, approximate time on your piece of paper. See, this on a is, piece of paper, this is why I, I started I, the agenda. I need, I, I, need a, agenda. I, need, I need a producer. I need a producer to do all this. Well, the, all, what, is the Watt still on or, or the Roos? The Roos. Roos, are you there? No, he's always driving. He can't do this. Oh, the Roos is driving. Oh, okay. No, not right now. Right now he's in Vegas, but he's always driving. Well, I mean, or, he's driving or in Vegas so all the time. And then uh, Calwatt, by the way, he's sick this week. That's why he's not on. The old bot? No, but I mean, draft. I mean, you can, you, you know, when you start the show, so you just, you do a check mark. Pam, starting the show. Agenda. And then you do a check mark. It's not Agenda a check mark. I, I have to put the exact time. time. That's the hard it. part. Yeah, that's the hard part of the time, not the. It uh, takes the check two mark. seconds. I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, ra- that's called radio development. I mean, come on. That will make the, uh, the fans more happy out there. Yeah, they can like, skip to like certain segments. They know TMMLK is on. So. And then they can listen. TMMLK was on air from 5 a.m. until 6 a.m. PST time. And they're like, shit, I got to get to that time, you know? Like, <sighs> well, you're not, even you know? On the, you're not even on the agenda. Well, I know. But that's what I mean. I, w- I should be in the description this week, I would hope. TMMLK call, calls yeah, in. I mean, you'll make a description this week. Thought you- about his $5 internet and, and asked for donations to supplement the cost. And I mean, that should be in the description. Okay, you were you were on a long time tonight, so you'll be in the description. Okay. so I, this- I, I've been on the last few weeks. I've been in snub. I'm not <laughs> even in the script. I mean, what's going on? Balling! I mean, I think you're player hating on me. If I was, I wouldn't let you on for so long this week. Well, I'm, I'm good radio. I don't interrupt you. I, I'm, uh, I've, got, I've got a lot of good points to make, and sometimes you argue with me about them, but you've got to see it both ways. You can't just have it uh, drops high horse way all the time. Okay. Trader Rusk, are you still there? Rusk? Are you there? It, maybe the Rusk hit a deer or something because he was scribbling down. So maybe, you know, like. That's right. The last we heard from him, you, you complained that he was making noise, and now he's gone. <laughs> I think he's, he's here, but he's not answering, so. Did the Ruskin snap? Did I snap him off? No, you didn't snap him off, but it's possible that he, he that was the last thing and he fell asleep. Maybe the last thing he heard before he fell asleep was your yeah, voice. He's not driving. Uh, last I heard, he was at he was actually at the Golden Nuggets. Oh, the Ruskin. Maybe he's he's chasing. Maybe he's in he's in at the box table for you know. Yeah, is Ruskin a big gambler? What what's well, yeah he gambles. He, he, could, he could be playing video poker. Yeah, he gambles. So. We'll What's your latest gambling adventure? Have you been chunking off at the bike or wherever you go to play poker? I've, got, I've gone to Commerce a few times. I was I was thinking of going this week, but then it didn't happen. Um, I just didn't feel like making the drive and dealing with all that. It's just sometimes I, I feel like it, and then when I'm able to, when I have the time to do it, then just the thought of making that drive sucks, and I just say I don't want to do it. Like. Well, where do you live right now? Where are you residing right now? Well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm far enough from commerce to where it takes a while, especially if, if there's traffic, it really takes a while. But even if there's no traffic, it still takes some time. You know, I'm, I'm more you than live 50, in Vegas, right? No, I'm not in Vegas. I'm in California, and I'm more than, I'm more than 50 miles from commerce. So, well, well, California must have poker rooms. I mean... There, there's the, the only place 
or a casino. Really, only commerce and the bike are the only places I would really want to play with with the games they're offering. So, they're both far. There's no casinos in California. California is a huge. Do you know California? You could drive from one end to the other a thousand miles. It's, it's well, large. I know California is bigger than the country of Canada, but I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's not bigger. It's, it's more populous. It's, it's more populous. But even the size, it's very long. And then there's a lot I mean, of traffic in the LA area. There's a lot of traffic. So if you, what's very tilting with commerce is if you leave at the wrong time, then you're going to be in horrible traffic. So like, you'll just want to leave at like 8 a.m. if you've been playing all night, and you go, oh crap, it's a weekday at 8 a.m. It's going to be horrible getting back. You'll just be in horrendous traffic. And then if you've lost, that's even worse. Like if you've lost and you're just frustrated and you just want to get home and you're stuck in just terrible traffic and it takes two hours to get back, that's just the worst. So. There's no toll rolls you can go on that no. can alleviate some of that pain. Nothing you can do. You can't get the old limousine out. And what's funny is commerce points. actually they do actually have a commerce car that will drive you. <laughs> and so the funny thing is the the car will drive you home, and I think it's free. But uh, and I think it would even go as far as I am. But then you've got the problem of what do you do with your car that's still stuck at commerce. You got to find a way to get back there. I don't know if no. I see. I don't know if they'll do that. I don't know if they'll come get you. I know they'll drive you back. I don't know if they'll come get you. Why not? But there is a commerce car. In fact, it was. I wasn't sure if it was still operating, but someone brought it up at at, at the table that they wanted the commerce car. But then they said they wanted the commerce car to go to Vegas, and they refused. Actually, I'll I'll, I'll tell the story. It's a little story here. Some of you know this person, Millie Shu. Is uh, the one who used to, she, the Asian name? Yeah, she used to play on Poker Stars as Poker Snoopy. She was there all day and all night. Oh yeah, I know the Snoop. Yeah, yeah, Poker Snoopy. Anyway, she she's a nice woman. She's a little, a little bit older than me. Anyway, she she was uh, she wanted to go to Vegas. I think she's living in Vegas now. She used to live in Northern California. What's her name? I want to look her up. Maybe I'll be attracted. Her, her name is her name is Millie Shu. S H I U. She was married. I don't know if she still is. Millie Shu, I'm gonna look her up. She was she was married to to Vegan Boy on Poker Stars. Uh, but anyway, Millie was at the table with me and sitting right next to me, and she mentioned that she mm. she want she wanted mm. to go back to Vegas, but that she was tired. She was too tired to try to make the 300 mile drive. So then she said that she tried to see if the Commerce car would drive her to Vegas, and they said no, we don't go that far. You know, we'll go like 50 or 60 miles maximum, that's it. Then she started asking at the table if anyone there would drive her to Vegas for $300. You you must have been all over that. No, because I, I would, then I would be stuck in Vegas with nothing to do. Like, I, I don't want – it wouldn't be worth the time even to drive all that. If I'm going anyway, sure. If I, if I happen to be going anyway, that would be a great deal. But uh, if – I mean, it's like four hours away, right? So that's $75 an hour for the, you to drive. No, but they had to drive back. Well, I mean, you could stay there in a hotel. I mean, but but I don't. I, I wasn't planning to go. Twenty-five bucks. That's like, like wow. No, I wasn't planning like to go. You're in that package for two months no. on, so, on so the house. If I was right. if I was going there anyway, I would have accepted it, and and then it would be great. Then I I wouldn't have had a problem. Three hundred dollars. Uh, but so then, then I, I said to her, you know, I, I don't think people in this game you are playing. We were playing sixty-one twenty limit hold'em. I said I don't think anyone in this game is going to do it for three hundred dollars unless they're going anyway, because uh, you know it's only a few bets here. 
And she said, I know. I said, you know, I bet the people over on the other side of the low limit would do it. She said, yeah, I know, but I don't know if I could trust them. So she's, I think she's afraid she gets like some guy, just some strange guy in the low limit section to drive her that she'll wake up and he'll be raping her or something. So and I don't blame her. Like I, 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 I wouldn't trust someone over there either, especially, you know, her being this like small Asian girl. Like how could she trust someone, especially like a how man? How old is this girl? She looks like she's in her 40s. She is. She's older. I think she's like 48 or something. She's like, I think a little older than me. Yeah, I can tell. I'm looking at some pics here. Yeah, and she's not young. She's, she, but uh, um, she's got a ring on, fancy rings. So I think she's still married. Yeah, so so she, so she she wanted to get back to Vegas, but they couldn't find anyone to drive. So the the problem was the high limit players who she knew she trusted enough to drive her there and not do anything. But she said she's just going to go to sleep. So like, um, she knew like I've been around forever. She knew she like if I drove and she just slept in the car that nothing bad would happen but like there's some random from the low limit section she couldn't trust because she doesn't know these people so the high limit players most of them she would trust but uh they wouldn't do it it's not worth it and the low limit players it's worth it to them but she couldn't trust them so she she ended up never i I left before she did i that was towards the end of my session so i don't know what she ended up doing how much would a cab or an Uber cost to go there? Like, I mean, uh, it would cost a lot because of the reason they had to go back. Because they had to spend a lot of hours because there's the gas charges. You know, just like the gas alone would be more than a hundred dollars both ways. And then, and then four hours. You know, it's both Eight ways. Hours? It's both ways. It's it's it's. It would How be, far is it? It's like it's like three hundred miles each way. So that it's like six hundred miles. So they'd pay about a hundred dollars in gas probably, and then they they also just general wear and tear in the car, all the hours. And like so, like it's just uh, you'd have to be. I don't think. Yeah, I think it'd be much more than than three hundred dollars to do that on Uber. Uh, so you really just have to find someone who doesn't have much money to where it's worth it for them to do this to do the eight to nine hours of driving, probably more like nine hours of driving total, uh, and and and, and still spend a hundred and still spend a hundred on gas. I think she even said she. I think she said she'd pay for the gas. I think she did say that that she'd pay for the gas. You know, two offering four hundred. You turned it down. No, but you, I wouldn't make the money on the gas though. That would be going to the gas well, station. I know, but still, for 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 no, your high port. Wow, no, it wasn't you would have it. internet for like three months. I, I'd, I'd rather win a few extra bets at the at the game than uh, do a pointless round trip to Vegas. I mean, wow. You're turning out. That's like that's a good uh, markup. Four hundred, four hundred for for draft. That's if, like fifty dollars an hour. That's actually that is fifty dollars an hour. No, because I'm not getting it. Some of it, some of it is gas, and also some of it is is where is where on my car too. That's and I don't have what a cheap kind of car. car are you driving that? I it, mean, you're hitting deers, draft. I mean, what kind of condition is your car in? No, they actually did a very good job repairing it. You can't even tell. Did Did you go through insurance? Or no, you, you know what's sad? The 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 deer actually made me money. You know, they, you always have to tell insurance you the deer hit you. You never tell them you hit. The no, deer. believe it or not, the deer it doesn't matter with an animal. It doesn't matter if if an, well, if, if, if you hit an animal, they assume that the animal didn't make an attempt to avoid you, so it didn't matter because they know a lot of times the animal really does just jump out in front. Of, no, the and that's what happened. The animal just really did jump out in front of me. But uh, anyway, the 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 reason I made money on it was that there was some damage on the front of the car anyway. And then, uh, because the whole thing got replaced, they uh, oh. I was just about to repair it, too. There was some damage that, that I had made myself that I was just about to repair and pay for it. And then this happened. Just some minor damage to the front, like a scrape or something. See, what are you doing? How are you driving around? I mean, you sound like a reckless driver the way you're talking. You're hitting deers and <laughs> scraping into things. I mean... 
So, Jesus. So it was like from a curb or something like that. So anyway, it's it, curb. Yeah, like a curb, like a high curb that I pulled up too too close. Something oh, like that. So, so anyway, the I was just about to get it fixed, and then the deer thing happened. So then it got fixed anyway, and I so I actually saved money thanks to that deer. So the deer, the deer didn't sacrifice its life for nothing. Well, how much was the repair? I mean, that could cost you a uh, residual value on your uh, if you ever want to sell that car. It's been in an accident. Okay, that is true. That that that, uh, that, oh. that is it. but 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 hold on. Uh, but I didn't choose. Like oh. I, I didn't intentionally hit the deer. Though I'm saying that uh, for the moment, the deer. No, actually... but people look at it and say, "Well, this car has been in a." No, you know, because it was it wasn't it wasn't like, major for me. Like I, TMLK was looking at cars, for example, right, and he noticed that um, there was twenty five hundred dollar repair cost on it on the front bumper or wherever you're not going to buy that car over a, a competing car i'll it, tell you it, why it's not going to matter not. i usually drive the cars long enough to where by the time i sell them the amount they're worth doesn't matter that it much for zero. the condition no i know it, it just doesn't matter zero. for the condition very much it, it's not they're not looking as long as the car looks good and operates well uh, then it's been that, in an accident, though. People don't want to buy accident cars. No, if it's a small thing that happened in the front, it's not a big deal. If it was like all well, how much does it repair, though? I mean, it costs a fortune to do repairs nowadays. Yeah, but that's, it depends how bad the damage was and where it was. Like you, you don't want. Well, you're it picking to, up parts on the side of the road. You just told us. But it, these weren't mechanical. Po- these were to show you how it didn't have to do with the mechanical part. I drove the car all the way back from Lake Tahoe. I drove. I finished the drive to Tahoe, and I drove all the way back from Tahoe home, like 500 miles, and then got it repaired. So that showed you the car was still running fine. Yeah, but people don't know that, though. They just look at the repair bill. There's no explanation on the repair summary that Todd drove from Lake Tahoe and back with uh, no issues. They're not going to see any repair bill. I'm not even sure if it's going to show up in any record. See, that's... Uh, that, what about the old car proof? They don't have that in the states. It's called Carfax. I don't know if it would, it may or may not show up. I don't know if it does. But uh, well, how much was the repair though? It was uh, it was expensive because it, it's it's uh, a number of these expensive cosmetic things had to be replaced. But it was not uh, it was not okay. But being being uh, being somebody that is um, frugal, if you saw two identical cars you wanted to buy, you would not buy the car in the accident. I don't even the think there's not going to be two identical cars. It's, it's believe me. When, no, when I, I mean, no, there is. No, this this is not that common. Kilometer wise and color. The car is not the car is not that common to where when I sell it, I'm going to be competing. What are you driving? Uh, a Bent or no? I'm driving a BMW, but it's a type of BMW. It's not that common to where there's going to be. It's not super rare, but it's not going to be that common to where it's likely that there will be others being sold in the area with comparable mileage. There won't be. Are you are you squeezing a BMW three or, or no, a higher? No, a lot higher. You squeezing a set? I'm not going to go into specifics, but it's a, it's a lot higher. So, but but I I, I I I usually drive each car I get. I get them new and then I drive them about nine years and then I sell them. And you probably get what twenty percent. Yeah, no, I get I get worse than that. It, it goes way down by that. But uh, no, because I put a lot of miles on, so by the end it's it's really worth much much less. But that's fine. You know? So why don't you just buy a cheaper car and that's due tip of the day for you. You just buy a, like a, a lower class car because, I mean, you're. it seems to me you're a reckless driver and then that way um, you'll save in the long run for uh, the Benj and your the World Series of Poker uh, buy-ins, you know? No. 
just buy like a Toyota or a Civ and no, just drive that around. In fact, even though I, I even though I buy expensive cars anyway. because I put nine years into them, it actually a lot of people they they get restless after like three years. They want to get a new car. I'm not like that. I'll just uh, I go with it for nine years and put a lot of miles and then uh, replace it. But you can buy this BMW bought probably cost you forty fifty thousand, where you can buy another car alternatively for fifteen thousand. Uh, it was actually a lot more than forty. Do the same thing. It's a lot more than forty. Well, 000. I mean. Okay, well, okay, see money. Like, we're, okay, so you're driving an Audi. Like, see money. Come on, like, whatever. What I'm, what I'm saying is that um, why don't you buy a fifteen thousand dollar car and do the same thing? I'm not gonna do that. But you just drive it. Nobody. Yeah. Do you think people look at you at a stoplight and say, "Hey, that's tall, that's Todd Dandruff Vitalis"? No, it's not about PFA. that. It's no, it's, it's about the quality of the car. I can tell you when I rent cars on trips. I can tell I'm, I'm driving something of much lower quality, and you know I, I have no choice. But but I'm when I get back in my own vehicle, it feels so much better. Even though my vehicle is now five years old, it still feels so much better. I'm surprised with you because you're you're very frugal, and I mean I thought you'd be driving something that's uh, of lower no, see, standards. See, I, I, I get frugal. You're wasting all your money on depreciation. I, I, th- I think you're mean? misunderstanding because I'm frugal in that. I want to get good value, but it's it's not. Uh, but I, I don't. Buying cars is not good value. But, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't shun things of, of value. I, I I don't shun things that are quality that happen to be expensive. And um, I what I just don't like is overpaying for the exact same thing. Like I don't want to buy something that uh, um, I could get for a hundred dollars. I don't want to pay two hundred dollars for it. Like that. That's what I don't like doing. But I, I don't just get crap. It happens to be cheaper. Like uh, I've you're talked about the seventy thousand dollar car that when you sell, you get six thousand for it. Yeah, but then the whole time I have a car that isn't that good. What what, what I've like like I, I bring the hotel example up. I know it's different than the car, but the, the hotel example that I'm not going to say what's the cheapest hotel in town because I'm going to stay in some terrible place if I do that. Drop. You stay at the uh, Rio in Vegas for the World Series. That's for convenience. Let's be no, that's for convenience. Listen, but listen, this is what I do. No, I, no, I look. No, no, no. I look for the I, other than the the Rio is a different story because that's for convenience, so I can walk right down to the oh, tournament and walk back up during breaks. But aside from that, I look for value, but I don't I, I accept the lowest end. Like I don't want to get some low end property because that's crap, and often that's not the best value anyway. It's the cheapest, but it's not the best value. So if if a, a very nice hotel is the most expensive in town, but it's not that much more expensive than kind of a mid-grade hotel, I'll get the nicest one because that's the best value. If uh, if the nicest one is way more expensive than the mid-grade hotel, that's a good deal, I'll get the mid-grade one. So that's 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 what I do. I look for what is the best value here. And then, you know, it's a very nice feeling. You go into hotels, a you know, beautiful hotel room that's... that's uh, in a luxury property, and and you're and you're getting it for you know fifty dollars a night more than than, than just I mean, a, than, hold on a second, hold on a second. I mean, every time I log on to the PFA, you're always complaining about your hotels you're staying in that don't have proper water and the air conditioning's broken. What kind of hotels are you staying in that are high value? Where are you staying? If you're on a long trip, there will always be fail at some property. You, you, but, I know, but you're saying that you're. I mean, come on. I don't say this happens at every hotel I go to. I say that there will be after a number of hotels, you'll run into some fail. Uh, it's inevitable, even at nice places. Now it's more likely. Even at the five stars. Even sometimes that'll happen. Now it's less common, but yes, even sometimes there. I like here. Here's here's a great deal I got a year ago, almost a year ago. It was in okay. April 2017, right on Times Square, on the top floor 
of uh, of a hotel, a nice hotel with a, with a great view of the of the river, uh, of the Hudson River, and you're looking into New Jersey, and that was and it was a, a big suite that had a, a big living room area and a separate bedroom. That thing, and this is in in Times Square. Every a tiny little hotel room there is is, is like three hundred a night. I, I got it for like three thirty a night. This this room that I just described. That was what, what does it go for normally? Like twelve hundred a night. I got it for like three twenty. That that was one of my best deals. So how so, did you do that? Uh, through Jewish shenanigans. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing illegal. It was all legal. But uh, well, I mean, you probably said you were some sort of associated member. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't lie about anything. There was. No, I didn't lie. I was honest about everything. There was, there was. There was no. There was no lying or deception involved. So it was just uh, figuring out how the system worked. But I. I, I I did not lie about who I was or what my status was or, or, uh, or anything else like that, and nothing illegal was done and nothing dishonest was done. But uh, now I don't always get deals like that. But uh, like, so if someone said, "Would you rather have that for three hundred twenty a night, or would you rather have uh, just an okay hotel room for two hundred a night?" Of course, I'd take that. That's that's something special there. Why would I? You know, the, the difference there wouldn't be worth giving up the thing that's so great. But but you know but if would I have paid twelve hundred a night for this? No. So in fact, the most I've ever paid for a hotel per night oh, was uh, like like four twenty. So I've never. Wow. But that sounds like a lot. But there's people who've paid a lot more than that. I know people who paid a thousand. No, a I night, mean for you, your standards. I mean, Jesus, I thought you, I thought you'd be staying at like the uh, the eighty dollar hotel. No, I, I don't like those. Mean? I don't want to stay in crappy places. I don't want to stay in crappy places. I don't want to eat crappy food. Uh, it doesn't have to be the very best all the time, but it has to be at least decent. And if it's not, then I don't enjoy it. I mean, you stay at the Rio when you can the stay at the win. The Rio's the, the only except, the Rio's the exception because of the World Series. So, it, it is. You can get it. You can get an Uber. You can take a taxi. No, that sucks. Know? Especially during breaks, I want to go up like the, the the dinner break. I want to go up to my room. It's so much nicer to be able to walk to and from the tournament. The dinner breaks for how long? It takes you like, – Vegas is huge. It takes you like, 20 minutes to walk to your room. No. That's why I stay in the right tower, in the right room. I, I, I know the property very well. <laughs> so you I, – I, I, do you get like a room like that's like really close to the elevator? And, yes. Like, yes. Like first, first, uh, first I, I don't want to give too, I don't want to give too much away, but I get a room that, that is convenient for me to get to and from the World Series. Like are we talking like first floor? No, no, no. But convenient yet not uh, disruptive to me. I want to be able to sleep without noise, though. So I, I, I've got it. I've got it all figured out. I don't want to give too much information. I don't want other people to copy me and take the rooms. It's already. In fact, no, it's not even a joke. Last year, when I was requesting those rooms for the first time, they told me, "Oh, we have a lot of requests for that exact location." I'm like crap. Before no one requested it, so I'm sure some people realized it on their own. I'm sure it wasn't just my own ideas, but with all those players there. But I'm like crap. Did I give too much away on my radio show? Or there's like other radio listeners that are staying. Uh, in the, before like nobody was requesting these rooms, and I was like, they were surprised that like a seven star was requesting these very ordinary rooms. That uh, and why that connected to seasons. Like I was actually turning down suites and stuff. I was like, no, no, I don't want a suite. Just put me there, and they weren't understanding. And now they're like, oh yeah, well, they, these are so commonly requested. So I think. Hold people- on. So Rio's associated with Caesars? Yes, you didn't know that. How can you not know that by well, now? I, I don't know. I mean, they, they change all the but time. But that's where the, no. But that's where the World Series is, and Caesars it runs the World Series. Used to be Series. the Hilton, right there. It used to be the Hilton. No, the, the, no, the, no, the Hilton is now the Westgate. Oh, okay. 
I don't know. Whatever. Of course, the Rio is the, the Caesars because Caesars runs the World Series. It's at their own well, property. I mean, I don't know. I thought, you know. So yeah. you're a seven star, so they obviously comp you. and Yeah, except this year I'm not completely comp there because of stupid changes. That's it's obnoxious. So, but why you should get priority over anybody else? I mean, no, I do. Just don't I, book the exact room. That, that's how I. That's how I managed to get it. That's how I managed to get it. Unless someone actually has it blocked off or whatever, then I can't, have no choice. It doesn't matter what they are. How's ever blocked off? If, if for like an event? No, if they're already there or something. If someone's already got there before me and, and got the room, well, I can. I mean, only, you're I, seven star. You book it like two days in advance. No, I see. I can't. They will not allow me to not block off. the room off for my dates. I can only do it as same day. What I can do is I can call them the same day, and they can give me priority. They can block off that room for me for that same day. But I can't – if someone was already in it the day before, I can't kick them out, nor can I prevent them from you taking it. You can't kick them out, but you can why – can't, why don't you negotiate with them and say, listen, I'm a seven-star for the last 12 years. I want this room for blocked off three days they, in advance. No, they won't do it. They, they, won't, they only no, do it – You're still only, using your free night. They will only do it the same day, and believe me, even that – they don't want to do it first, and I have to talk them into it. They, they hotels have, have to this too. Hotel, hotels, and that's TMLK's suggestion of hotel, the, the, the night. Hotels all have this stupid policy that you get your room when you show up. And I always, I always argue with hotels about this. I call up beforehand. I say I'm not going to be there till ten o'clock or eleven o'clock at night. I don't want the last choice of rooms. Well, that's how it works, sir. I go, no, I'm not paying any less than the person showing up at four o'clock. I just happen to be farther away, or I happen to be you know, flying in later. So, since you know I'm coming, since I've guaranteed this night, I've prepaid for this night. You know, I can't back out now because I've already, you know, it's past the cancellation That's period. Calm. It's not no whether it's comp or not. I, I since I, I I go since I'm guaranteed for this night, it's not a matter of being afraid I'm not sh- going to show up. So why should I have less priority? I understand if you don't know the room I want until I get there, but I'm telling you right now at ten in the morning that. I don't want the last choice of rooms. I'd like to pick a room right now. And it, it's funny. Like at first they argue and then they finally concede. They go, yeah, you know, you, we, we understand your point. Yeah, you're right. You know, if you, if you just because you show up late doesn't mean you should get the worst rooms. Like, yeah, exactly. So then I, then I get them to hold a room, not just the real. I get like, I get every, pretty much every hotel I go to, I call up beforehand and I, <laughs> and, and I have them hold a specific room or a specific type of room. Cause I know if I Jeez. get there late, I'm, no, if I get there late, I get the worst priority and then I get the very worst rooms on property. The ones people didn't want to stay in with maintenance problems, the ones that are noisy, uh, the ones that are just bad locations. Like I don't want, why should I get the worst room there? So I, I call up in the morning and I ask, uh, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I call up in the morning and I, I talk them into just about every single hotel to hold something for me. So why don't you do that the night before and just say I'm coming down and you're not coming down and then that's the funny thing is because they never want to do it the night before just in case someone who's currently in rooms wants to extend their stay they want to just be sure of what inventory they have so that's understand seven star member it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you're not not asking for a suite if I was if I was a super high roller then you're right but I'm not so they pretty much I, I have to wait for the same day but most people can't even do that most people call up. They try to do that, and they're told we can't, and then they just accept it and hang up. I don't accept it because I know that you can talk them into it. Hold and, on a second. How many stars are there? You're a seven, so I mean – Because there's different – There's an eight star or sort seven of. star there's, plus? There's, or? there's different uh, levels of seven star. You, know, you can get hosts to do this, but the, I don't – the hosts know that I'm a, a bonus horse. So, um, <laughs> now, you know what's funny? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Maybe you heard this story before, and then I'm going to shut down the show. Oh, I this, this, this is uh, – 
I'm not sure if I told it though. Uh, one time, yeah, on the railway, I went to a. Uh, it was in the desert. I'm not going to say exactly where, but somewhere. It wasn't Vegas, but I was going in the desert to stay in the desert. I just I need to stay in a hotel for one night, and there was some problem with the rate I was trying to book with the internet, and uh, they were having some trouble getting to work right. Anyway, I uh, I got the manager on the phone. And she said, oh, we've already sold it all out at this rate. And I had to explain to her it's still showing on the internet. Like, I talked her into it. She didn't have to do it for me, but she uh, she did it for me. So then I said, um, oh, by the way, um, I'm uh, – this is a, like a – it was at a, a Hilton property. I said, by the way, I'm, I'm a Hilton Gold member, and I know I'm entitled to a free upgrade. So – um, so, 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 you know, um, can you put me in for that? And she got really pissed. The manager, she, she, she says, what, you're looking for an upgrade now? I said, well, no, no, I'm not, it's not that I'm looking for it. It's that I'm a gold. I'm entitled to it. Oh, I just gave you a special rate. I said, well, I didn't know I'm, uh, that, that doesn't mean I should be forfeiting my upgrade. And, and she says, uh, well, an upgrade will cost you that she's telling me like, it's going to cost me. And I'm like, you know, so, uh, so then I, I, I said, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you, you know, you agreed to this rate with me, which I appreciate. Thank you for doing that. But that I, I didn't agree to this rate. But then you take away my Hilton Gold uh, benefits for, for this property. That's a, that you're not allowed to do that. So she was getting really pissed because she felt like she did me a favor. And then I'm trying to ask for the upgrade, which I wasn't doing just to be a dick. I was like, I, I really did need the extra room because I, it wasn't just me. It was the, the family there. So I could tell she really hated me by this point. And then uh, she says, hold on, let me take a look. Oh, well, all the rooms are full, so there's nothing to upgrade you to. So, sorry. So I wasn't sure if I believed her. But I dropped it at that point. So the day of... Did you have the colonel fall back in? No, no, the, I, that would have been a good idea. But the day of, I just called as myself. This is <laughs> you know, when it was time to actually go there. And I reached somebody else, of course, just a girl who answered the phone. And I said... Uh, Hey, I'm coming in today. Um, first of all, I want to make sure you block a room for me that, you know, the usual story like I just told you. And I, could, I said, by the way, since I'm a Hilton Gold, uh, I want to see if you have any higher tier rooms available that you could upgrade me to. So she says, hold on a second. She looks at the, uh, and then she, she, she puts me on hold for a long time. I almost hung up on her because I was on hold like 10 minutes or something. Like something absurdly long for this. And then she comes back and she says, um, this is really weird. I've never seen this before. This is like the first time I've ever seen anything this way. But I, I just – I was going to upgrade your room. But I just went into your account and it says, do not upgrade him under any circumstances. And she says, I don't know why I would say that. I've never seen anything like this before. But it was, it was put there by the manager. And I said, Really? I said, yeah. I said, so you're telling me there are upgraded rooms. There are rooms that I could have upgraded to, but that you can't do it because the manager put a note there that you're not allowed to. She says, yeah, yeah. I've never seen. I go, oh, okay. Well, uh, oh, so she shouldn't have said that to me. She she stupidly read that to me. So I said, it's a bad decision. So, I'm sorry. So I said to her, well, you realize this is against Hilton rules, right? You have to honor the benefits of the program. Now, yes, if the place is full then you don't have to upgrade me. That's correct. But 
you, th- there's no such thing as just we don't like this guy. Don't upgrade him under any circumstances. That's totally against the program rules, and and this property could really get in trouble for this. Well, she says, um, hold on, let me speak to my manager. So she went to, spe- to speak to the second in command manager. Yeah, the property manager wasn't even there. The other one that didn't like me. So she went to go speak to someone who didn't know me, who was the second in command manager. And she told him, and she was panicking. And she says to him, like. What do I do here? I just accidentally gave away this, you know. If she, if if, uh, uh, if 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 our boss finds out well, about this, gets back to, yeah, yeah if, if she finds out, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in such trouble, and, you know. So, what do I do? And and so, he said, "Give it to me." So the the assistant manager came on, and he says, "Yeah." So I told him again that, that you can't do this. This is against Hilton uh, Hilton policy. And he said, "Oh no no no! I understand. Uh, look, I I don't know what happened here with the manager, but she's not here right now. But look." Don't worry about it. I'm just going to take care of it. I've, I've upgraded you to the very best room on the property. And, uh, and hey, you, you mentioned you, you, you're getting a rollaway bed, right? I said, yeah. I said, so, so you want me to go up there? I can, I can make the rollaway bed for you. What else would you like me to do with it? He was trying to like kiss my ass to like ask me every little thing I want for the room. <laughs> and, he said, and it's on the fourth floor. Is that okay? I can move to the third floor if you don't like the fourth floor. Like he was doing everything he could to make it so I don't complain because he didn't want his boss to find out about it. And he figured that she would just never know that I was in the upgraded room because, you know, she, this was weeks ago when she put that note. So he figured if she just never heard about all this and I left satisfied, that was the way to get out of it. So he did this to basically protect the girl who was under him. I wonder if he was having sex with her. But uh, <laughs> whatever it was, they, they purposely did this so I wouldn't uh, bitch because if I found out about this, then not only would the property get in trouble and this and the, and the property manager get in trouble, but then the girl under her would get in trouble for telling me. So so this guy figured the only thing he could possibly do is give, give me the upgraded room and then kiss my ass. And I could tell, and I, I didn't want to take advantage of that too much. I just said, oh, you know, thank you for the room. No, 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 you don't have to do anything for me. I'll, you know, I'll make the bed myself. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, just make sure the rollaway's in there and, uh, uh, and make sure I have that room and no one gives it away. And that's all. That's, uh, I mean, so so after the stay, you didn't like call into the old hilt and complain, or no, no, I didn't. No, because I, I, I because I didn't want to get that poor girl in trouble. Like like she she could have just bullshitted me like that first manager did, but because she told she was too honest with me, and told me the nasty note that was about me, then uh, you know at at the very least I didn't want to see people get. I wouldn't have been if I could have gotten the property manager in trouble that I might have. But there was no way to do that without getting the other girl in trouble, so I didn't want to do that. I just was. Why you just call up the old Hilton and complain about her? And no, but the, but the, but then the, but then they'll ask how I found. Then that woman will wonder how I found it out, and then she'll she'll know that someone must have told me. So, well, I, it doesn't matter. She has to deal with corp, old corporate. I, I didn't I didn't want to jeopardize the other employees there. So, uh, and she sounded like a, this manager sounded like a complete bitch, and I didn't want her taking it out on the employees. Even if she didn't fire them, like I could just imagine how she would have treated them if she found out that them tell, someone telling me there was the reason this was happening to her. I was just like, I know someone's life is going to be made miserable over this, and not the right people. So, like, like she, if she got in trouble, she would have made others miserable over it. So, I was like, you know what? I got my room, and. Uh, so that's that's all I needed. But that was funny that they actually she tried to put the nasty note in. They, they totally can't do that. Like this is this is not like just a mom and pop hotel where they can just make these decisions. They they cannot override the program's benefits because they don't like the person. But yeah, how long ago was this? This we was have to get the colonel to call. This was uh, oh, let me think. It wasn't that long ago. It was, I think it was in 2016. 
You must have notes on this lady's name and everything. Probably not any, no, probably not anymore because I I don't keep that around after you know after the, everything's successful. There's not no, really I do I do you made notes though I I do it. No, I, okay, name, when I make when I make a when, when I make a reservation, I make notes because I, I <laughs> no because I want to know what I was offered and I I actually got burned last year because I did and the one time I didn't make notes I got burned this one place in Canada <laughs> this one place in in Canada in your country uh, oh, okay. in, in, in Alberta. It was a, a mom and pop place in the middle of nowhere, and I call up and I get this old guy who almost sounds like he's not completely there, and he told me he told me that uh, it was one hundred twenty dollars a night. It was only staying for one night, so one hundred twenty dollars. And I told him that I want a quiet room because there was there were rooms that were close to the road that were very noisy, and the ones by the river that were quiet. So I told him I want the quiet room. He said, "Okay, a quiet room." He thought it was kind of like, "Oh, well, well, you know, you want a quiet room, so." Uh, you know, how quiet do you want it? You know, it's not whisper quiet everywhere. I'm like, no, no, no. I just want it to like it's not road <laughs> noise. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, like, not road noise. Like, I just want somewhere I can sleep without a whole lot of noise. Well, I can't, I can't guarantee everyone will be, you know, totally silent around you. But, but, you know, but I'll give you a quiet room. I'll give you the quietest room on the property. I said, okay, thank. So anyway, Jesus. so I said, so it's 120 dollars, right? 120 dollars. I said, okay. Now, can you send me a confirmation email? Is that yeah? You know, I'm booking with him on the phone. Oh yeah, I'll send it to you. So I give him my email address. I get an email. Uh, you know, this is your official confirmation that is like a, like it's the typed out email that you're coming in on this date, leaving the next day um, for, for for you know this bed type. And that was it. It didn't say anything about the quiet room and it didn't say the price. But of course not. now, like an idiot, I didn't bother to call back and and like hassle this old guy to send me a, a better confirmation. I just kind of trusted him. I kind of thought it was like just some charming place run by a, a uh, an old couple that uh, you know that the guy that I'm not going to get screwed. Well, of course that was a mistake. I did call him the day before and reminded them about the quiet room thing. And said, oh yeah, of course. This time I spoke to his wife, who seemed kind of bitchy. Oh sure, yeah, Jeez. we'll give you a quiet room, of course. But you know, don't worry about it. I get there. First of all, they want to charge me 145 dollars and not 120. So that was the first problem. <laughs> And then I couldn't prove it because my confirmation said nothing. And then, and then I, they told me to check the website, which I did while I'm standing there at the front desk. I check on my phone and they were right that their, their standard price was $145. I think the guy just told me the wrong thing. So I, dry, I actually dropped that because I couldn't prove it. And because wow. that was their standard price, I said, okay, fine, I'll drop that part. But I said, but then, so she gave me the key. She's already kind of pissed off at me that I argued and then, and then almost like conceded they were right and looked like a fool. So then I, I, uh, I go to the room and I go, wait a minute, this is right by the frickin' road. So I go back there and she, I say to her, you know, I, I called yesterday about the quiet room and also when I booked with your husband, I saw it's a quiet room and this is right by the road and she was pissed and she goes, every room here is quiet. It's objective. Quiet's objective. What's quiet for one person not quiet for another. I said, no, no, but the river, that's obviously much quieter because it's right by a river and this is, you know, this is sitting right next to the road. It's not even close. And she goes, you know, this isn't working out. I think you should just leave. Well, I had nowhere to go. Oh, you got still boot. No, no, I, I almost did, but I said I don't have anywhere else to go. This is a we're in the middle of nowhere here. I got you got to honor the reservation. Like a, uh, so so I went back to the, uh, the the noisy room, and just dealt with it. And then, of all things, just to add insult to injury, it turns out that the place they closed the office at nine thirty, and there's no phone number to reach them. So of course, at like ten o'clock, the toilet got clogged. <laughs> And and there's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> so we had no like after ten o'clock we had no the toilet couldn't flush we could still piss in it or whatever you couldn't flush it. So 
and, and then and then oddly it fixed itself overnight. But uh, uh, so that was annoying too. And uh, but but Jesus. that was the one time I like I always am very very particular about it getting an accurate confirmation. This is the one time I didn't, and I got screwed because I didn't. And, and you uh, didn't check the reviews online either. No, they were good actually. They were mostly good. That's why I was actually excited about this place. It seemed really cool online, and then it was a fail. And then on that same trip, there was another one that I, I only booked near Jasper that I thought was going to be a gigantic fail because uh, there was hardly anything available. I pretty much took the last thing, and I thought it was going to be crappy because the reviews were crappy. And it was very nice. Yeah. So so one I thought was going to be awful and was very nice, and one I thought was going to be great and, and was crappy. So you never know. Usually the reviews are pretty good but sometimes sometimes you, it's off like that it it is very unusual for the reviews to be bad and the place ends up good but that that was that did happen so but yeah that that's i always do get a confirmation and uh uh but but wow. yeah I, but i'm always very particular like which way i face and because i never want to face the ro- i never want to face the road the road is always or or if it's a busy parking lot i don't want to face that either i always want to face the quiet side it, it's a very big difference very big difference. Was the second room? Was the second hotel whisper quiet or to your convenience? Or? Um, the better hotel, believe it or not, that actually was the one thing I didn't like was that it, it wasn't all that quiet. But it happened. The thing was after like ten o'clock at night, that one was on a road that really went in a direction that nobody would go late at night because it kind of went to a place that would be uncommon for anyone to want to go to very late. So. The, the traffic died after that time, so it wasn't noisy anymore. But the first well, one... You got what you wanted. The first one I was talking about, that one had traffic... I mean, yes, it died down some at night, but there was some traffic all night, so it's off a main highway. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the, with traveling, there's always surprises. If you have a long trip, I mean, that trip was two weeks. If you have a long trip, there's always going to be the occasional surprise or fail. And uh, I remember there was a trip three years ago in the summer that... Everything had no fail. Like every hotel went well, and we were coming to the very end of the trip. And I said to Benjamin's mom, "I can't believe this. We've had zero fail so far in any hotel, and it's hard to believe we'll get through a, a two-week trip without any fail in any hotel." And of course, the very next night, there's fail. Like <laughs> that, that had to happen. I wasn't looking for it. I was. I was actually happy that for once there was no fail. And when I say fail, like I'm not even like. I'm not trying to be petty. Like there's, there's minor problems. I don't freak out. It's just like uh, there's major things where you know, it's very noisy, or there's major maintenance problems, or you know, it's very dirty. The folio doesn't, doesn't add up. Yeah, the folio doesn't add up. That's. I'm glad you're speaking of, of folios. I still never see folios ever mentioned except for hotels. The old folios. How often do you stay in hotels? Not often. I didn't think so. I kind of just picture you. Just kind of, no, I kind of picture you just stay there, and uh, I don't even know what you do all day. But maybe see the Asian girlfriend. You, you don't. Have, are you still with her or no? Are you broken up with her? Now? Well, I mean, no, not with the same one, but um, it, it's complicated. Do you ever? Do you ever go out with white girls? Uh, no, I, I prefer the Asian girls. Have you ever gone out with a white girl for more than like once or twice? I've been out with a white girl before, yeah. No, no, no. But have you ever like like dated one for any length of time, even like a month? Um, no. Wow. Mm. Not that I know. Of. Not that I can think of. Interesting. Well, 
I know I know you don't like the Asian girls. So. It's not that I don't like them. I just I just prefer you don't find what, them attractive. No, I I find some Asian girls attractive. Uh, I just typically don't find them as attractive as I find white girls. So I feel, I've actually felt before that uh, when I'm with an Asian girl that uh, it's kind of unfair to her because I think other guys would appreciate her more than I would. Even if I'm fi- even if I find her attractive. I have dated Asian girls before, and I've had that thought. I've thought like, okay, I'm attracted to her, but like, I th- I bet there's guys out there, including like other white guys, would be like really excited to be dating this girl. And I'm kind of just kind of saying, ah, she's okay. Like, a, like I just feel like she, she's being underutilized with me. I kind of feel bad. Like, like I shouldn't it shouldn't shouldn't be wasted on me if I don't fully appreciate her like some other guys would. So, like that, that's another reason I just don't want to do it. And uh, so yeah, I've I've almost. Almost all the girls I've dated have been white. It's kind of like the scaler snubbing the uh, the girl on blind date. She was pretty attractive for her age. I mean, T.M. Mulcahy would probably date her, and he's uh, much younger. Well, not now, maybe, but <laughs> at the time, I would. Well, I mean, the scaler is very picky when it comes to the ladies. Yeah, no, she, they she, have she to did be within like one month of birth of to him, and um, well, you know, yeah, he doesn't. You know? No, he doesn't like girls his age. He wants the younger girls. Master, I know, that's what I mean. Yeah, Master Scaler like, like way younger, like not a month younger than him. I mean, like he, 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 Master Scaler is forty eight now, so he's about to turn forty. He's turning forty eight this month. He's turning forty eight this month, and he would not want to date a woman who's forty eight. So, what's the master's like um, relationship status? Like, he has to been single for a long time. Yes, he, he is very long time he's been single. I think occasionally yeah. he'll, <laughs> occasionally he'll meet some girl somewhere and mess around with her, but from uh, some. Shady source and won't tell me about it because he's embarrassed. She gets to, usually she's not very attractive. And does uh, the master go to any of those um, L.A. Um, area um, brothels or what do you call? No, them I, he doesn't. I, he doesn't really get hookers. He also can't really afford it much. But like that's not really his thing. But he, uh, but he's gone to like like fat girl clubs and the fat girl clubs are not like like they're, they're not just fat they're like huge like like the fat girl clubs are not like 200 pounds they're like you know 300 350 400 like they're, they're, they're gigantic they're gigantic <laughs> over there so like like the um like the court the court plus no i i even I, I even knew a girl a long time ago Jesus. who was like 200 pounds and she went to those clubs and she bragged about how like every guy there was all <laughs> over her because she was the prettiest one there by far because like every other girl was like 300 plus so she was like the skinny pretty one there for the, but compared to everybody else there she said she's never so, so you tell me the master's taken back the quarter pounders or is that what he oh yeah, yeah no, he just, yeah, I mean, no he's not into it he just kind of accepted out of out of desperation and uh <laughs> but but yeah he doesn't he doesn't do that that often he i don't even know if he does it anymore but he he he's been on this is not a secret we've talked about it before on the show we even called one of the girls who who uh, he, he had uh taken from See, there this is a radio we need drop this we need the scaler in his story this guy's a legend he's he's going to fucking 400 pound clubs like i mean and he's denying the asian chicks that are attractive i don't get this guy I actually have I have known of a few girls who who were uh, decent looking, decent looking to attractive who who have messed around with Master Scaler. Yeah, but the master only has it for like one or two days, and they're like, "Holy fuck, this guy's insane!" Yeah, but there actually have been some. Some people would think there weren't, but there actually have been some decent looking girls that have uh, messed around with Master Scaler. And uh, there's one I didn't see. There's one that he kept bragging about that I believe him. I don't think he was lying. I never got to see her, but of all things. A long time ago, he he called up four one one. You know what that is? It was like the information directory thing when he wanted a phone number. Yeah. So he yeah. called he called the four one one, and he just started talking to the operator on there. 
<laughs> and, and, and she was like, she really liked his personality. She thought he was funny and interesting. So, um, and usually those operators were really, really unattractive. Like they were really, again, kind of like the fat girl. They're really, really huge and or really unattractive. So the, the operators were notorious for being like very, very rarely, not not just not pretty, but very few were even like average looking. So anyway, somehow he got like one of the few hot operators and he couldn't believe it when she came over. He thought she's just going to come over and it's just going to be like, you know, some huge girl who he just do stuff out of, out of desperation. She shows up and she's like really pretty. And hold on a second. The master got a number from 401 and the lady actually like, never met and just showed up at his place. Yeah. He, you know, he talked to the 401 operator and then she gave her phone number to him and then they talked uh, after she was off work and then, uh, and then she came over and then she actually did stuff with him and then, but then never would talk to him. Like she wouldn't answer his calls again. So I think she must've just, Decided she didn't like him after, or I, I don't Hold know. On. But... She met the master on a four on one site. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. Number. No, she gave went... her the number, talked to the master, and just went over there. Never met him. You know, it wasn't a site. It was a four one one phone number to get no, the information. No, she was not. Op- yeah. She worked there. She worked there. Yes, as an operator, and then okay. came over and met him. Yes, and then did stuff right. with him. They and never he... met in person before. No, they, right. they, kind of just, they had not met oh, in person Jesus. before. What's and, wrong with and, you guys? And he said that she was that she was. Really pretty, and he kept saying that she was prettier than any girl he'd done anything with, and there were some decent girls he did stuff with, so he kept – and I think he was telling the truth. I don't think he was making it up. So We've got to get the master on air. We've got to get this clarified. And, and, and he, like, I mean, I've never heard of that. And, and, These stories just seem too good to be true. And, I mean, and, and there's he admit, no way, Drop. Come on. And, and he admitted that uh, yeah, that she never talked to him after that, but uh, – but that one night she did, she did it. So that was that's the equivalent to you calling in to your internet provider, right, and complaining to them and, and getting some hot Asian or hot white girl and <laughs> saying, "Well, I'm gonna I want your number and um, well, I'll come over and we'll talk a bit on the phone." Like that. Well, that's first of all, I, I, I wouldn't. Do I don't that. believe that story. I don't believe it. I've had similar things happen in the past when I was younger. There's no way people don't – come on. There's no way the master got somebody's phone number off of I, I believe him. Yes, it happens. People talk There's on no – the, yes, people just talk and then they, they get to like each other on the phone. I've had that so many times myself. And then the late, and then the master gets on his Obama phone and, and talks to her for a bit and she just comes over. Never meets him. Just comes over and meets him. That Come on. That story doesn't make sense. You'd be surprised I mean, how many girls just would do reckless things like that. Just come over to some strange guy's house. They they shouldn't, but they they have. I, I've had them. Actually, I've had ones. That, I've had ones that would have, but I don't actually trust them enough to come to see me. Like I would actually, I would actually meet them somewhere. Either at, I'd come to them, or I would uh, meet them somewhere neutral. I wouldn't take them over to where I lived because I wanted to make sure I trusted them first, or at least semi trusted them. So. Uh, I don't believe that master story. We got to get the master on air. I'll have to. I, I'm I'll sure have to go duty on him. I'm sure it's true. I don't know. It's not, that, it's not that hard to believe. I, I thought the thing that would shock you was that, that 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 the girl was was very attractive and still did stuff with him. That's what I thought you'd be surprised. Not that she would come over in the first place. I can't believe it. I, I don't. I don't believe the master. I, I don't believe that story. Because usually That's, the uh, TPA TMLK fraud. No, TFA, TMLK fraud alert. Okay. It's going off here. Well, so I'll tell you this, TMLK, this was going to be kind of a moderate length show, and, and you've just been on here. We've just talked and talked, and uh, this is the, the, the I think you've, you comprised like at half the show at this point. 
I make I make for riveting radio drop. I mean, well, we'll hear my, we'll hear what people think of the segment. We'll hear if people liked it or disliked it. Uh, we'll hear people who just want people who just want noise. People who just want like like talking for a long. There's some people who just want to listen and just have us just. They just want to hear talking and they want to hear me doing it. So they don't really care what I say. They just want it there. They fall asleep to it. They 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 do yeah. it when they exercise or when they grind poker. So they don't care. Uh, others will say, "What the hell? What is this?" Banter with TML again. No, people are going to love it because you know what? No, but you got to accept TMLK wants to battle with you. I want to battle with you on air and you don't like it. And and they love that when I get under your skin. Like when I question your $5 internet and you you just go on a little tirade. And I mean, and then I bring up some valid points. I mean, I think you should go through the show, at least for my segment, and say, okay, TMLK started on air at this time. And we talked about this issue, like just pinpoint it, each topic we talked about and how long and length. And you'll you'll be surprised at uh, what response we get from this. I am going to bring up this thing with that 4101 operator when I talk to Master Scaler next. We we haven't brought that up for a long time, but I want to get... Some- no, you got to get the Scaler on air. This has got to be on air where Judge TMMLK makes a verdict on uh, if it's uh, the case is dismissed or the uh, the the case is denied, you know, or for, for, approved. For sure it has happened. I have met girls myself off of... That's, a, of that's random- a new segment going forward. No, I have met girls myself through kind of random phone encounters no, over the years. Hold. Hold. Judge TMMLK is going to be our new segment with the Master Scaler, and I'll I'll, I'll uh, figure out whether it's a uh, fact or fiction. Right. Look for that's what your next um, agenda is going to be, or we can call it Folio. Judge TMMLK discusses uh, with Master Scaler. That's that's riveting radio over there. Okay, I'm I'm going to you st- might. I, I'm going to start the closing song here. I, do, do, the show, do, do, the show's gone along enough. Do, 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 Hold on, TMLK. Hang on. What are, you, what are you trying to say? Uh, no, it's too loud. The song. I'm just no, trying it, to do shout out. No, it, it ends up being distorted when you, you 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 can. I'll turn it down in a second. Jeez. So we're going to come back next week on March 21st. Bad news for you, Sorry, though. Trederuski, I know I snapped you off clean. I still love you. Okay. Bad news for everybody who likes the show every week. There likely will not be a show. During the Drop, final, the failing now. I can't hear you. Okay, I'm explaining this to you. That this is a, a, an oddity with Skype, to where the audience can hear me fine. They can hear you fine, but you can't hear me over the music. It's just a, a problem with Skype. So you'll, you'll just have to. You'll just have to well, fake. Hold on. I'm giving my apologies to the Roost because he hasn't been back on. You know, like where's the Roost? Don't apologize. Sorry, he, he fell asleep. He's okay. Okay. So just okay. Let, let me, let me go on here. You, you you won't be able to hear me, but uh, they can hear me. And okay, they can, but I want to do shout-outs, too. I mean, they, they can hear you. I'll, 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 I'll tell you when you can do shout-outs. They can hear you. Well, I can't hear <laughs> So, there will be no show during the final week of March. So the show that you would be expecting on March 28th will not take place. I will be back the following week on April 4th. And pretty much every week after that for a while. 
So shout just- out to Footstep, uh, DJ Taps, uh, D Money, Brandon Drexel, uh, obviously Tide Legends of the site. Tide, keep, don't don't fall victim to drafting. Keep posting. They're a legend of the city. Don't let the haters let you know. You're gonna make it on the ship. I believe in you, Tide. You know, come on, bro. Let's get this done. <laughs> I actually stopped the music so they could hear for you better. Okay, so uh, you know, I'll, I will continue it. Do, 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 do. Okay, so the uh, come on, don't interrupt my closing uh, monologue here. <laughs> All right, thank you, Team MLG, for being on here for the final few hours and turning a four-hour show into a seven-hour show, wherever it was. Maybe actually, you know what? It's close to an eight-hour show. Wow, we were on forever. Uh, I don't know how I talked this long about this little. Thank you, Trader Ruski, for being here, and uh, get well, Calwat. I hope you'll be better by next week, and then you'll have your little week hiatus while I'm gone, and then I'll be back again. So. That is all for tonight. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to PFA Radio. New agenda next week. <laughs> Master Scaler, TMMLK, go at it.